Hey, welcome to the 255th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Often talk about old classic comic book story arcs, but lately I've, I've been kind of taking a break. I recently talked about The Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield and um, what last week I did American Psycho from 2000, Christian Bale, a bunch of other people. And uh, I think this this week, we'll see how this goes. I, I'm, I'm going to do another movie. I never thought I would do it. So things to say about that. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. One thing, I think I might have mentioned it a couple weeks ago. The podcast is available on iHeartRadio as well. I think I mentioned during my termite problem and rust combatant fight and battle, whatever, uh, one of the guys, uh, really nice guy. He, you know, we started talking about the podcast cause he saw like a bunch of stuff in my house and, you know, like, like all this related, you know, my Funko pops and you know, whatever. So he, you know, listens to podcasts on iHeartRadio and I was like, I never even thought about that. So it is available on there. Uh, yeah, it was just a matter of submitting it and, you know, making an account and all that stuff. So you have options where, where you can listen to this, however you, you listen, as long as you're listening, that that's the important thing. With this show, um, it's hard to say how long this show is going to be. I think it's going to be kind of normal-ish, whatever. Maybe it, it could go a little little long. There is no movie feature this week. There was nothing that opened in, in theaters, unfortunately. I was hoping Marcel Lachelle. I'm a little hes. I I don't know if that'd be a, a good podcast movie. I do want to see it. You know, it's an A24 movie. Looks a little freaky, but also looks it's so extremely cute. But it did not open in my local theater. Uh, I, and I don't know. Sometimes they do like limited and then it'll show up later. So I'll probably see it at, at some point. We do have the finale of The Boys, which you've probably seen you know, since I was like a week ago or whatever. The latest uh, last week's episode of Westworld, the finale of Ms. Marvel, and the second episode of Blackbird. That's a Taron Egerton. I'm, I'm really in- intrigued with that. Third episode is out now. But it'll give me a chance to just to, to breathe and everything. So the feature this week, it's going to be Netflix's Resident Evil. Now, you know me and how I cover shows. And, and as I'm watching this, I'm like, okay, I got to be super brief. I got to be super brief. And, you know, because I, you know, I, I jot down some notes and stuff like that. It's like, okay, I got to remember this. I got to talk about this and, and, and so forth. But as, as I do, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. So we'll see how it goes, and then I'm debating because I part of my my thinking, and and I could be totally wrong, and and you know speak up if, if you feel strongly one way or the other, but I I kind of want to look at it as giving you an insight as to what happened, just in case you are curious, but you don't necessarily have the time or or really desire to commit to the entire thing but you are curious enough to to hear about what what happened and then maybe you hear about it and you're like oh crap I, maybe i do want to watch that 
So I, I feel like I don't want to like skip over you know certain things, and it's it's hard, especially with the series when you know some little thing happens. Four episodes from now, that could be like a really big thing, and it's like, oh man, I wish I would have mentioned that before because now I, I look like I'm a dumb dumb because I didn't notice it. So we'll we'll see. But what I'm thinking I'm gonna do, just so the try one, so this show doesn't get crazy unmanageably long like it has been lately. But also maybe to kind of help me, I think I'm just going to do half the first half of Resident Evil. I watched it all. I watched it all Thursday. And and that, I hate binge watching shows sometimes. I, I tell you, and I, I think more so it's like when I'm doing it for the podcast and, and taking my notes or whatever. You know, I, I, I'm going to fully admit I don't have like a perfect memory to memorize every little thing, you know, like how I, I, I cover everything. But I think... I'll just do half of it that way. Again, you get a taste for it. So, you know, or as I was saying, I watched the whole thing on Thursday and the reviews are the IMDb scores and even like the the audience scores on Rotten Tomatoes, not that good, but the show's not not that bad. Considering like some of the other ones, I'll talk about it more when when, when I get to that that segment. I feel like there's a a story there and there's some things that were were interesting and some things that they could have done. And, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll get to it. So I think I'll save the second half for next week because also maybe that'll be easier because next week is also Comic-Con to kind of how the sausage is made a little bit. I might be able to like record that, like maybe even like Monday or Tuesday next week before I, I fly down to San Diego. And then that way, I'll have some stuff for the podcast because I don't really know how much about Comic-Con I can talk about. In the past, which is what, three years ago, what I did is Comic-Con was like the feature where I would talk about it. I think I might have included like some some sound bites from interviews or, you know, from the videos or whatever. I just don't know how much stuff I'm going to be able to get and how much it would be useful and how much it would translate to audio. So I want to have enough of the podcast and 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 so forth. So... We'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. Anyways, let's uh let's get started with with the news because there is a there's a, a decent amount of, amount of news this week. Uh, one thing that's I, I I really don't know what to expect. Madam Web. So Sony hasn't really instilled a lot of faith in us. I think you know Morbius, uh, not not that great. And for me, Carnage. You know, let there be Carnage. You know, Tom Hardy is, is great. You know, I, I, I love him. Those movies, not my favorite. I, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Uh, so they're doing a Madam Web. It's like, why Madam Web? I could see doing Spider-Woman, but Madam Web. And the fact that we have Dakota Johnson, which which I think she's great. And, but, we, you know, we, we have her as the main, um, we're assuming she's Madam Web. Now, you know, there's some different things. We have our our regular Madam Web and then Julia Carpenter became Madam Web sort of. So it's like, who is she going to really be? But then we have other people cast in there as, as well. You know, we, we have uh, Sydney. I always forget if it's sweet, Sweeney, sweetie, Sweeney. Um, she's in it as something is a, I forgot her name. Isabel Merced. I think that's her name. She is cast, which I'm hoping she's going to be Anya Corazon. And and am I making assumptions because she's Latina and Anya's is Latina? Yes, I am. I'll say that. Am I allowed to because I'm I'm Latino and I, I, whatever? I don't even know. Uh, and, and who else? There's someone else that was cast. I, I I forget. But we also have Adam Scott cast 
as, as I feel like there's someone else that was cast too. Uh, I can't remember. So Adam Scott has been cast as something, and is there a Severance tie-in? No. But it's like, hey, why are you doing this? You should be working on Severance Season 2. But maybe they're still writing it. Who knows what's going on? So he's going to be in it. And, okay, I had no idea, no idea what what, what this movie is about. It, I'm, I'm a little concerned with how many people they're casting in there. So you're going to get this big, huge cast. And, you know, they're not all superstars, but they're all good actors i just don't know it, it, it's always the thing is you know you have a movie centering around a singular character and then you cast all these other people who are like kind of fighting for the, the spotlight and then that's when things kind of get bogged down and overwhelmed i have no idea so we'll, we'll, we'll see there's a the boys spinoff because i remember them talking about this and then i thought they decide this wasn't happening because it feels like it was a while ago, but it is still happening. The so the boys spin off Gen V is is coming out. I think it's Gen V, not Generation V. I think it's just Gen V. It's basically supposed to be a college run by Vought, which that right there makes it seem like it's it's gonna be bad news. Um so basically you're gonna have superheroes going to college being trained to be superheroes because you know it, it's all but it's like it makes you wonder it's like how many how many people are there? Because when you think of college, you know, I think about a lot of people. So I don't think, and if, you know, Vod is responsible, do they really want that many soups? I mean, how many people are they, they, they looking at? Uh, anyways, I guess we'll find out. So that's going to be happening. They're like almost done with it, I guess. So it's possible maybe it would come out this year. But then again, if the boys isn't going to be able to come out next year then maybe this spinoff would come out next year to kind of hold us over i can't say that i'm super excited for it uh you know because there was that animated boys thing right because i, I saw, see that at the end when i watch episodes i haven't watched that yet i have no idea i haven't heard anything about that maybe because i'm in, in a bubble i don't, have no idea what's going on okay so um i, I mean i'll definitely watch it and oh, it, it, it i'm sure it'll be good so just it'll, it'll hopefully I'll, I'll be pleasantly surprised. Uh, <laughs> so Gremlins director Joe Dante, he apparently, and I think he said this before or whatever, but he thinks Baby Yoda is a Mogwai, Mog Mog Mogwai. Is that how you say his name? I haven't said his name in so long. I haven't watched a movie forever. He thinks it's a, a basically a, a Gremlins ripoff, and uh, you know, because oh here's this little creature with big ears and he coos like a baby, so it, it's got to be a ripoff, right? Even though there's like dogs and foxes or what you know animals with big ears, and plus the fact that Baby Yoda is based off a of Yoda who came out and who debuted in Empire Strikes Back, which came out in 1980, which was uh, four years before Gremlins came out. So uh, Baby Yoda's a ripoff, right? Yeah. Okay. Whatever, dude. I don't agree. But that's it's that's okay. You can think what you want. Well, kind of forever news. So Daniel, I don't know how you say his last name, Kukula, Kuluya, who plays Wakabi, is not going to be in in the movie. Oak Oak, who's he married to? Okie Okie. I'm just forgetting everything now. Anyways, he's not going to be in the movie, and he was such a good part in the first one, even though I can't remember anyone's names. That's too bad. I mean, maybe it was a, it was a comp, you know, what? Because I think he's in, in Nope, right? Which, that stinks that that comes out during Comic-Con. It's like, why couldn't Nope have come out this past week? And, like, why could, like, nothing come out during Comic-Con? 
because I really don't think I'm going to make it to a theater. There is a theater like a few blocks from the convention center. I don't think I'm going to go to a movie during Comic-Con. I mean, I, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, he's not in it. So that, that's, that's, that's too bad because I, I would have liked to see more about him. Uh, Alden and Enrich, Enrich, how do you say his name? The, the awesome dude who portrayed Han Solo, young Han Solo and Solo. I, I got to watch that movie again because I, I, I was so happy with that movie. And I'm so bummed it didn't do well. But he has been cast in Ironheart. So he's going to be in the Marvel Universe. This gets me concerned because obviously I would like to see him in a bigger role. But if he's going to be in Ironheart, who's he going to be? And and then my concern is, is he going to be cast as a villain? Because often, not always, but often the villains are just kind of throwaway villains. I mean, not necessarily, I guess, because it's for the Ironheart show. So we'll see. But I, I, I would like to see more of him. So hopefully, hopefully, I mean, who knows? Maybe this could lead to, you know, more stuff. Stargirl, there's a, I think it was a new trailer. It must have been a, a different trailer than, than what I saw before. I, I watched it again, and yeah, it's, there's actually more stuff. We have a release date, important thing. Wednesday, August 31st. So that's it's finally coming out, so that, that's great. And what it appears is going to be happening, there's going to be some tension between people because now some of the villains are kind of like heroes. So we, you know, we have Starman is back. From I'm, I'm really curious, like, where the heck has he been? And, um, oh, what was her name? The, the main girl who was evil so because there, there's a scene where on wildcat i'm forgetting everyone's name because it feels like it's been so long where she's not happy that this uh this bad girl is still there and she has a good reason to be because like releasing the pictures of her online and all that stuff she's not happy and then the fact that uh sportsmaster and um it's not cheshire is it i i'm totally blanking on everything they're, you know, so Starman's not happy that they're still there. So it, it'll be interesting to see that they're allies now, but they were villains. And, you know, so everyone trying to adjust with, with everything. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I really like that show. Uh, Salem's Lot remake. I think I knew about this. But so Warner Brothers is, is going to be redoing Salem's Lot. I haven't really heard anything about it. And I, I honestly, like, I could not tell you a single person that, that's attached to it in any form, like acting or directing or anything like that. They're moving it uh, to, it was supposed to come out, I guess, on September 9th this year. Really? It's like, we've seen nothing. They're moving it to April 21st next year. And uh, maybe, you know, there, there's reasons for that. As I've said many, many, many times, yes, you know, I'd rather have something delayed than have it rushed and be crap. If for whatever reason, and we're we're still dealing with with COVID restrictions and, and all that, you know, people have to play it safe. So I'm all for it. If if it takes a, a little bit longer, yeah, do that. One, stay safe, and two, make sure it's really good. You know, use the time to give us some quality stuff rather than just forcing it just to get it done. Because who wants that? Uh, not Sylvester Stallone, I'm assuming, but he's going to be in um, a, a. I think it's a movie on Prime, and it comes out in August. It's called Samaritan. So he's playing just a normal dude, and then his 13 year old neighbor thinks that he's this hero, old older hero called Samaritan, who's been missing for years after you know he was presumed dead after fighting his arch nemesis or whatever i think his arch nemesis is actually named nemesis as arch whatever 
and he's you know there, there's a need for heroes and he's like you got to come out you got to help us and he's like uh, i don't know adrian <laughs> the kid's name is eight not adrian but uh, there's a poster for it, so I, I'm, I'm down. I can't, I can't wait for that. I, I will definitely watch that. I guess some people. I, I think there was a video or something. I, I just saw a tweet where James Gunn responding to something, and and he's good where he'll shoot down rumors because so many people make assumptions, and I, and I, I guess the other thing is sometimes someone will whether whether they actually hear something from someone from someone from someone or whether they're making something up just to create a headline or whatever and then someone else goes and like i heard about this and then someone else like oh i heard i heard you know i think it's just a grapevine thing where just things kind of ravel so i what my impression was people were were kind of or they're bummed that because something with i I I think they're kind of blaming peacemaker for Thor not being able to be in Guardians of the Galaxy. Like that there were some delays in scheduling or something like that, that because James Gunn was busy, he couldn't, you know, uh, Guardians got pushed back and, and then Chris Hemsworth wasn't available. I don't know. I'm assuming that's what it was. But he's like, uh, yeah, Thor was never going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy. So, so shoot down that rumor. And <laughs> it's just funny when, like, sometimes he's just like, uh, it's like no this is not true it's like this was never even remotely the case uh people and making up their stuff i just i don't understand it uh july 20th halloween fans you can expect something something's happening jamie lee curtis uh, tweeted a jack-o'-lantern emoji with 7 slash 20 no idea what that means are we getting a trailer for, for the next Halloween movie, possibly, probably. I mean, that's what I'm assuming, even though it's July and it comes out in August or October. But I, we can probably get like a teaser, whatever. You know, why not get it going? So stay tuned for that on, on the 20th. Uh, Chucky Season 2 has a date that is coming back on October 5th. And so that is going to be on USA and Sci-Fi. And I really like that show. It, I, at first, I was just like, oh, these kids, like what's going on? They, they did a good job with it. And I, I'm, I'm so glad. That it's, it's almost like normal production. It's, it seems unheard of. It's like, wow, we're, we're getting season two already. It's, it's, been a, it's only been a year. But say, yeah, it's only, you know, normally shows end in like May or whatever. Then they come back in like September, October, November. So, yeah, that, that's, that's fine. But again, play it safe or not play it safe, be safe and, and give us good stuff. Scream 6. I don't know who's excited for this. I, I, I mean, I'll watch it. I, I almost feel like they should wait a bit because you know it's it's been so long in between. Because I, before the last movie just came out, I rewatched all the other movies, and they're very similar in a way where it's like, oh, someone is pretending to be Ghostface Killer. It's someone that's like some sort of beef or whatever, or someone wanting to be, <laughs> be popular as known as a killer. It's like what you're, you're, yeah, you're literally like crazy. He's crazy. I just feel like it's a lot of the same thing because all whoever is connected, what, and it's like, oh, I'm a long relative, or I'm, I'm the the illegitimate brother that no one ever knew of, or you know, my that was my mom that was this or. So it's it's always like some sort of stretch and trying to make a connection just to to have a reason for it to go. So I and and it, the movies have worked. The movies, you know, they were all good, good enough in their own way. I just don't feel like we should necessarily rush 
you know, the next one. But whatever, you know, do it while the the iron's hot. Strike it while the iron's hot. I don't know. So there's going to be another one. And we know Neva Campbell's not going to be in it. As, you know, she, she's, you know, good for her for standing up. You know, she's like, I should be getting paid more, you know, if, if I'm going to keep, keep doing this. They're saying, yeah, we're going to keep going. <laughs> we're, sorry, we're, we're not going to pay you that much. But we are going to pay Samara Weaving to be in it. My my fear is that she's going to be like killed in the first five minutes or whatever, you know, since like someone usually dies at the beginning. Someone like it's kind of famous, you know, someone like, like, whoa, they're in this movie. And then it's like, and I, I get it. So she's supposed to be, in, I, I love Samara Weaving. I think she's, she's amazing in, in everything that she's done that I've seen. And, uh, but also Tony Revolori is also going to be in it. He's been a few stuff, but uh, I mainly know him as Flash Thompson in the, the recent Spider-Man movies. So no idea what, I don't even know what this, I know nothing about it. I don't know if there's even been a, the slightest hint of a synopsis re- released. Do we really need one? It's Scream 6. We're all going to watch it. I am. Uh, and what I think we're all going to watch is Deadpool 3. Rhett Reese has commented about working on it. He has said that Disney's been very hands-off and supportive. So that's great. They're not like making any restrictions. They're kind of letting them do what they want. I'm curious. It almost feels like, okay, now if Deadpool's in the MCU, there's got to be cameos and stuff like that, right? And in order to do that, Disney's going to have to okay certain things, or you know, Kevin Feige or Disney, whoever. But at the same time, it's not like Deadpool needs to be, you know, needs to resort to that. You know, cameos are fun and you know good for a laugh, but it may not drive the story. But it would be cool to have a team, you know. I, I don't. I almost feel like that could be distracting. Like if all of a sudden, like we had Sam Wilson, Wilson and Wilson, you know, attorneys at law or whatever. That I think that that would be a bit of a distraction because then it's no longer a Deadpool movie. It's a Deadpool and Falcon or Deadpool and Captain America movie. So I, I think you'd have to be careful with that. But it would be be fun. Or even if you had like a a smaller you know side character. I don't even. I can't even think of anyone right now. But um, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I I, I hope it it's what we all want. And uh, speaking of Rhett Reese. He and Paul Wernick apparently just finished a script for Clue. So they're doing a Clue movie. I'm not sure why, but okay. And uh, I did, did I not hear about this before? Because Ryan Reynolds is going to be in it also. So that's that's awesome. But it didn't I thought Ryan Reynolds has taken a little break from acting. But maybe by the time those are written and who knows when Deadpool... I don't know. So I, I like Ryan Reynolds. I think he's good. Uh, there was a trailer for a movie called Day Shift. So this comes out on August 12th. So it feels like that's going to come up. This is going to be on Netflix. It's basically a vampire movie. It has Jamie Foxx, uh, Snoop Dogg, and Dave Franco. So basically, vampires are real. Let's fight them. It, it looks funny. It looks like it could be good. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. And uh, the last bit of news uh, is uh, there was a full trailer for Rob Zombie's The Munsters. And I have to say, reactions are not good. People are like, they're, they're of course, complaining and, and saying stuff. In my opinion, when I watched it, I had a big smile on my face. It Does it look cheesy? Yes, it does. I think it, should it be cheesy? Yes, it should be. I, I, I think if you try to do like a serious Munsters, I think that could 
that could be a disaster. And and you know, how can it would make no sense to try to do a serious monsters movie because you have the this these people they're they're mon- monsters. Yeah, you have basically you have Frankenstein and and uh, uh what is Lily? She's she's a vampire, right? She's not the cuz you know so basically you have a Frankenstein monster. You have you have you know grandpa's a vampire. You have Lily. You have it's it's you can't do a serious movie with all these quote unquote monsters being married and living in a neighborhood and having a little wolfman vampire kid or whatever Eddie Munster is supposed to be. It has to be cheesy. And especially if it's going to be in color, I've talked about this before, you know, when we saw it at the one trailer, like kind of like the opening and it was like in black and white recreating the regular opening. If you have Herman Munster green skinned, that's going to stand out. And plus the fact that he's what like seven feet tall or whatever, I think it, it, it's gonna. I, I think it's gonna be fun. I think I think it's gonna be funny. It's, I think it's gonna be entertaining. I'm definitely gonna see that. I can't wait. So um, it when when was that? That's September 22nd. If you look at it, if you're like, oh, this is stupid or whatever, this is cheesy. It's not for you then. That's fine. Uh, I, I wonder, like, some of the people who aren't happy, it's like, okay, were you really actually a Munsters fan? Um, I mean, are you are you invested in them in any way? Because it's like, why are you so upset with how this looks? Because yeah, I saw, I was reading, like, some comments who were like, like, oh, thanks for, now I know not to waste my time, or how can I get my two minutes back of my life for watching this trailer? It's just like, okay, what 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 better things were you going to do with that two minutes? And and the plus the fact that you're 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 complaining about the two minutes that you wasted, and then you're you're spending you know thirty seconds a minute r- coming up with some stupid c- hate comment. It's like okay, that's a great use of your time. <laughs> and I'm going off on a rant. I think that so I'm going to watch the monsters, and you're going to hear about it when it comes out. And uh, I I didn't love the monsters. You know, it, it was before my time. There I the. Awesome WFLD Channel 32 Chicago. That channel was amazing. It turned into Fox. Uh, it's currently Fox, I guess. But they had like all the all these syndicated shows. And I my for me, it's like being with the days, rare times I'm sick from school or you know, home alone, because that's how you did it back in the day. Just watching TV all day, laying in bed or whatever. Uh, and I just remember watching the Munsters or like, I think during summer vacation, you know, or I, I think, I feel like it was around, uh, like I was on like at noon or something like that. So I, I didn't love it, but I watched it. Maybe it was on later in the, in the day. And, and then there was a time where my daughter had, when she was young, she started watching Netflix. I was like, oh man, you started watching this without me. So then we started watching, you know, some, you know, she, she was already like a few episodes into the season. So I'm looking forward to it, and, and hopefully my, I can see it with my daughter if, if she can squeeze me into her schedule. Uh, so I'm going to see it. That is it. That's going to be it for the news. <laughs> Go watch the Munsters when it comes out. That Yeah, that's it. All right, with comic books at Image, I feel like there wasn't a whole lot that I read at Image. There was a comic called Above Snakes that it's by Sean Lewis and, and Hayden Sherman. I debated about reading this. So, so, okay, the description, the hit team behind The Few and Thumbs returns with an all-new wild-as-hell miniseries. So writer Sean Lewis, King Spawn, artist Hayden Sherman, Wasted Space, and rock star letterer Hassan Otsmane 
Elhua introduce a world where Deadwood-style westerns collide with the fantasia of Neil Gaiman in the story of Dirt, a man seeking vengeance for his murdered wife with nothing but a talking vulture to prod him on. Above Snakes is a fast and furious explosion of western tropes and American vengeance that explores where our rage can take us. It sounds like it could be interesting. Just when it came time to read, I'm like, I don't know if I really want to read a Western right now. Yeah, I, I might regret that later. Uh, I don't I don't know if that's necessary to comic for me, but please, you know, read it, support it, buy it if, if it sounds you know interesting to you. Eight Billion Genies issue three came out this week. So after the big news, the Amazon news. I I'm enjoying the, this this um this the series. It's eight issues, and and again the story is everyone on Earth gets a their own genie. You can make one wish, and that's it. Just one wish. So obviously every single person gets a, a now. The interesting thing I don't know if they've really talked about. What about like an infant who's like you know three months old? They have their own genie, and they probably don't really understand. And I, I don't know. I don't know if technically you'd have to verbally. Cause that, well, that's the other thing. Because like, what if you don't have the ability to speak? Can you think it? Can you sign it? You know, how, how do you you know express to to get your your wish to come true? You know, what's what's the official guidelines? But like, if you have a three year old, like your three year old is like, oh, I wish someone would change my diaper. Poof, there's your wish. I don't. Know. And but anyways, things go bonkers. Things the, the world is in chaos. And um, we get to see more of the one dude who like had a, this meeting. He has to get across town. So his wish is that he's prepared. He will be able to survive outside because they're all in this bar. The bartender wished for his bar to basically stay safe, you know, not be bothered or affected by wishes from the outside world. So it's like still standing and everything else is just just crazy. But then it, the way this ends is an interesting aspect is like that could open up like it's its own little like sub sub story in, in in this world so oh i'm curious to see where, where this is gonna go so definitely you know you, you should be reading that um and you know it's it's gonna be a movie or a show or a spinoff you know whatever on on prime so you definitely want to check that out there is a new comic called impact winter that came out it's been one year since a comet hit earth and blotted out the sun that sucks right um, now the world is a dark, cold landscape ruled by da, 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 vampires. In the British countryside, a band of survivors has formed a resistance in the fallout shelter of a medieval castle. Among them is Darcy, a young, headstrong fighter, waiting for the chance to prove she can be on the front lines. But when that opportunity comes, Darcy will come face to face with the true horrors of this new world. From creator Travis Beecham, Pacific Rim, and artist Stephen Green, Hellboy in the BPRD, comes a prequel to the hit audio, Audible original. I didn't. I totally missed that. I read this. I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna read this comic. I totally missed it. It was a Audible original. Um, I'll have to check that out because I, I like Audible. It's a it's a it's a decent comic. I I I, I think just the idea that. Oh crap! You know, it's like it's not only bad enough. It's like, yeah, vampires exist. That sucks. But the fact that a comet hit and it's like night all the time, <laughs> that really sucks. So and and you know, with this no suns or I think I don't know if it's just the winters like longer everywhere. I don't know, but 
yeah so it's 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 interesting that to see and um yeah some some unfortunate things happen in the first issue so we'll have to see where this is going to go so yeah that's um good stuff there um then i realized ordinary god seven came out i'm behind on that i, I gotta catch up at some point and undiscovered country 19 also came out so you have those at IDW J.I. Joe Real American Hero 295 came out. I I can't even keep track of how many issues behind I am now. So let's see. High Stakes Part 5. Holy crap. The next great J.I. Joe Real American Hero event continues here as Cobra remains busy establishing its corrupt casino operations. So I'm not super crazy about this casino thing. It's like, okay, where's this story going on? So they're establishing its corrupt casino operations at Cobra Island. The Warriors warriors the warriors of gi joe are equally busy attempting to covertly infiltrate their arch enemy's latest evil scheme new and classic heroes and villains will fill the pages including some shocking appearances as the fan favorite creative team of living legend larry hama and sl gallant continue their daring march to issue 300 yeah so uh, my my crazy discovery as i mentioned a a few several episodes ago is the fact that Snake Eyes is supposedly dead. So maybe he's going to be like one of the surprise appearances. It's like, surprise, he's not dead. Because you, you can't kill him. That just that just seems silly. <laughs> Don't get me started on comic book deaths. I, I could go off. I could go off and on and on <laughs> about that for, for a while. Maybe someday I will. At DC, there, there was a, a couple of um, DC versus Vampire uh, there's a crypt edition and a coffin edition. These are basically, I think they're like three issue reprints of like the first three issue and then um, four, five, and six. So if you have, I mean, this is a great series. I I cannot tell you how much I love DC versus Vampire. It's great. It's a great story. The art, Otto Schmidt, his art is, is his art and color is just just amazing there. And I each time I read it, I'm just I'm kind of surprised at how much I I love the story. That it's such a you know, we, we've seen stuff like this, you know, like Marvel zombies or, you know, this or that, or, you know, there, there's always like something. And, and, you know, you do this, like the Jurassic justice league that was did not work for me. So when you, when you do these, whatever genre things and, and mix it like experiment, mix it with our, you know, familiar heroes, it's an interesting experiment or whatever you want to call it. But, here this is just it's such a good story and and we even had you know batman you know red rain not black rain red rain black rain was a kurt russell movie right uh you know even that you know it was, it was a great story elseworlds whatever but this it i'm just i'm 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 so into it and i i think you should r- catch up read the series superman son of kal-el so this this is uh interesting just just continuing one thing that you'll notice on the cover we have the dynamic debut de, debut debut of Dreamer. So Dreamer, who you may have seen if you read the or if you read if you watched the Supergirl show. So now Dreamer is making her DC Comics debut, and um, I believe, unless I'm mistaken, the the actress that played actor that played say I, I i always feel weird saying actor and actress everyone is actors we should just have one word actors because it's like when you have a comic book writer why there's no gender on that so whatever the actor so i'm just gonna say actor that plays played 
<laughs> dreamer. I think is co-writing the appearance and everything like that. So I think that's awesome. Cause, cause she, as I will say, knows about the character and has dived, delved into the mindset, you know, when you're creating the role, even though you're reading a script and you're listening to a direction from a director, you have to establish who this character is. You know, you're standing up there and there may be special effects and lighting and stuff all around you, but you still have to, you have to give life to, to this character. So I, I think that's great. There's more stuff about uh, Jay Nakamura, uh, Jonathan's boyfriend, who his identity was was uncovered. So of course people are like complaining about stuff like that. And, and then there's um, other stuff like crazy stuff going on. So we're, we're we're seeing like some of the the plans that the the evil. I don't remember this this dude's name. Um, some things that happen are a little extreme. The, the evil dictator from the, that other country. What's his name? Not Bendix. Um, I, f- I forget what his, his name is. Uh, yeah, Bendix. Um, I, I, and I don't like this, this villain because he's the villain and we're not supposed to, I'm not supposed to like him, but it's just like, I, I feel like he's had too much of an edge on certain things. It's like, no, it's like, who are you? Anyways, whatever. Um, there's Wonder Woman. 788 i did yeah i did read this i'm i'm not digging this storyline this dr psycho or whatever you're calling him with his milk scheme poisoning milk to mind control people and i I don't know i'm not sure what i used to loved wonder woman and i don't know what i wanted a wonder woman comic and um yeah something i don't know what what my problem is Rogues issue three is out. So this is a black label book where it's the rogues. They're older and they decide to get back together. Uh, thanks to Captain Cold. He wants to pull off a scheme. Basically, he wants to go to to Gorilla City and steal this legendary gold stash that they have. And um, are they fully prepared? You know, it's been many, many years since they've done anything. So they're, you know, not in uh not not necessarily in shape but they're out of practice and everything like that and things start falling apart and uh not everyone's gonna make it and but there's um definitely some interesting things there i am batman issue 11 more and more i'm i'm really starting to like this comic you know in the beginning i was just like okay i'll read it and i think i know there were some i think it was like the first few issues of this series i didn't read because i wasn't sure if i read them already because as I read digitally, sometimes they do like a digital first. Because then I was like, wait, didn't I already read this? But I don't know if it was just like a recap or whatever. So we, so I still don't know. I, th- I feel like I might have missed. Did Batman Bruce Wayne ever give the okay to Jace Fox? Like, yes, you have my permission. You have my blessing to call yourself Batman. Because I just don't see Bruce Wayne be like, what, this dude's calling himself Batman? He's like, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I like the idea of him being Batman in New York City. Part of it because it it kind of pulls him out of just feeling like it's just another Batman story. Because since it's outside of Gotham, you don't have all the regular villains that are constantly popping up. Gotham is just crazy with all the stuff that happens. It's like, it is so ridiculous it's like it's just too much happening like every every single batman issue batman's fighting some crazed 
super deluxe evil scheme that's terrorizing the whole city. It's it's I, I, at some point people would just be like, okay, done, out of here, just shut the city down. You guys have it. But here, at least things are different. And then there's like the aspect of the relationship between this Batman and the police department because he's kind of working with them in a, in a different. It's not the same as Batman and Commissioner Gordon. And then we also have Renee Montoya show up because like they're like, hey, we need a police commissioner. You're you know working in Gotham. Do you want to do this? And you know, well, is she going to want to do it or not? But then Montoya also has some uh, a past with the one detective who was kind of let go from the Gotham City Police Department. She's now in in uh, New York. She's kind of like not necessarily a point person with with Batman, but you know, she's been working with uh, Jace. Uh, and everything like that and she just does not like Montoya so it's like if Montoya does stay I think that'd be cool if she could you know to have have bring in another character it's not necessary for her to be there but I think it could be good uh, so we'll have to see where that goes Future State Gotham 15 I kind of read, read through this because Batman was back supposedly you know in so in the Future State Batman died or disappeared, you know, depending on which storyline it was. So he's supposedly back, but then there's like, it's it's just like they're like, no, you're not him, you're not really him. Bruce Wayne is dead, and you know, and Jason's like whatever, and and Dick Grayson is also like like oh, or we got a fake Batman, and there's Damien, and so it's like a lot of stuff going on. I'm not really sure. Then there's a Dark Crisis World Without a Justice League um, Superman. Um, what's weird about this? There's a backup story that has to deal with um, Aquaman. <laughs> it's like that has nothing to do with, with with Superman. But what is really great about this? I highly recommend. I, I feel like I didn't hear anything about this. So it's written. Well, I mean, people must have heard about this. It's written by Tom King. So obviously, Tom King does anything. People talk about it. People, you know, are going to read it. But it's also drawn by Chris Burnham. And I, I love Chris Burnham. I mean, one, I think he's a, he's he's hilarious, and I think he's an amazing artist. The, just the two of them working, it's like I just there's something about his style. It's just it's like so gritty and just just so it's so expressive. It's so like like it's detailed but gritty, and I I don't even know. I, I'm horrible at explaining things. But basically, we see the story of Jonathan growing up, and it's kind of like an alternate story. So we get to see him, you know, he has a, like a different costume is, and just him growing up with, you know, Superman as his dad and like what he decides to do. And it's just, it's, just, it was a really cool story. I, I just, I really, really enjoyed it. I know I haven't been like the biggest Tom King fan, you know, lately the, the Batman Catwoman just didn't work for me and the, the, the Batman no time or whatever. I just, for whatever reason, I, I wasn't super crazy about him, but this, I, I love the story. So um, it's definitely worth it. The Aquaman story. I stopped reading it. It's just, I, I started losing interest in it, but you should, it's the Superman story is worth picking up. Okay. Then with Batman urban legends, so I, I've kind of, haven't really been reading this, this so much. Um, I guess all the stories must have concluded at the same time. Cause this is basically, this is like, like almost 70 pages, like 60 something pages of just team up stories. So we, we have Batman and the flash um, in Cold Shoulders, this is written by Ryan Caddy with Gleb Melnikov doing the pencils and e- inks. Scott H- Hanna doing inks also. So this, this was this was a good story. It basically, Flash comes in, in Gotham and we have Captain Cold teaming up with Mr. Freeze, which I think is cool. 
and just with the way Batman and Flash like having to work together because like normally like oh yeah Batman can handle anything on his own but having a Flash there really helps for certain things so that that was a good story then we have Batman and Aquaman in the sea beyond this is written by Joey Esposito so you may have you might remember him from IGN he covered comics like a while back he was on one of the episodes of the Comic Vine podcast Um, he's a good guy I really, really like him, and I'm so excited he's like doing comic stories. He had a comic called Footprints, I believe, and uh, so check out his stuff. So he he does a Batman Aquaman story with Serge Acuna doing doing the art, and it's it's not just Aquaman; it's also Mara. So they they go on this underwater adventure, and not really adventure, but you know. Then there's a Batman and Black Adam. Uh, in Statecraft, this is by Alex Pack Nadell and Aman K. Newhelpon doing the art, and Jordy Biller does the colors. This is uh, basically Batman having some words with Black Adam about him. I, th- I think what it comes down to is like, okay, you're trying to rule this country. Black Adam is, is doing good things, but he's also painting a target on the entire country because you know people are going to want to go after Black Adam, so they're going to attack the whole nation in, in some ways. So it's an interesting confrontation between them. And then there is a Batman Riddler and Penguin and Catwoman in on his worst nights. This is by Dan Waters. He wrote it and Riley Rosmo is doing the art and Trish Mulvihill Hill doing the colors. And, you know, I, I know I, I liked um, Riley Rosmo's art here. I think it works. And, you know, that that's the thing I mentioned sometimes, Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't for me. It's it's such a weird thing. I'm a big fan of his style and everything like that. But like with the Harley Quinn stories, I don't know what it was that there's something I was just resistant to it. But here, even though it's a Batman story, I think part of because it's this is like a short story, a one shot story, whatever, and so I, yeah, I could take it as it is, and I I can enjoy it. So um, so that that's it's a good issue. A lot 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 going on there. And then finally at DC, there was Batgirls issue eight. So this is uh, end of the storyline trying to save Seer. So we have Cassandra and Stephanie and Barbara as the Batgirls. And Dick Grayson is also here. So this is this was just a really good story. So I, I really enjoyed that. Over at Marvel, we had Axe, A-X-E, and that's for Avengers, X-Men, and Eternals, Eve of Judgment number one. Um, I have to say, I wasn't super crazy about this, and the main reason is, I so I started reading the Eternals, the the series that came out because this is written by Kieran Gillen, and you know Kieran Gillen is also doing the Eternals, so that's that's a good thing because you know he he's laying out who the Eternals are and, and establishing all that stuff, but for me. I've never been like the biggest Eternals fan. And when the series came out and when the movie was coming out, I was like, okay, I need to get over this. I need to start reading, figure out, you know, learn who these are. I only know like Cersei and Icarus and Mac- Mac- I, see, I don't even, can't even think Makari. I don't even think that's right. So I only know very few uh, of, of the, you know, of the ones in the, in the movie, obviously who some of have been changed, which is, you know, fine. So, with Eternals, I, I kind of I haven't read the last few issues. And in here, we have one dude that's in charge where he's he's basically like, like oh, I, I decided I want to kill all, all the mutants on, on this planet. And they come up with a way that could, seems like it could do it. And I, I don't know. <laughs> it just, just seems like things are, are getting a little nuts. 
and I don't know where this arcs, this the storyline is going to go. Um, hopefully, it'll be cool and everything like that. I mean, I'll I'll keep reading it. I you know. Then there's Captain Carter issue four. So this this is a a, a fun Elseworld story. You know, we have Captain Carter. She has a, you know Captain America powers ability she wakes up she's in the present trying to deal with things there's a lot of hydra infiltration and you know she's trying to figure out who's you know first she's trying to figure out how the world works now and then you know discovering that hydra is is infiltrated everything and you know who's a good guy who's a bad guy i like that she's working with elizabeth braddock and and then it turns out you know she does have powers because the first few issues like does she and there's also uh tony stark you know, and it's like a different version. It's still Tony Stark, but it's it's slightly different. So, it, it's it makes for an interesting story. Captain Marvel issue thirty nine, and so I'm I'm enjoying this. Uh, Carol is missing because Carol is gets put on trial for what she did in the magic community with a uh, um what's what's the dude's name from uh basically Enchantress's. Enchantress and Submariner's son in the future, where he like basically was ruling Earth and you know doing all those horrible things to people and stuff like that. So she gets put on on trial for her crimes, which seems a little silly, a little extreme. That it's like okay, you're you're getting put on trial for stuff like this. Is it's not like it's human laws, but you're basically kidnapping her, which is a law, you know, a human law. But you're doing what you feel, and never mind the fact that this dude did all this evil stuff. I think the thing is like, well, he hasn't done them yet. Cause that's in the future. There's no record of this, but it's like, well, then there's no records of this person even existing because he hasn't been born yet. I, I don't understand. And then there's more stuff with, um, binary binary, you know, so she is, um, on an earth and, uh, every once in a while kind of taking Carol's um, form. So it's like, wait, uh, should she be doing that? And we have Spider Woman here, and, and so forth. And, and then there's gonna be a little bit of tension when someone else comes up, and so it, it's good stuff. Daredevil issue one. So Chip Zdarsky, Marco Cicchetto are, are doing this. All new era of Daredevil starts here. So after the shocking events of Devil's Reign, what is left of Daredevil? Who lived? Who died? And who is left to pick up the pieces? So the first thing, Daredevil kind of does something. In the beginning, I and it feels like it was like a different writer, but it's still Chip Zdarsky. We have the stuff with um, you know, with, with a I, I don't and the reason I'm hesitating is I don't want to spoil things, but basically there's some stuff with Kingpin's son and Daredevil kind of does something in like in the first few pages, and I was like, should he have done that? Did he give anything away or not? Or, or is, is, could it? be a trick you know could they think it was just a disguise and anyways and then um some other bad stuff's gonna happen because you know bad things always happen in in matt murdoch's life so uh and then he he's also teaming up with electra because you know they want to take down the hand and everything like that and that's there's a little little uh price that's gonna have to be paid that he's not fully aware of so does that, you know, basically is Electra going to have to make a sacrifice? Because there's Daredevil. So we'll have to see what's going to happen there. Fantastic Four, issue 45. So this is basically the, this is the epilogue to the Reckoning War. 
So what happens? Who lives? Who dies? What what what's going on? Uh, all the stuff with the Watchers and Ua Two and uh, Fantastic Four. Reed Richards gonna survive? The, the things aren't aren't looking good for him and just everything. So end of the story and where new new kind of new new things set up for like after this. So you would want to check that out. There was Fortnite Marvel Zero War issue two. I did not read that. I did read the first issue and it was fine. Um, I probably should, will read that maybe at some point if I remember. Immortal X-Men issue four. This was an interesting look where it, there's a lot of focus on uh, Emma Frost and we kind of really kind of get into her mindset and because, uh, you know, Emma's always like very fierce and, and in command and everything like that, but just seeing more of her, like her inner thoughts and I, I it kind of opens her up a little more so it's, it's kind of interesting to to see how she feels about about different things and like basically you know what is she thinking because you know obviously whenever you know someone says something or does something you know they're they're always putting up a false front and all that so there, there's some some definitely interesting aspects that you know we we can take from that uh marauders issue four I'm not totally digging this uh, X Men in space stuff. Me in space, me in cosmic Marvel. I, I I don't know. I sometimes have have issue with that. But there's a lot of stuff with the Shi'ar and everything. And so uh, I'm curious what's going to happen with uh, I forget her name, uh, Lalandra and Charles' daughter, who's supposed to be the Majestrix now. And uh, so we'll have to see. Moon Knight issue 13. Oh, and one point. Oh, I'll say to Marauders. Someone gets killed. And they're like, oh, you you can't believe you did this. It's like, but but here's the thing: the X Men. It doesn't matter if you you kill them; they can be reborn. So it's like, why are you making such a big deal? <sighs> Anyways, <laughs> Moon Knight issue thirteen. So here, uh, the dude that's in charge of like the vampire pyramid scheme thing, he's not super happy with Moon Knight that he's like fighting him, you know, taking down stuff, and that he has. Uh, a vampire of his own that he saved. Who, I, f- I forget her name. Who's uh, working with him at, at the the night mission? And uh, what's interesting is is this dude's the toxic taskmaster, and he's like, I want your opinion on, on him, and and he's basically like, uh, you want to go up against Moon Knight? He's like, my advice, don't. <laughs> and he's like, he friggin' flew a helicopter into a building to, to at me. <laughs> So I'm so glad that Jed McKay brought that up. And uh, it's interesting to hear like what Taskmaster has to say and everything like that. So uh, he, this guy wants to take out Moon Knight. So that's that's not going to be good. New Mutants issue 27. This was a this was okay stories. It was kind of interesting. There is a like some flashback stuff with like young Ileana when she was in limbo with Belasco and everything like that. So there, there's some some cool aspects in there. And uh, um, Rod Reese's art and Jan Duersema. So there, there's a, a, some cool stuff in there. It was interesting to, to see young Ileana. And it's just a tragedy of her being trapped in limbo for all, all that time. Punisher issue four. So this is Punisher, leader of the hand, which is just weird. And, you know, how, like how long is, is that going to last? There's some some people come up and they're like he should be leading the hand and you know, so they have some words with him about that as he's like on his own 
and it's like can he he just has a sword or like you know you should be you know you're not worthy for that sword you should be holding it and then they start fighting him and he's the guy who normally just has a gun and you know he's good at hand to hand but we'll see if he can handle that savage avengers issue three so i i like the characters here except for conan i'm not a big conan fan and just uh trying to get into the story i'm struggling a little bit but i i i really i think i've said it before i really love that like cloak and dagger are here that are they're being used utilized as they they should be and and having electra here as as well not gonna try i'm gonna try not to think about how does this fit in with her current you know stuff in daredevil but there's just some some cool things here spider-man 2099 we have a black widow 2099 and uh there's also some stuff with Hawkeye, twenty ninety nine, and I I I'm been struggling with with these twenty ninety nine books. I don't, I don't know. I've also been struggling with Spider Punk issue issue or issue three came out this this week. So Spider Punk, I I love the character. I love the idea. It just sometimes it feels like it's it's just too much of the punk culture, um, like punk stereotypes. And I totally get it. I I know the. The writers are like are into it and everything. That's awesome. That's great. So it's it's legit. But sometimes it just feels like it's not necessarily a parody. I mean, it almost feels like a parody sometimes with with how everyone is just behaving to such an extreme. But at the same time, that's the whole purpose of it. So I'm I'm having this weird kind of conflict with it where I want to embrace it and appreciate it, but I'm struggling with it. It's just it's such a weird thing. I don't know. Uh, Star Wars The Mandalorian issue one came out. I was like, oh, cool, Mandalorian comic. Okay, I'm down with that. It's uh, basically adapting the series. It's, you know, him taking the the bounty to go uh, after Grogu. I, I don't know how we feel about this. It's like, okay, do we need that? Because we could just watch the episode and we probably have read the episode or watched the episode. There's something, you know, when you see these comic adaptations where sometimes they can flesh things out a little more. Uh, I, I don't, and I, I started reading this and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll read this again and go through it. So I can't really address whether they have fleshed certain parts out or if it's all just basically summarizing the episode or, you know. So I don't know. But then uh, there has been times where this has happened before and then it veers off and into other areas. So I don't know if the point of this is just to adapt the series if so i kind of question that but whatever it's not no one asked me what i what i thought about it <laughs> wolverine issue 23 i just kind of skimmed through this it's wolverine deadpool going against danger and the danger baby and and all that uh then x-men hellfire gala issue one so at first, I'm just like, oh, here we go again. Well, the one problem I have is you can't have these yearly galas. Gala? 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 You can't have yearly events in Marvel. You can't say that it's been a year since the last one because that means everyone's aging a year. And, you know, we have this sliding time scale thing where, where we don't really want to think about characters aging in real time because you can't do that. So I guess you just don't don't really think about that. Uh, the the problem is based off of what happened in the X Men comic, where the world has discovered the X Men secret that they can come back from the dead, and of course 
you know, this is going to kind of put a target on them. Everyone's like, oh, why, why are you, you know, keeping this for yourselves and all that? Where it's the, the, the thing is, it only works on mutants. So it's not like they're keep, and they should straight up say that because, uh, like, I don't remember, it might have been the Immortal X Men where someone, uh, a prime minister, it's like talking to, Emma was like, oh, you, you can't, you know, keep this. And, you know, maybe only people in the, in the high, you know, cabinets, whatever, should get access. And which, of course, that's what he's, you know, going to think about. But it's like, it's like, no, it's not like they're keeping things from human or anything like that. They're, they, it just, they, it doesn't work for them. So there's that problem. And then there's other stuff with um, or, Orchid or, or, or Sires, whatever that, the, and uh, the evil, Mr. Sinister, the original, maybe the original Mr. Sinister and his stuff. And Moira, you know, she's she's basically like evil now, which is just weird. And, you know, she's, I guess she's just angry and it's a lot of crazy stuff. And then there's the fact that if you read the free comic book day issue, and I don't know if I address anything, but they're going to, they're using Mary Jane. Like Moira is going to use Mary Jane as a, like a puppet so she can infiltrate the gala. And you know, the pushed her part of her scheme forward, and she's like, "Oh, that's okay. I'll just kill her afterwards." It's like, "What? You can't kill Mary Jane." So it's just, it's just like a weird, I don't know. But other than that, it was a good, good issue. Where normally I would say like, "Oh, it's just a gal or whatever," but then um, you have the the fact that we have um, a new team, so they they vote, and normally I wouldn't spoil. You know, I don't like spoiling stuff in the comics, but uh, Marvel did spoil the. It was like 11 a.m. Pacific time. They're like, here's a new X Men. So I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to just share my thoughts on that. And uh, if, if you don't want to hear it, skip for over like a, a couple minutes. So here's your new X Men roster. This is like the main X Men team, even though there's like so many X Men books. So we have. We still have Cyclops and Jean, and there is some question, you know, because Cyclops kind of let the cat out of the bag. Is he still going to be there? So he, they're there. Cinch is still there, which um, I'm, I'm coming around to him. There's like one in, interesting aspect that came up with his ability, with his power. So he can basically sink. Did I say cinch? Sink? This is sink, right? He can sink with people's power and like mimic their powers, you know, when he's nearby. He's also been um, using people's power that he synced with before, like like oh I um, I was hanging around I I synced sunk with Colossus you know two weeks ago he's like over you know in Nebraska right now so I'm using his power there, there's something if he does that Forge is going to be on there Forge seems like he should. Sorry, Forge. He seems like he should be like stuck in the lab, constantly making stuff that they need. But this could be a good thing. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how he's used because he's he's a guy that can supposedly build anything. That's his mutant power. So we'll, we'll see what he does. His condition was like, I'll be on a team if Havoc is on a team. So we got Havoc and Cyclops on the same team. That'll be interesting because Havoc's been kind of. He's has he's you know he got he got put on the Hellions as like uh, punishment. Then we have Iliana, which, which I I I really like Iliana. I'm, I'm glad that she's there. It'll be interesting. So she's not going to be New Mutants anymore because that that's that's one of the main reasons I, I like the New Mutants book is because she's there. 
Then we have Iceman. Okay, that's fine. That's good. And uh, w- one thing that feels a little forced is we his connection. The fact that he's there and then Firestar's there. I'm so glad Firestar is now there. And Emma like actually apologizes to her like the way she treated her because you know originally firestar was joint she joined the the hellions the emma's school and there's like there's some issues there so they actually have some some words and then cyclops or not cycle iceman is actually friends with with firestar it's like since when since spider-man is amazing friends that doesn't count but it's almost like they're trying to push that and whatever so, so we have fire and ice on, on the same. T- I, I'm I'm down with this team. So I, I think it's, it's it'll be interesting to see. And because we haven't seen these these you know mutants together like this, so I, I'm really curious to to see how it's going to go. And I really hope that Firestar's potential cancer cancerous effects of her power onto herself that that's been figured out. But maybe with Krakoan medicine or whatever they can figure it. I don't know, but. I'm 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 curious to see where that's gonna go. So uh, that that's gonna be that'd be pretty cool. So we'll we'll see where that goes. But the the X Men man, they're gonna have their hands full. Of of course, because you gotta have that conflict, and um, you gotta <laughs> also be ready for the rest of the show because that's gonna be comics for the week. And that was a horrible outro for comics. All right, now The Boys, Season 3, Episode 8, The Instant White Hot Wild. So this is the season finale. And it's interesting that this is only eight episodes, you know, when you think about like 10 episode series. And it feels like it's been a long episode. And and while I've enjoyed it, I'm not saying that it's like, oh, yeah, I'm done with it. You know, yeah, I would like to have more. But it feels like they did a good job telling the whole story. They, They did a whole season didn't drag on got to the point and that's what matters you know they 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 told the story at the right pacing so they they nailed it in my opinion so going with this episode just running running through what happened it starts off homelander has found ryan newman helped him ryan says that aunt grace is treating him rice and homelander's like well you have a you know he's like aunt grace he's like you have a real family and ryan's like aren't you mad at me for what i did and homelander's like you know it wasn't your fault, right? He's like, when you're strong as we are, sometimes accidents happen. And he says that you know he'll always love him no matter what happens. He'll always be there. And then Ryan gives him a hook. So it's like, oh, man. Outside Vought, there's a conflicting protest for Homelander and for Starlight. So the two groups are kind of like, it's starting to get tense between them. The attorney general or someone is, is, is coming with a search warrant looking for Maeve, thanks to Starlight supporters and all that. So Ashley tells Adeep about the search warrant and they're like outside Maeve's cell. So they start pumping some gas inside to knock her out. And Ashley just looks at her and you can see that she's like kind of like upset. You know, she doesn't really want to do this, but she doesn't have a choice. And Maeve just like collapses. Huey's like wiping black ooze out of his ear and he tells Butcher that Soldier Boy has been like hiding in the bathroom since he said that he has to kill his son. He comes out and he seems like a little hesitant to go on with the plan. So this, that might be a problem. Maeve is still alive. I was thought it's like already killing her. She's still alive so far. So she's being transported out and in like an armored truck with armed soldiers and she starts to wake up. And she looks and she snaps her binds and she takes out the guards. And then she like busts out with, then there's like a bit of blood on her. So she probably wasn't too 
easy or friendly with with these soldiers you know whatever they're bad guys frenchie's talking to mother's milk he got a dose of the, the nova chalk that like nerve gas stuff the russian stuff mother's milk questions if the fact that frenchie put it in he put the world's deadliest nerve agent in a ten dollar bottle of starlight's perfume <laughs> and and then frenchie brings up to mother's milk about hitting todd his uh his ex-wife's new husband mother's milk said that you know he he's always tried to keep his messed up crap away from Janine, his daughter, but now she's going to remember him hitting her stepfather for the rest of her life. And Frenchie's like, so she knows, like, you know, you're still the best, uh, you know, man I've ever known. Homelander's watching the news. Reports says that his unknown confession on Starlight's Instagram feed has brought the largest drop in Vought stock. Ashley and Deep come to tell him that while he was gone, the two of them had to move Maeve out of the tower. And Deep's like, it was your idea. Because, you know, he doesn't want to get in trouble or anything like that. Noir returns a bot. And, (laughs) like, the animated beaver and, like, some birds and stuff like that are, like, walking with him. Homelander asks, he's like, where's Maeve now? And then Noir walks in. And Ashley says that they're going to go. So, Noir has a note. Soldier. And a soldier, S-O-L-D-I-R. So, it's spelled wrong. Soldier boy will come, we kill. It's like, Okay. Homelander takes a note, he thinks, and he's like, I knew you'd come back. And he gives Noir like a hug. Butcher, Huey, and Soldier Boy are on the move. Butcher comments to Huey, he's like, you really are the splitting image of my little brother. So, you know, they, they stop at a gas station like that. And Huey's like coming out of the bathroom. Huey's like confused. And Butcher punches him, knocking him out. He pushes him back into the bathroom and then gets in the car. So Soldier Boy wakes up in the back seat. He's like, you know, where's the other guy, you know, Huey? And Butcher's like, he says he ran. And Soldier Boy says that they need him to get close to Noir, but Butcher's like, that's a, you know, it's like I have it all worked out. A Train's brother Nathan gets out of bed and into his wheelchair. A Train comes in and Nathan sees that he has his old blue costume. And A Train, he's like, oh, they gave me a new ticker, and he's like, I'm gonna be able to run again. You know, races and endorsements. He's like, I can get it all back, but it doesn't mean anything without you. He's like, come train me, and he's he's like, I'll spend you know the rest of my life making it up to you. And Nathan's like, did you kill Blue Hawk? And Atrian's like, no, that was Soldier Boy. Then he's like, you did. He's like, no, Nate. He's like, he's like, I didn't want that. I wanted my kids to see his mugshot on TV. And now he's in an A-Train stops. He's like, I stopped him for you. Nate's like, this has always been about yourself. It's like every time that you know you try to make it right, you make it worse. He tells him, he's like, why don't you just go and sell your stuff, but stay out of my life. And he yells at him. He's like, just get out. He's like, I don't want a murderer in the same house as my kid. And then he tries pushing A-Train, but then he, like, falls out of his chair. A-Train goes, you know, help him. yells. He's like, don't touch me. He's like, don't come back here. Huey uh, is sitting outside a gas station, and then Andy pulls up. It's, like, silent in the car. It's awkward. And he he thanks her for picking him up. Then, you know, she finally asks, like, what happened? Because, you know, his face is hit. And, you know, his face is sore, and you can see it, whatever. He's like, Butcher punched me, you know, knocked me out out of nowhere. Then she asked if he told him, and he's like, told me what? And she's like, that temp V is fatal. And she's like, mad. So she tells him that if he shot up anymore, he'd probably be dead right now. And she realizes that, you know, he didn't tell her. She's like, that a-hole, whatever. And he was like, he's, he, that a-hole saved my life. He stopped me from taking more V. So he asked her if, he's like, have you ever had pizza rolls? And she's like, like middle school sleepover pizza rolls? And he was like, yeah, my dad bought them in bulk after mom left. He never, you know, fought back for her. He just sat there eating pizza rolls. Huey says that, you know, he spent so much time thinking that he was sad and weak, just a loser. But 
he was there taking care of him during the worst days of his life. He wasn't weak. And, you know, he always didn't know what strength was. So he apologized to Annie. He's like, I never should have put any of this on you. She thanks him for saying that. Then he's like, every neuron in your brain is screaming, I told you so. So why don't you just say it before your head explodes? And she's like, I told you. And she like screams it. And then her phone rings. It's Maeve. She's at MM's. So Annie um, and Huey show up. Huey and MM leave to let them catch up. Annie's asked where she was. And she's like, about 12 floors below you in the tower. And he's like, how'd you get out? Starlight's hashtag free Maeve crap had every LGBT in the world up Vought's butt. She says that Annie got her her chance. Frenchie's like snorting some cocaine or something like that. And then he turns around and Kimiko slaps him hard. <laughs> and then she signs that he's been drowning himself in that poop since little Nina. And he says that he's done his part. She's like, they're not finished, a-hole. And he says that he is. So she calls him an a-hole again. And he's like, Nino is right. It's like, my papa put a chain around my neck. All it changes is who holds the other end. She signs, our past is not who we are. She thought that she'd always be broken, but he saw something in her and she sees it in him. So Maeve, and then she finds out that Soldier Boy is Homelander's father. And then Huey's like, well, biologically. Starlight tries getting people to leave the tower, but they won't listen to her because she's worried. You know, she's tries, she's like on the phone. She's worried that a soldier boy goes after Homelander, that it's going to be worse than hero gasm. MM says that they have to stop soldier boy before he gets to Homelander. And Huey's like, and save butcher too. And they all, they just like, look at him. They, they all think that he's beyond saving. Huey points out that butcher saved him. So there must still be some good in him. Soldier boy is drinking, talking with butcher. They're talk, start talking about fathers. Uh, Grace calls and butcher just ignores the call. So she's probably saying, Hey, uh, your your kid's gone. Soldier Boy asks if he ever saw the Soldier Boy story. You know, it's a, the story of a poor kid and all this stuff like that. He's like, it was all BS. He's like, my dad owned half the steel mills. He's like, I went to boarding school. I got kicked out because I was a mess up. And he's, he's like, dad never touched me because he couldn't bother with me. So he went to dad's friends and got into Vought. He went to fight in a war, became the stronger person, you know, became a hero. Dad wasn't impressed. And he, he said that he cheated and he took the shortcut. Then Soldier Boy asks Butcher if he has kids. He's like, that's complicated. Soldier Boy says he always wanted one. Butcher says, Homelander isn't your kid. He's like, you didn't raise him. He was born in a test tube to replace you. And he's like, and that's why they left you to rot with the Ibans. So Black Noir is sharpening a sword. Homelander asks, what was he like? Because he's like, you know, you've been in a team with him before. And he just writes bad. And, he, and he's like, well, whatever. That doesn't say much. But then he like underlines it. Homelander's like, he's my father. He's like, I didn't believe it at first, but then I read the company archives. It's all true. They lied to him his whole life. Noir writes, must kill him. Homelander says he's not sure he wants to. Then he asks Noir if he knew he had a father alive out there this whole time. Eventually, Noir, he nods. He's like, fudge. He's like, why didn't you tell me? And then push, punches him in the gut. And then ugh, deeper, pull, rips out his like intestines. He's like, you should have told me. And then he just leaves him there uh, on the floor, just like bleeding. And then like the cartoon characters come and talk to him. Like, oh, it's okay. You'll be fine now. You'll be, we'll all be together. And Noir's dead. Butcher looks at a vial of Temp V in the office. And then there's a knock on the door. And it's made Butcher's surprise. And then MM comes out, you know, from around the corner with the gun. He's like, you didn't think I knew where the backups were? He's like, so that... 
he kept the backups in the office. They all go inside, Starlight, Huey, Frenchie, and Kamiko. And he's like, where's Soldier Boy? And M.M. asks if he's on temp, that temp V poop or whatever like that. He's like, what happens if I pull the trigger? Because, you know, is if he's not on it, he's going to kill him. If he is on it, it's not going to do anything. Wide-eyed Butcher's like, go ahead and do it. Then Huey, like, gets in the middle. He tells him to stop. He tells him if he doesn't help st- them stop him, thousands can die. Butcher's like, it's Vought Tower. And Frenchie points out that Becca worked in Vought Tower. He's like, so they're not all bad. The butcher's like, you shut your fudging cake hole. And Frenchie, Frenchie, he decides to finally stand up for himself. He's like, "Uh, this cake hole will remain open. He's like, you will never command me again. Huey says that he saved him in the crappiest way possible, but he doesn't think that he wants to go through with this. He thinks he wants him to pull him back just like Lenny used to. Then Maeve grabs like the nerve gas. She throws it out the window, which is like, okay, where is that going to land? It could be some random person walking on the street. Psh, they're dead. And then she grabs and she like breaks MM's gun. She's like, Butcher's right. Homelander needs to die. It's like, whatever it takes. Annie starts getting high and mighty. And she's like, I really thought that deep down you were a hero. And she's like, well, you were wrong. There's no such thing. Then Annie's eyes start glowing. And she's like, this is not going to happen. And Maeve's like, Annie, I don't want to hurt you. Then Soldier Boy's like, but I will. So Butcher tells them to get inside the safe because they have like a big safe or whatever like that. So Ashley, A-Train, and Deep listen to Annie's phone call to the guard about evacuating the tower. Deep says that they ran it through the voice thingamabob, so it's really her. Uh, they probably should evacuate. Homelander comes in and he's like, nobody's ev- evacuating anything. He's we have to project strength. Then Deep says that the, the analytics, whatever, thinks that Soldier Boy... Um, this analytics team is Soldier Boy is coming for Noir, the last member of Payback, so they should use Noir as bait. Uh, and then they can, Homelander puts Noir's helmet on a table and he just sits down. And Deep's like, uh, Is everything okay with Noir? And Homelander's like, He was keeping secrets from me. And he goes on about how when he was first told about getting a team, he wanted them to be the family he never got. Uh, with this Dane, he's like, And then I got you. Deep's like, I've always tried to help you, sir. And he. <laughs> He's like, you mean when you ran away from Herogasm or when you fudged an octopus? He's like, you really want to help? And he motions him over and he whispers into Deep's ear. So Deep's like, uh, that's sort of treason. Then he's like, uh, anything you say, sir. So Holander tells Ash, he's like, take off your wig. And she's like, what wig? And he just like glares at her. So she finally takes it off. And she pretty much has no hair. Just like some wisps of hair or whatever. Homelander then looks at A-Trains. He's like, and then there's you. He's like, how could you kill one of your own in cold blood? And he's like, you are going to tell the world that we are the one and only true justice. He says that Noir was better than all of them put together. He says that they're not his family. He doesn't need any of them. He's like, remember that. So this dude gets out of the pool, whatever, goes in there. And uh, it's it's uh, the dude that get, got picked to run for vice president. He goes in the pool. It's like at night, you know, he hangs up his phone. He drowns. Deep killed him. Annie finally busts open the safe. MM says that they have no plan now. The knockout gas is gone. Frenchie says that there may be one other lab and they're headed there now. So he's like, you want to break into Vought Labs? And Huey uh, sees a vile attempt on the floor and he, like, he picks it up. Homelander watches archive footage of Soldier Boy. Butcher, Soldier Boy, and Maeve come in and Soldier Boy asks, where's Noir? Homelander says that he's dead. He's like, I killed him. And he's like, why? And he's like, because he didn't tell me about you. And then he he's 
he says he's alone. He just wants to talk. He knows what it's like to have your team betray you. And he looks at Maeve. He says with the two of them together, nobody would stand a chance. Soldier Boy shrugs and is like, unless we kill each other first. Homelander's like, why? Because, you know, he points to Butcher because he says so. He's like, he's nothing. Butcher's like, don't listen to him. He's like, he's not your son. Homelander says that he is. He's like, he's his blood. That's all that matters. And Soldier Boy is like, maybe. Then Homelander brings out Ryan. Homelander introduces his son. He's like, this is my son, Ryan. This is your grandson. And Ryan's like, hi, Grandpa. Homelander says, see, you have a family. It's like, you have him and you have me. Soldier Boy says, you know, it's a shame that he's missed so much. He's like, I wish I could have raised you. And Homelander kind of like sniffs. He's got like, you know, he's like just so getting all emotional. He wishes he could have taught him father to son. Homelander says, he's like, me too. He's like, but it's okay. We have each other. And Soldier Boy's like, maybe if I had raised you, I could have made you better. And not some weak, sniveling pussycat star for attention. He's like, but there's no fixing that now. And Homelander's like, weak? He's like, I'm you. And he's like, I know. You're flipping disappointment. And he grabs Homelander by the throat. Maeve and Butcher grab his arms. Like, they each get an arm. Soldier Boy starts, like, powering up. And Butcher yells at Ryan. He's like, get out of the building. But, um... He's like yelling. He's telling Soldier Boy. He's like, "Let go! Of him, let it! Let him go! Whatever." Ryan um, zaps Soldier Boy and sends him flying out of the room. He I, I zaps him, and Homelander tells Ryan to get back upstairs now. You know, right now. Soldier Boy's shield plows into Ryan, sending him flying. He slams into like some wall, like some like a cabinet thing, whatever metal cabinet. Homelander goes down to him. Ryan's got like some blood on his forehead or whatever. Soldier Boy calls him a little poop, and uh, you can see Butcher isn't isn't really happy. So he starts uh, to power up. Butcher looks at Maeve, and Butcher eye blasts Soldier Boy, who raises his shield to to block. Homelander gets up, and then eye blasts him too. He goes flying through like glass into like another room. It's a the, the new studio. Butcher and Homelander just kind of glance each each other because now they realize that they have a common foe because he harmed Ryan. They both care about Ryan. Soldier Boy asks. Butcher, he's like, what? what yeah, it was like, what the hell's your problem? And Butcher's like, not the kid. He's like, he's my wife's son. So Soldier Boy's confused. He's like, Homelander slept with your wife, and you want to save the brat? He's like, I made a promise. And Soldier Boy says that everything he's wanted is right here. And he's like, he tells Butcher, he's like, you're weaker than Homelander than he is. Homelander's still with Ryan. He kind of starts waking up, and then Maeve like punches him. It doesn't really do much. He's he's like, not now. He's like, we have bigger fish. And she says that um, she's like, I don't. So they start fighting. And he's like, I said not now. But then she kicks him. And he slams into a cabinet. He tries telling her to stop. Soldier Boy and Butcher are duking it out. It's it's kind of even. But then Soldier Boy slams him into the VNN, the Vought News Network desk, whatever. Grabs his shield to like smash him. But then he gets zapped by Annie. And M.M. Zer, he has this like big gun, this big rifle too. Kamiko breaks into the lab for Frenchie. Um, Huey's like in a control room he gets on the comms and he's like there's been a terrorist threat called into the building and Ashley heads up she's like going up to the helipad the other Ashley's with her she's like oh no no not, not you she's like this is just for like whatever level and higher so she's like sorry <laughs> so poor other Ashley um, some guards see Frenchie and Kamiko in the lab she puts some earbuds in and starts listening to Maniac was it Michael Zambello from, from Flashdance Zambello Zambello anyways she starts like basically massacring them as, as they start shooting her. <laughs> Maeve and Homelander are still fighting. He uh, has a bloody nose. He eye blasts her and 
she like you know blocks it with her with her like wrist gauntlet thing and he he gets up close he sticks his thumb in her like right eye and, and she punches him in the crotch and then in the face he slams his fist into her and then she slams him into wall and you know she's still she you know she gets up Annie goes for another shot at Soldier Boy and then she gets slammed it, you know he slams her knocks her back like up into like the ceiling like the wall. He turns in time to block another eye blast from Butcher. Kamiko, she's like overdoing it on one soldier. She's like just like pounding and pounding. It's like, okay, that's that's a bit much. The other one gets up and he shoots at Frenchie, who tries like, you know, moving. He gets shot in the calf. And Kamiko could have done something. But she um, takes this, this guy out too, whatever. And then Frenchie made the gas just in time. So it's like, that was really fast. Eye blasts are still going. And then Butcher, like, punches smashing um the shield you know punches the shield starts smashing into pieces mm um he cheers he's like screw your shield whatever uh fist fight again soldier boy has the upper hand butchers down mm goes goes to him kimiko comes in but then he grabs her by the throat slams her into like some stuff and he tries getting up huey turns like uh security monitor on and he see just in time to see annie like on her feet he takes out the temp v and he's like he's debating taking it but then he turns on the studio, the lights in the studio. It's like all of them. It's like some of them psh, psh, let's start popping. They're like overloading. Then Annie's like getting brighter and it's like starts floating with power. And Huey looks and you can tell he's like proud. Soldier Boy jumps right at her with, with like a, a broken piece of shield. But then she just blasts him. He falls. They all grab him. And then puts a gas mask over his face and psh, Maeve and Homelander are still fighting. Butcher gets up to see Soldier Boy starting to like power up, but then he's he says that because he, he's like I'm not going back into the flipping box. And Ryan steps into the studio like a little idiot. He's supposed to be upstairs. Butcher goes to Ryan to like shield him. Maeve picks up a piece of metal and shoves it into Homelander's left ear. And there's like it's like it's like a metal rod. It's almost like like a scourge, like something. And there's like blood. Soldier Boy is glowing. Butcher tries shielding Ryan. Soldier Boy turns to Annie, M.M. and Kamiko. And then Annie and Maeve exchange a look. Maeve curses. Homelander takes uh, out the little pipe. And Maeve shoves him back. Tackles Soldier Boy out the window. And holds on to him as they fall. Everyone checks on each other. Ryan's just like standing. He looks at Homelander. Uh, and he starts walking towards him and Butcher. Ryan says, Dad, I want to go. Let's leave. Please. I want to leave. And Butcher like calls out to him, but Ryan takes Homelander's hand. And Butcher's like, please. And then the two leave. And then Butcher feels some like black ooze stuff coming out of his nose, and he faints. There's a news report on remembering Queen Maeve. So she didn't survive. She's dead. So they're talking about how she was a role model. She made the sacrifice, all this stuff like that. All these people, you know, memorials and stuff like that. Butcher is is in in the hospital. And uh, he's holding the the pendant, the necklace thing that he gave Ryan. The doctor's like talking to him and he's, you know, not really listening. He says that more treatment would significantly impact his quality of life without necessarily extending the time that he has left. You know, he takes out a cigarette and he's like, well, you can't smoke that. But he's, you know, doesn't listen. He asks how much time does he have? He's like months, 12, 18 on the outside. Butch is like, well, you can kindly fudge off then. MM talks to Janine. They're looking at a photo album of like his parents. And he says that, you know, for the longest time, he didn't want to bring her into this. He's like, but there's nothing to be ashamed of. He's like, truth is, superheroes aren't always good. One of them, Soldier Boy, killed a lot of our family members a long time ago. 
He's like, it makes me sad. Sometimes it makes me mad when I think about it. He's like, your granddaddy spent his entire life fighting for justice. And now I do too. He's like, I just want you to know that you should be proud. He was a real hero. And Janine's like, you're my hero, daddy. And he's like, thank you. Annie enters Frenchie's place. And Maeve is still alive. She has a patch over her eye. Her face is bruised. Her arm's in a sling. And he's like, wow, you look like poop. And she's like, fudge off, Smurfette. And he's like, are you going to be okay? And she's like, slowly, painfully, like every other powerless schmuck in America, thanks to Soldier Boy. So Maeve no longer has her powers. So she's like, question, should I get a pirate patch or to Sammy Davis' glass eye? And Annie's like, oh, pirate patch, no question. Then Elena, Maeve's girlfriend, comes out asking if she's ready. And he's like, where will you go? And Maeve's like, well, somewhere Homelander won't find me. you know. And Elena's like, oh, a farm maybe since she was from Modesto you know, or something like that. Annie thanks her for everything. Maeve says, you know, the first time her prissy butt showed up at the tower crying in the bathroom, she saved her. Truth is, Annie doesn't need her anymore. She could jump, but Annie can flipping fly. And Annie hugs her and they leave. But the thing is, so it's possible if they get more um, V, some whatever, that they, if they inject, just like with Kamiko, she lost her power, she got her powers back. It's deadly, it's risky, there's a chance it might not work, but it's possible Maeve can get her powers back, right? If I understand correctly. So then we see Ashley and um, Anika, the analytics lady. They're looking at some security footage uh, outside the tower. So we see Kamiko and MM. They pick up Maeve and they put her into a van. Ashley like deletes the file and she just like looks at her. So they're not going to say anything about it. So good for Ashley that you know she realizes that Homelander is is dangerous. She's going to let Maeve go. Grace oversees Soldier Boy being transferred to new uh, like chamber. You know he's knocked out. Deep is watching a new show with Cassandra, his wife or ex-wife now. She wrote a book, In Too Deep, with the number two, My Journey to Freedom. And the cover, cover I don't know if it was intentional, but it looks like a Nightmare on Elm Street poster, kind of. And and he's just sitting there like chowing like on Doritos and junk food or whatever. He's just like sad. At the boy's office, Annie throws her costume into the incinerator. She tells Huey, she's like, the suit never gave me my powers. And Vought sure as poop didn't. M.M. says, he's like, you know, he's like, we're in a historic building. He's like, you're going to need to bag and double knot your trash if you're going to be working here. And she's like, well, Butcher isn't going to like it. And Frenchie's like, well, Butcher can suck my poop. (laughs) And he says that, you know, from now on, this is a democracy. He's like, I say you're one of the boys. M.M.'s like, me too. Kamiko raises her hand. Huey raises his also. And then there's like a slurping in a doorway. So Butcher's drinking out of like a Homelander soda, like cup or whatever. He looks at everyone. Then Huey turns on the volume of the TV, accidentally drowning a presumptive VP candidate, Lamar Bishop. So um, his new running mate is has just been announced. It's friggin' Newman. Butcher throws his empty cup in the trash. He's like, well, that which, he doesn't say which, that which definitely has got to go. And he kind of smirks. The news continues outside. Uh, the, the towers I called like kind of busted up and you know ravage. Soldier Boy statue's been toppled. They start chanting "Fudge Starlight," and then Homelander hovers down. The crowd starts cheering. He calls them true patriots, and then he asks them if they want to meet someone very special to him. And they're like, "Yeah." Ryan floats down. He introduces like, "This is my son Ryan." The crowd cheers, and someone's like, "Fudge you, fascist!" Throw something that hits Ryan in the chest, 
and the, the guy is wearing a Believe Starlight shirt. Homelander looks at him, eye zaps him, blows up his head, and like splatters blood on some people. And it's kind of silent. And then Todd, Janine's husband, he awkwardly is like, yeah, yeah. And he starts saying it again and again louder, and everyone starts joining in. Homelander kind of laughs. And Todd's like clapping enthusiastically. And then Ryan um, starts getting like an evil grin on his face. And that's where it ends. So that is not going to be good. So basically, Homelander Homelander essentially murdered someone in front of all these people. And they're, they're still cheering him on. And that's how messed up like some people, they're, they're so devoted to these people that they believe it doesn't matter what wrongs, what horrible acts that they do. With like what they've said or done, they're still going to support them. So we've seen that recently. So that's the end of the season. And um, how long is it going to take to season two? Because I, I think I don't know if it's going to be two years. Hopefully, to be a year. Because we've been. Because I, I don't. I don't know if COVID. There was a year between season one and two, but they might have you know got a head start on it. There's I think two years between two and three. But I don't know if COVID slowed things down, production and stuff like that. Hopefully, they'll be able to get things going, and like next summer, we can get the next season because it, it, it was a it was a good season. And Jensen Ackles, man, he, he was he was great. And I, I saw someone mention it; he should play Solid Snake, Metal Gear Solid movie. Cast him with Westworld season four, episode three. Uh, I don't know how to say this. Aeneas Foley's. So it's um, French. It's supposed to be the crazy years or something like that, like the 1920s, like the roaring 20s that we had in the U.S. One thing that's interesting, I noticed that last time, last week, is like the, the recaps that they show, they're really fascinating the way they do that because there's like very little dialogue. They just show different things. And then usually there's like maybe one line at the end of the recap where like someone, you know, saying something. But it's like if you watch if you and it's kind of silly because, of course, you're not just going to watch episode three without watching episode two or one. But it's like if you hadn't watched it, these recaps don't really explain everything because whatever, there's like no context. It, it's just it's very stylistic or artistic. What how to do it? It's, it's, it's interesting. So it's, it starts off. You hear like um, the close captions like Charlie Weber says, Dad, open your eyes. So Bernard, we finally see Bernard. He has a toy ma- maze thing. So. What if I had I had to look this up because I don't remember all of this, but so Bernard Jeffrey Wright he was modeled off of Arnold Weber, who was a co creator of Westworld, the, the theme parks, with Robert Ford, Anthony Hopkins. So apparently, this maze thing he made for his son Charlie. At first, when this is like, okay, is this did they bring back Arnold? Is this Bernard? So he has the maze. He goes after Charlie. You know, Charlie goes out like this hallway and through this door, and there's it's there's like this bright it's bright outside, whatever. He goes out there. He, he's like in this big field, and then there's like this. He looks behind him, and then there's like like a big hill, hill and field. You know where the house should have been. There's this tree. It catches on fire, or whatever. And he walks. He goes into the saloon. It's empty. Then he goes outside. There's a bunch of bodies in the street now. There's like a wolf eating at someone, or whatever. He keeps walking, and then it's night, and then. Then there's, it's like in a modern city, there's like a horse and there's like fire and stuff. He keeps walking. He finds like the, the maze on this door and he like looks up and he sees like the tower, which I'm assuming is a tower. He goes inside. There's a horse in there. And then a voice is like, Bernard, good to see you again. So it's Akechetta, who is from the, the first and second season. He was a leader of, of the ghost nations. He was one of the, the first hosts to achieve consciousness. 
might have been the first they say he's wearing a, a suit and he's like pouring a drink and bernard he's like where am i and he's like you're in our world ours he's like the sort of in the sublime the, the valley beyond and one thing that i didn't notice in, in the beginning this whole scene when when they're here it's in the letterbox so you know you, you got like the black on the top and the bottom so that's i guess they did that to show us when they're in the sublime which is pretty clever because i almost didn't even notice until at the end of the episode when you know the the creators are talking about like what they did so he asks where's the others he says in worlds of their choosing uh this one doesn't interest them then he says that bernard made this world for himself and bernard mentions Westworld and a massacre. Akicheta says that he's replaying the past, that he's stuck in a loop. And he's like, why? Bernard says the world out there is in trouble. It needs our help. Akicheta says Bernard loves them and it's irrational. He says that that he won't go with. His world his own world calls to him, but he can give him a gift. He's like the future. He's like in his world, time is a straight line. He's like one year there is a millennium here. They use that time to build worlds so they can do simulations of all the paths that his world could take. He's like, but time is running out. A lot of current paths lead to destruction. There's And then there's like some flickering and stuff like that. Akicheta asks if he understands where this is going. Bernard says that he does. He's like, he's like, do you think I can save them? And he says that he's seen a path. So has he seen how it ends? Yes. And he's like, in every scenario, I die. So that's not going to be good for Bernard. Then Bernard wakes up in that like motel, whatever, covered in dust that we saw like in the, the end of the, the last episode, has that like headset thing on. And then um, Ashley Stubbs, that dude, he's uh, the head of this Westworld security force. He's he's there. Uh, he says that he's like, oh, I thought this day would never come. And Bernard's like, we have to go before it's too late. Stubbs says that he's been gone years. He's like, now you're in a rush. And Bernard, he can like barely stand or whatever because he's been sitting there. It must be like seven years, right? Bernard says that he's like, I'll meet you outside. And he's like, don't forget to bring the shovel. And and Stubbs is like, what shovel? He goes outside and there's a shovel like leaning against the the, the old motel. So Bernard comes out with a couple things. He says that he needs to test a few things if he's to know how to save the world. We see Maeve and Caleb are they're walking to 1920 City. She says that they have to make their way underground. So he's like, how do we do that? And she's like, well, we have to die. A can rolls to Kayla's feet and she's he's about to pick it up. She's like, do not pick that up. So there's this different girl who's supposed to be like kind of like Dolores. Like this other dude picks it up, whatever, and they, they head in, into a nightclub. Maeve says that they've made a few changes, but the story's the same. She grabs a cigar and a bottle like off random tables as, as they're walking. They sit at, at their own table. She says now they wait for history to repeat itself. Out in the desert, Stubbs and Bernard driving. They arrive at, at um, the Rhodes End Diner. Bernard says that they're there so he can discern which here is here. Stubbs says that while he does that, he's going to have a pastrami sandwich. Bernard says that he's like, oh, you'll settle for the tuna. And, he, and Stubbs just looks at him. The waitress comes. So Stubbs, you know, he just says, he's like, oh, I'll have the pastrami. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, we're out. We do make a mean tuna melt. So Bernard was right. Stubbs asks if um, he'll explain what's going on. And Bernard says in the sublime, he saw all the worlds that might have been and all the worlds that could come. Most of them end in disaster, but if you can trigger a certain series of events, then they have a small chance of making it. Two guys from the counter, they, they get up and Bernard gets up and then he, he goes off. He takes like this 
this bag off a chair. I don't know who's what. And he takes like a steak knife and he like puts it inside the bag. Stubbs like sitting at the table, like his, his food just comes. He puts the call me by Blondie on, on the jukebox thing. Outside, Bernard goes to the guy, to the two guys. He opens like the back of their, their pickup truck and they get all like testosterone. You're like, oh, hey, what are you doing? Whatever. And Bernard's, he tells one, he's like, oh, don't, don't bother reaching for that because you'll never get in time because he's like about to reach for a gun. They start fighting and, you know, while the music's playing, everything like that. And then they're out and he's, you see him just, he's dragging them somewhere. Frankie Nichols is on the radio trying to call Caleb. So Frank, Frankie, Caleb's daughter. And mom comes out saying that they have to pack. And she's like, I'm not going. Not until dad answers. So she finally convinces her. Um, by the truck, Frankie asks the dude helping watch them, Carver, who, because before he comes out and convinces her too, saying that he'll teach Bear Bear, her stuff, Bear, some like some moves or something like that. So then Frankie goes up to him and he, he's like, oh, can you you know show me to move whatever and he's like what move then he's like well how about i show you at the safe house so something happened he must be replaced obviously right because he had no idea what she was talking about he's like deal and she's like deal and then you know he hands her bear bear back or whatever and she's notes like some blood under she she thinks it's just dirty but you know i don't think she realizes blood bernard cleans up uh he has the bodies in the trunk of, of the the big car he hands a shovel to Stubbs, who asks um, where he went. Bernard's like, he's like, oh, we don't need the car anymore. So they stand like at the corner of the parking lot by, by the road. Stubbs is like, oh, is loitering, you know, outside a diner? Is that how we're going to save the world? And he's like, no, she is. So this kind of like armored car SUV type thing pops up. Lady pops out asking if they have a death wish. It's like they weren't in the road. I don't think maybe they were. But Bernard pulls out a, a copy of the maze. And she's like, how long have you been with the cause? And he's like, it seems like lifetimes. So she tells them to get in. They, they get in the back. And then she pulls out a, like two guns, like one in each each one of them. She says that they're going to be digging their own graves with the shovel if they don't tell her who they really are. Because they're, they're definitely not the men she was supposed to pick up. Bernard knows that Stubb will, he'll take one of her guns. And then he like, he, he does it because he, he says that, whatever. He says like, no one's going to get shot. So she's going to take his bag and look inside. So she looks inside. There's a severed host head in there. It's like open, like the skull opened up and you can see like the core showing or whatever. He says that that was one of the men she was supposed to meet. He says it was a setup that they've been trying to infiltrate her group, but he can help. But he needs her to take him to the condemned lands. And she's like, why would you want that? It's like, there's nothing but sand for miles. And it's like, you know, no one goes in there. And he says that she does like her and her organization. They've been hiding there because they're looking for something. And she's like, sorry. She's like, you've been out in the sun too long. He says that he can help her find what she's looking for. She kind of thinks about it. Then she says that her friends will probably kill him if she takes him inside. And he's like, well, he'll take his chances. She's like, okay, I'm going to need my gun back. And then she gives him like blindfolds and like zip ties. At the, the, the nightclub, Maeve sees like the new version of her. And she's, you know, she says like a line or whatever. She's like, my delivery was better. Outside, a car pulls up, and this cop walks over to it. He's like, hey, that's the chief's car or whatever. And then a dude shoots him, uh, shoots a cop with, like, the chief. He's like, this is the chief's too or whatever. Shoots him with his gun. Piano starts playing Enter Sandman, which which is kind of cool. The dude that's in the car, I think he was, like, on a Wanted poster before or whatever. He comes out with this woman who's, I forget her name, her, who she's supposed to be in the, the 
the original version, enter the saloon, sh- shoots the bartender. Maeve says that he's like, oh, he still knows how to make an entrance. Woman outside just shooting people in the streets. The other Maeve starts uh, talking to the, this dude that walked in. Caleb's like, it's like, oh, were you close to him? She's like, him? No. He's like, he's just a shabby comparison to a man I used to know. So the dude is talking to the other Maeve, and then real Maeve takes out her gun, shoots a guy in the neck, and she's like, sorry, darling, and then she shoots the other Maeve in the head. The others start shooting at her. She takes them out. The lady from outside comes in. She's about to shoot, but Caleb shoots her with a shotgun that's like on the bar. She says that she thinks that they have sufficient bait for the Undertaker. Frankie's looking at Bear Bear. Uh, Carver asks Mom if that's the last of it, whatever. Frankie, then she, you know, she tells her that she doesn't want to go with him, that she wants to go with Daddy. And she's like, she's, and you know, Mom's like, Uwade, whatever. It's like, you know, he's not here. She's like, he got Bear Bear dirty. So Mom goes inside, and then she, uh, Frankie sees like drops of blood leaving, leading to a back dumpster. So she goes there, and she sees Carver under some stuff, like he's dead. So she runs in and tell mom, whispers her and shows her her hand. Her hand's got blood. So Uwade, I forgot how you say her name. Uwade, 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 tells her to hide while the other cover's like taking, you know, she's like, oh, can you take this to the truck? She opens a safe and she's like, you know, her hands are kind of shaking. She takes out a gun. And then in the desert, so this is something I noticed last episode too, and I didn't I comment on it, but it's weird when they cut scenes it's like different times of day. So with Frankie and Uwa, Uwade, it's nighttime. But then in the desert, it's daytime. And and at the the saloon, it's nighttime. But they're inside West, you know, whatever. That that's different. So I don't know if they're just on drastically different parts of the world or different time zones that there's, or are these happening at different time periods? Because that has happened before, where you thought that they were happening concurrently, and then it was clear that it wasn't. So I don't know if that's happening again, or we just don't worry about it. So in a desert, the car is driving. Lady takes off her blindfolds, cuts her zip ties. There's this like laser fence, and uh, so she tells them, you know, she uncovers some stuff. And like, I think Stubbs like almost walked into one of the lasers because you can't see them. So Stubbs and Bernard have to pull up these little like metal things, and then it causes these two like mirrors to come up, which breaks the laser fence, the laser grids, and then they can drive through there. And then they they walk through, and then it goes down automatically. So then they, they get back in, they, they keep driving. Outside the club, bodies are being loaded up and it's like covered with a tarp in the back of this, this truck. Maeve tells Caleb it's time to play dead, so they climb back in there. The bodies get dumped down to shoot. They land on top of the other bodies. And they start walking through, so now they're like in the back or in the underground level. It's behavioral training, she says. Um, she finds a data pad in the room. She um, tries accessing uh, the central map to see like where they need to go but she's like something's off it's like nothing's being controlled from here then there's a security breach alarm goes off guards come in and says it's like you shouldn't be here or whatever it's like it's too dangerous there's like other people or hosts it says now he's like well, who's a host and who's who's real then there's like a bunch of smoke three other armed hosts come in from it's like are they from a different world and Maeve's like Dolores it's a different Dolores she's like I believe she was going by Wyatt in this phase a guard that that was talking to him he gets shot Caleb's he's like I thought the guns didn't work on humans and she's like they don't this is still part of the game she's like this is the Westworld massacre so on the map she can see that there's another level below this one so Maeve gets shot in the clavicle and it kind of injures her so the, the, the guns only work on hosts Caleb grabs a gun and starts shooting to provide cover a Maeve sees an empty wall and then like reaches her hand out, touches it, and the door opens and there's like this elevator. 
then the, the other Dolores comes up and Caleb starts shooting at her and he he grabs uh he grabbed this like cauterizing repair thing whatever off a, a table he I guess he knew how it worked and he's like he fixes Maeve's shoulder so then they get out of the elevator two plain hosts uh the on the white skin skinless hosts are like walking like once they're carrying like a trays of maggots or something like that a lot of lab works going on there's like parasites black goo lots of flies from the maggots and everything like that so Maeve's like they're infecting flies with it so they they all start going on a sort of like in front of this glass where there's like all these flies the flies start go like going in by caleb like start attracted to him she's like they seem to like you then she starts hearing this big um like noise and, and she's like do you hear that and he's like what so she, she's like well maybe it's at a frequency you can't hear she keeps hearing it she goes to this other door and she opens it then we see at the, at the house where carver comes in looking for uwade and frankie they don't answer so he pulls out his gun he goes upstairs he starts looking for them he goes like in frankie's room and he's just like angrily flips the bed over and then it's like is she hiding in the closet so then he goes over to closet he opens it and the scene changes <laughs> to the desert so it's like we don't see like what what happened car finally stops um then these like kind of quad bikes and other vehicles start approaching everyone gets out they all have guns pointed at them one dude takes off his helmet and it's like am i supposed to know who this guy is at first i thought it was like i can't remember the one guy the, this one samurai guy but it's not him so i think this was daniel Wu who is joining the show in this season so he's like some new guy so the the lady in the car that drove in there she shows this guy the head in the bag and he asks how they got that. And Bernard says by severing it from its neck. So he was um, sent to find them. He's like, you're all in danger here. It's like, I can help you. And he's like, how? He's like, by giving you the thing you've been looking for in the desert. It's like, there's a weapon buried in these sands. He's like, I know where it is. Maeve and Caleb arrive at a like this big thing in the, in the center of a room. And he says that, or she says the sound is coming from that. There are loads of screens on the wall, like all the security footage. The sound is controlling them. He asks if they're hosts. And she says she doesn't believe so. So people are like uh, loading guns and, you know, so they're all in these separate rooms. They put a like bullet in a gun and then they put it to to their head. But I think there's only two. So there's like a guy and a lady and then they shoot themselves. Because like Maeve is like trying to control, you know, override the system but she she can't get in there she can't get the doors open or whatever and then uh, Maeve sees another screen and frankie's there so it's like how the heck did they get frankie so did they like just cut this and uh the, the fake carver dude grabbed her and brought it's like because of difference in time right Maeve, um she can't get the door kayla's like yelling he's like frankie he he like he runs out he's in the hall like yelling to her looking for her or whatever he walks by several rooms there's like all these dead people because they, they all shot themselves and then frankie's just like standing in a room like not responding to him he can't get the door open there's more of that droning noise and then um she goes to the table and starts like moving like blocks because that, that's like how it goes frankie does this and then Maeve is still trying to unlock the system Frankie wipes the, the blocks off the table. She picks up the gun. Maeve finally gets the system unlocked. She opens the door. Caleb runs in, grabs a gun out of her hand, and she wakes up. She's like, Daddy? Maeve um, is looking at them on the screen. Then she noticed something, and she's like, no. So she turns to go to them, and then William shows up. Hello, Maeve. I've been looking forward to this. And she says, like, oh, you're not tired of getting your butt kicked by me? He pulls out a gun and she like knocks it out of his hand. They start fighting. He like flips her like, oh, whatever. She gets his gun, shoots him three times and then runs out. Frankie tells 
Caleb that he can't leave, he says that he won't ever again. And she's like, I mean, here. It's like, she wants you to stay. And Maeve runs in, or goes about, William grabs her and slams her against the pole. He's like, I think you'll find I'm not the man I used to be. So Caleb, so this is like out in hall. Caleb asks Fran- Frankie, it's like, did they get your mom too? Is she here? And she's like, no, daddy, she's not. But me and mommy were never the ones Hale needed anyways. All she needed was you. So Hale, Tessa Thompson's character. So the real Frankie shoots the other Carver in the face. And he's like, did you really think that that toy was going to stop me? Because you know, she was in the closet. She had like her little pellet gun or whatever. And then he gets shot for real in the side of his head. And she's like, kind of like surprised by that. And, and then, uh, Wade and Frankie run, run down the street. Caleb's like, you're not Frankie. And then she's like, uh, grab, grabbing his arms tighter. And she's like, this won't take long, daddy. She opens her mouth and then her head does a, like splits open. And then flies start buzzing out of her mouth. Caleb's just like staring like in shock. And then he falls back. And then he like barely like swats them away. And then one cr- Ugh, uh, one crawls into his ears. Like another, I think, goes up his nose. And he just screams and it's over. Ugh. It's always been my fear that like a fly is going to crawl in my ear while I'm sleeping. You know, this is the old wives tale, whatever, that they'll go in and lay eggs. So uh, that's it for Caleb. He's uh, going to be controlled by these black ooze parasite flies. So that's it. That was the end of the episode. <laughs> and now it is time for the season finale of Ms. Marvel. Season one, hopefully. Episode six, No Normal. And what it says... Okay, because I was trying to think about it. Because at the beginning, there's a... Uh, a note there are certain scenes in this fictional series that some viewers may find upsetting so i'm like okay what could this be about and this is just kind of interesting because there is there is a whole thing about someone complaining about stuff from thor that that there should have been a, a trigger warning because as you may or may not know it's not really a spoiler but if you read the comics or whatever because jane has cancer and they're like, they show scenes of her, you know, going through chemo, or whatever, and that that could be upset. It's like, so you're supposed to put a, a warning for something that some people may not have known about that this was a plot point. You know, if you read the comics, you know all about it. But this, I, 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 I now that I'm thinking about, it, it's like, wait, what was? It? It's like, okay, I get what what it is. So with the episode, it's uh, the next day after explosion, damage controls at the Circle Q. Agent Devers is like, this is what happens when wrong people get powers. But it's like, no, it was one of your drones that blew up the Circle Q. So it's like so stupid. So she, she, then she says, um, she's like, kids, we need to lock the city down and get them in now before anybody else gets hurt. This other agent dude, not, not the one, not Cleary from the, the first time we saw him. He's like enhanced rounds. And she's like non-lethal. She's like, I want this kid brought in so we can figure out what the heck he is. So we see Bruno and Cameron are on the subway and Cameron's still like hurt, I guess, from when his mom or whoever, like I think when they, they left, he uh, grabs a pole as they walk by and it kind of like crystallizes with light. And like other people are seeing her. So like, oh, what's, what's going on? Bruno says, because he, he's like, oh, you know, it wasn't easy for Kamala when she got her powers too. But, you know, she's Kamala. So she like, you know, ate some euros or whatever and, you know, just powered through it. Or Then um, there's like some guys behind them. It's like, wait, is that damage control already? Or I don't know if it was just like subway police or something. 
so they they run into they bump into this guy in the shovel. He like, hey, watch it, and he shoves him back. Cameron's powers accidentally goes out like out the window, and then he creates like this big crystal construct behind him, so then they can keep running. But it's like, where are you gonna go? It's like, uh, hopefully the train's gonna stop so you can jump off. Kamala and her mom Muniba are at home. Her brother Mir and his wife are there. Dad's there, and then Kamala's like, I have an announcement to make, and she's like, first an apology for not making it sooner. Also for what happened at the wedding and for sneaking out to AvengerCon. And Amuni was like, kind of like motions, like, okay, speed it up. Kamala lifts her head. And she's like, I am the light girl. Her brother's like, you're what? And you know, she's cause she was like about to like maybe power up her hand or something like that. And she's quiet. She's like nightlight. And he's like, Oh my God, I had no idea. And Abu's like, Oh, you know, it's, it's like obviously a fake reaction. Kamala's like, you told them already. And she's like, I only told Abu. And he's like, really? Her brother's like, oh, I heard it through to whatever, the, the great thing. Because basically, he, her, the dad always has a, the phone on speakerphone or something like that. And he's like, oh, it's more comfortable that way. And then uh, Amir's wife, she's like, oh, I you know, have a question. She's like, I just want to know. It's like, are the powers limitless or do you have to recharge them? Amir's like, oh, I've also been dying to ask. On Eid, did you drop that kid on purpose? Or, you know, or, or was that a, a game time decision? Then they're, they're like, okay, that's enough. Because, you know, they're just giving her a hard time. Abu, he's like, this is so incredible. He's like, I'm so proud of you. It's like, we're all in awe of her. But we just want to make sure you're being careful out there. Just because you can do these amazing things doesn't mean you actually volunteer to go looking for trouble right and you know because he worries whatever and she's like i don't think you raised me to sit by and do nothing when i can help people muniba is like and we can trust her right then amir asks you know why is nakia facetiming me so kamala grabs the phone and she's like we literally just got back from the airport and then nakia cuts her off she's like have you heard from bruno she's like i've been trying to get a hold of him because the circle q exploded so Kamala's in her room. She's trying to call Bruno to call forwarded to voicemail. So she's stressing. Muniba comes in. She's like, you're not going anywhere. Dress like that. She gives her a box. She's like, I got something for you. And it has like toffees on there. So it's, she brought it from Pakistan. Because uh, there's a whole thing about her mom getting saving all these toffee, whatever candies that she liked. She's like, this feels a bit more like you. Hmm? It's basically a Ms. Marvel costume. It has like the logo under her red scarf is in her too. It's like did she leave it behind that chemo gave her? So then we see Ms. Marvel. She's walking over to city um, streets and her light platforms like choo choo choo. People are looking up. But then at one point she even stops at like a, a red light. It's like okay, you're above the the streets. So you don't need to stop. Bruno and Cameron are on the streets now. So they they made it to the mosque. Nakia, she's like, what do you, he's like, you, you can't hide from the cops in here. Bruno's like, houses of worship are supposed to offer sanctuary. And Nakia's like, this is a mosque in America. Damage control, the JCPD, heck, the Department of Sanitation probably has this under surveillance. It's like, she's like, when the coast is clear, he's like, you have to head to high school and I'll call Kamala. And she says, it's the only place guaranteed to be empty on a Saturday. Several SUVs arrive at the mosque. So maybe they were under surveillance. Deaver walks out with several others. And she says that they're going to need to see everybody's IDs, but she kind of gets cut off because when they get into the, the, the big room, all the people there are standing with their IDs and passports already out. The imam uh, says that he's like, this is not our first rodeo. So she assures them that damage control is only there to ensure their safety. It's like, we're looking for a high level threat, presumably male, 1625, Pakistani or Arab. One woman says, she's like, you're describing practically everyone here. The imam says that it might take a while. He's like, lucky for you, 
Rashid has brought his famous yummy, yummy chocolate chip cookies. And Rashid's like, the secret ingredients is nutmeg. Deaver says, she's like, stop stalling. She's like, and she's like, don't they see that this kid could put them all at risk? And it's like, if you are abetting a potential suspect, no one will be on your side, Sheik. And he's like, I don't need anyone on my side. And he's like, I'm not even concerned if God is on my side, as long as I am on his side, for God is always right. She's like, I don't have time for your Quranic quotes. And then you know, she starts walking away. And, and mom's like, actually, that was Abraham Lincoln. And she just kind of like rolls her eyes. And she tells her people, she's like, search every room and closet. If there's a lock on it, bust it open. In the back, Nakia tries blocking a door, tells Deaver that she can't, um, she, she's like, you can't go this way. She's like, um, it's it's holy. She's like, you'd be in violation of my religious freedoms. Deaver's like, you don't want a felony on your high school transcript. And Nakia's like, uh, it's just storage. It's disinfectant wipes, uh, toilet paper. And she's like, kick it in. And Nakia's like, oh, no, no, okay, fine, I'll open it. She's like, just, just please don't hurt him. It's like, he's a really nice guy. They open the door. There's some other dude in there with headphones. He's like, what up? And Naki's like, I know. I was like, my mom would kill me. She found out I had a boyfriend and that it was that one. The kid kind of smiles. He's like, you hear that? I'm her boyfriend. You're my witness. He's like, do you have a, a body cam? He's like, I'd love to have this moment. And Deaver's like, just keep looking. Imam takes uh, Bruno and, and Cameron out of like this hidden closet where he tells them, like, go down the street, but don't go this way, whatever. Then he uh, says to Cameron, he's like, and remember, just because someone treats you like their, or treats you as their enemy doesn't give you the right to treat them as yours. Uh, then he's like, oh, you need a disguise. He said, gives him two hats. One says haram. The other says halal. So I, I, of course, and this is what, again, what I like about this, this show, it's educating me. So I, I looked these up. Haram means forbidden or prescribed, prescribed by Islamic law. So that's the hat that Bruno wore. Halal mean lawful or permitted. So I think they use that as like on food because at the end there's there's something with that. Anyways, so they, they duck in this alley behind some dumpsters and then shoom, shoom, shoom. Kamala comes overhead and does this kind of cool entrance. You know, she goes to the building, kind of slides on the pole, bounce or whatever. It's like, how did she know to come down to this specific alley? It's like, did she talk to anyone or is just, did she see them? She's in full costume now with the mask and she's like, what are you guys wearing? They both stare at her kind of like an awe and together they're like, what are you wearing? So she tells Bruno she was so scared. She thought, you know, and he's like, I'm okay. They hug. Cameron's in pain. And he like bends over and this energy wave comes out of him. Like once it's, you know, kind of like knocks things over whatever. Bruno and Kamala go to him. He says it feels like he's being crushed from the inside out. And they hear like more sirens. So they have to get up and go. City streets are being blocked off like with the police barrier. Then it's like now it's nighttime. So they're still walking. They're helping Cameron walk. He tells them to, to go or she, she tells him she's like, go and I'll catch up. She calls chemo and he's like, oh, that didn't take you long to call me. Whatever. And so she says it's Cameron. And she she's like, I know you're going to say that he's related to clandestine. She's like, but so am I. It's like, I need to help him get, get him out of town. And chemo's like, I know someone who can get him out. He's like, go to, get to the harbor by midnight. They enter the high school in the hall. Um, you hear Kamala, so it's it's Nakia. They haven't really spoken since the wedding, and then Nakia's you know they're walking. She's like, "Nice stitching, made in Pakistan," and keeps like walking. Kamala's like, "Are you mad? Are you mad at me?" And she's like, "Well, I mean, I tell you everything, and the biggest thing that ever happened to you, and you didn't tell me, so maybe." Kamala's like, okay, but you kind of hate superheroes. It's like I didn't want you to hate me, and she's like, I would never hate, and she's like. She's like, I know you would never hate me. She's like, I messed up. 
then Bruno very busily like he, he's like he peeks out the window like with the blinds he just like opens them up whatever he's like damage controls here <laughs> it's like make it a little obvious when someone you know could probably see the blinds moving and he's like how'd they even find us and camera's like oh it doesn't matter he's like you know i'm the one they they want he's like you should leave before you get hurt it's like how did they find him i don't think they ever explained that kamala says that you know he's right she's like you know please please go bruno's like well they already blew up my apartment and Naki's like they invaded the mosque twice and then out of nowhere zoe runs up and she's like and they tried to trick me into giving you up it's like wait and kamala like points her she's like uh what are you doing here and she's like well the theater has good lighting she's like that's where i do my tiktoks and she's like and i owe you for saving my life and it's like okay did she know already about that kamala is nightlight because she's not surprised to see her there or anything like that they they address it a little bit but it's like wait a minute it's like maybe this is almost where it feels like because of pacing it's just like okay we're just gonna not not deal with that just overlook it naki is like we're here with you and i guess so is zoe so what's the plan this is a part that kind of bugged me. I get that the whole visual thing, it's all funny and cool and everything, but Kamala's like writing on a chalkboard and she's like drawing under. So it's like, okay, you have time to make it all fancy when damage control is literally right outside the school. Cause she wrote like school and like big block and like shaded letters, you know, it looks like really artistic and all that. Um, she even drew like a, a picture at the front of the school with like a letter, you know, with the arrows and point school. So she's like, you know, since the DODC is already here, we obviously can't outrun them. Then it, it kind of um, cuts to a drawing of like Deaver and two agents with like arrows pointing DODC agents. Watch out. Targets. Feds. So it's like she had time to draw them. Amir walks up to her and surprises her because, you know, she's <laughs> she's spending so much time drawing that she doesn't even notice. He's like, sounds good. And he's like, and we'll keep them busy while you run out the back. And she's like what are you doing here? Bruno's like, how'd you get in here? Amir is like the bathroom window. He's like, I went to school here too. He's like, mom sent me to, to watch out for you. Kamala's like, superheroes don't need chaperones. He's like, we'll take that up with mom. Then Cameron's like, uh, the, you guys, the, the clock is ticking, which is like, no kidding. It's like, come on. Then she's like drawing a hoodie on, on, on the board. And, um, it kind of is, as she's explaining it, it's, it's like cutting to different scenes. So they start going in people's lockers somehow, like grabbing people's hoodies and I don't know if it's gym lockers or whatever. Then she and Bruno are in mad scientist duty. So this is the other part that, that bothers me. I guess one, the science room or the science lab is not locked. And two, all of these chemicals that they're reaching for are completely left unlocked. That would never happen. Any potent, even remotely tiniest bit, any sort of chemical would be locked up. No science teacher would ever leave it open sitting on a plain view shelf. <sighs> okay. And, uh, and then, like, uh, so then it cuts back to the, the room. The board is completely filled. She drew also, even like on the, uh, the hoodie, which we didn't see it complete before, she even drew like the mascot on there and all, all this stuff. And then she says that since Zoe's on a softball team, they can grab as many balls as possible. And she's like, any questions? They all raise their hands. Nakia's like, so um, we're going to stop damage control with softballs? And Colin's like, no. She's like, we're going to stall them with softballs. And the real plan is Zoe. Deaver calls the other agent, Agent Cleary, and says that they're closing in on the enhanced individual. He doesn't like that they're doing it in front of a high school. He says, you know, there is such a thing as bad press. He's like, I don't, I don't like it. So Deaver's like, 
he's like, well, she says it's it's not one enhanced, it's two, and they're leaving a trail of destruction all through Jersey City. It's like what what in the alley they're knocking some things, garbage, some trash over. It's like I, I don't know what what she's talking about, and she's like, all I need is another uh, three minutes. He's like, I don't care if you need another ten seconds. He's like, you're not going to get it. He's like, evacuate now, Deaver. You hear me? And she just kind of like shakes her head, or whatever. And then she's like, understood. So then her, someone on the radio is like, we're in position. She's like, green light. And then she's like, calling all additional units now. So she's uh, doing it, even though he told her to back off. Nakia talks to Zui as they're gathering like the balls. She's like, so you mean to tell me you knew Kamala had powers and you didn't say anything? And she's like, because it's not like you. And she's like, Kamala saved my life at AdventuresCon. She's like, I think Kamala should be able to tell the world when she's ready. But it's like, how did she figure it out? You know, it, it, did I don't know. Kamala talks to Bruno about Pakistan, Cameron's mom, and, and you know the rest followed her. Pretty hellbent on steamrolling over our world with the the Jin realm. Then she like she stopped him, but Najma didn't make it. Bruno's like, well, whatever you do, I did say Bruno before Kamala and Bruno were talking. He's like, whatever you do, he's like, promise me you won't tell him. You know, don't tell him that. Not until you know we're all out of here. Because that's my big fear that he's going to blame her and, and go turn against her. Agents come out with like the blue light up tech rifles are, are moving in. They put like explosives on, on a door to the school to blow it open instead of like trying to pick the lock or figure something out. Boosh, blow it open. They see this device on a stairs like lights on electronics or whatever like that. They walk right up to it. It's like, really? One dude, he's like, he's like, oh, looks like we got a bomb. Better call the bomb squad. Then it starts like moving and motioning, so they start retreating, and then it just starts playing an Urdu song, and this disco ball drops down above it. So it's like really, so they just like blast the thing, and just like this energy wave blast guns, whatever, just knocks it away. Then they start walking down the hall. Cameron yells from the second level. As he's like, "Wow, they sent all of you just for me." He's like, "Nice." Then he puts on a hoodie and he runs. So that's why he needed the hoodies. Bruno tells Zoe that the uplink is live, but he's not sure for how long. He's like, "Do it now." So she starts a live feed. Which I don't know why she he needed this or she needed that, whatever. Maybe there's no reception in the school. So she starts a live feed saying that her and her friends are at the high school totally surrounded by damage control. And she's like, two have superpowers. She's like, I know, but they're being targeted. And then we start seeing a bunch of different random, totally different people, like some big dudes at the gym. All these people are watching. Um, so she's like, these people are super scared and they're not backing down. She's like, please, you, you have to help us to, you know, to all my loyal followers, tag this message, share stories. So you're like, okay, what? Okay. Kamala's dad gets the video sent to him by Rashid. Also, he's like, what's this that Rashid sent me inside? The agent says target is in a red hoodie and a baseball cap. Then at this like cross junction in the hall where it's like, you know, like an X, a red hoodie starts spraying a fire extinguisher to like kind of block the vision at the other end. Another red hoodie does the same thing with fire extinguisher because they grabbed all the fire extinguishers before so the agents have to split up and then an agent announces they're chasing multiple suspects all identical they're running down the hallway um so one person like slides under this like desk there's like all these loads of chairs and stuff blocking it slides there and then blocks the back so it just looks like this big mound of, of furniture they just blast it away it's like who cares about any damage or anything like that they run into the science room 
and the agents are like slowly fanning out and there's like a tripwire. There's a skeleton. This was a little overkill, whatever. Skeleton with a big knife. It cuts like a string or something like that. Pops the balloon. This thing over this big barrel like drops, you know, drops the chemicals in there. Big chemical reaction. A bunch of like foam like just starts expanding out of it. Fills up the entire room, which is going to cause a huge mess. Pours out it like onto some agents in the stairwell. So it just keeps like going after ever all over everyone. Kamala and Cameron are hiding in like the, the principal's office or counselor's office, something like that. He's still in pain, um, and it, <laughs> she stops to pull up her mask for some reason. It's like you can you can't see him with your mask on. That you got to do that. It's like it's just I can't stand when they do this in in these shows. So she's like, oh, you know, you'll be okay, whatever. And then at one point they hold hands. Then the agents are right outside, and right as they're about to enter. Because they're just like hiding behind a desk, so they're going to see them. The radio's like, they're in the east wing, they're headed towards the gym. So even though they know that there's multiple targets, they they still leave. They don't bother checking here when there could be someone there. And then, uh, you know, Kamala and Cameron's hands glow together, and then they're talking, and they're about to kiss, and Bruno comes in. He's like, hey, you guys have to go. So poor Bruno. Got his heart broken. Cameron stops to say, he's like, thanks, Bruno. So he got his name right. So they, they leave. They got one door. Bruno goes up like where the, the, the guards, well, why are you calling him back? But then he's like, starts yelling and dancing. He's like, hey, he's like, you looking for me? Whatever. He's like, check out my moves. One soldier comes, and, you know, they start surrounding him, butts him in, in the face with like the rifle, slams against the window. And they're like, don't move. And the other's like, shut up. Oh, and so Nakio is riding on a bike with like a fire extinguisher tied on the back going off whatever she goes like through the gym they're like chasing her they're like trying to shoot at her she goes like through a door they hit actually hit the bike luckily didn't hit her because you know she like falls off and she runs around a corner and then her zoe and amir are standing behind the the baseball pitching machines whatever so as the soldiers start coming out to start shooting them amir raises his hand he's like it's working but there's several more soldiers behind them so then it cuts to chunk they're getting like slammed on, on the, the ground, which is like very rough for, you know, considering civilians, whatever. Kamala tells Cameron, like now, I don't know why she never mentioned this before, that she has a, a contact that can meet him at the docks. And Cameron's like, it's like, oh, it's like, are they, you know, the red daggers, aren't they? And she's, he says, like, they're as much of a threat as those cops out there. It's like, they've been fighting my family for, for decades. And he says that, the, you know he needs a clandestines he needs his mother and she's just like silent they go into the bathroom to the window and then he pulls the blinds all the way open completely you know, with not knowing if there's anyone outside there because you know they're going to go through the window but then he decides now to ask and he's he's like what happened to my mother and then before she can answer soldier busts through the windows probably because he opened the blinds rifles like pointed at kamala and then cameron bat blasts the rifle away even though he's like in pain takes out like some of the brick around the window too so it was like a pretty powerful blast then he shoots another blast but um kamala puts out a shield because the blast would have hurt the soldier probably the agent where and then it, it kind of causes some feedback you know they they get knocked back and i don't know if the soldier must have gotten knocked out they decide to run back into the school, into the halls. And he's like, just tell me what happened in Pakistan. And she's like, Najma did exactly what she swore she was going to do. She's like, okay. She pierced the veil. She tried to destroy everything. And Cameron's like, she was trying to save, you know, our world, my home. And then he puts his hands on her shoulders. Like my mother's dead, isn't she? Kamala's like, I'm sorry. She doesn't bother saying she sacrificed herself to save this world and everything like that. But more soldiers come at them, blast at them as they run, takes out like a, 
chunk of the corner of the wall. So these things are, are pretty lethal. Cameron looks at her and goes around the corner, uses power, he blasts like both sides of the hall, pulls the lockers towards the, sh- the soldiers. Then there's like one that's like pinned under lockers. He's about to like just pound him, but then Kamala stops and grabs him with like a big, big fist. He breaks free from the grass and he like shoots a light blast her and just like runs. So now it begins. You know, they're about to have this conflict between them. Outside, there's a crowd of people standing behind like police barricades. Deaver tells the agents, let's bring our our guys in or whatever like that. Bruno, Naki, Zoe, and Amir are cuffed in the back of a van. Cameron blasts open the front door and then Deaver's on a megaphone. She's like, get down on your knees now. And you see like laser targets are like on his chest and everything like that. His hands start glowing and she's like, get down, whatever. His eyes glows as he glares and then she orders him to fire and then he blocks it. Everyone's in, it's like right there. They're freaking out because they're shooting this kid. And you know, some people are recording with their phones and stuff like that. And then, Kamala jumps out a second story window, which was like a bit overkill or whatever. She, she lands, you know, next to him makes like a big light shield. It's getting shot so much. It's, it's like crumbling a little bit. And then Deaver's like cease fire. And then they bring out like this big circular thing. Like a, must be a big energy cannon blast or something. And, um, they shoot, you know, it destroys the shield, sends him, you know, knocks him back. Everyone is like shocked by this. Kamala like slowly gets out and like kind of looks at them. Cameron's like lying on the ground. Then Eve Deaver is about to, you know, she raises her hand like she's about to order another shot. And then Kamala and she's like on her hands and knees and, you know, with her fist down on the ground. And she's like, here it is. She's like, embiggen, which is, as you know from the comics, that's her big word. Then we see like this giant Kamala. She runs, jumps, slams her fist down on a, on a like different SUV to cars and cannon. Soldiers run out, whatever. In the van, they're all like, whoa, at the same time. She jumps to the vehicle with like the smash cannon. She's like, hey guys, you okay? And they're like, uh, yes, Ms. Nightlight. And she's like, not that name. Agents start shooting at her in the back because of Deaver, which is like, okay, you're, shoot, you're shooting someone in the back. She makes a big shield, starts walking with it and flings it at like the soldiers that are shooting. Cameron is, is fighting. He's up now. He's fighting soldiers with his power. Then Deaver points her gun at him. He like shoves an overturned SUV at her. She ducks out of the way, but then it like hits something, goes flying towards a crowd. And then it stops like right over their heads. Kamala caught it with her big hands. And she's like struggling. She's like, I got it. And she like puts it down. Cameron, you can see, looks relieved. You know, obviously he doesn't want innocent people to get hurt. So that's good. So she sets it down. Everyone claps. Even like a cop on the other side of the barrier, he like he's clapping too. And then she just gives like double peace sign. Cameron walks up to Deaver and she picks up her gun. Kamala sees this. He unleashes like a wave of power, knocks down soldiers, busts out like street lights, but also hits like Kamala. Um, light crystal tendrils are like forming around him. One like pierces the van where the others are in there, and they like narrowly avoided getting injured or killed. Um, and Big and Kamala is like trying to like walk towards like through it all. The crowd of people are like screaming in the van. The crystals are like expanding and growing, and they're like pinned inside. They can't get out, and these things are gonna like just go right through them. Kamala makes a big energy dome around him. Cameron yells. She's like, look around. He's like, they're never going to accept me. They'll never accept you either. He's like, my mom was right. This isn't my home. Kamala's like, but she saved it for you. In her last moments, she sent everything she had to protect you. She chose you. And he's like, look at everything I've done, Kamala. What am I supposed to do now? How can I be normal? And she's like, there is no normal. Name of the episode. There's just us and what we do with what we've been given. And she's like, get to the harbor. She's like, I'll buy you time. 
and so she pounds a, a, the ground, makes a hole. He's like, thank you. And he goes down. Like, so he's going to go through the sewers. So he's like, how would you even know which way to go? She drops down a dome. Her powers are down too because it must have taken a lot out of her. And Deaver's like, get them, get her. Then a crowd of people move. They move the police barricade. They uh, Others, they exit the, the van. They're like, let's go. Soldiers um, start, start, start coming towards Kamala. But the civilians form like a circle around her. They, you know, people are still recording. Even the police like form like a, a line shoulder shoulder in front of Deaver and, and her one agent. This, the dude is like, step aside, Sergeant, like walks in. People are like, she's just trying to help. She saved our lives. And Kamala's like, then she just like, choo, 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 runs off and on the platforms. Crowd cheers. Agent dude hands his phone to Deaver. He's like, it's for you. Cleary's like, don't say anything. Don't do anything. Just get out of there, okay? He's like, you went against my orders publicly, and then you attacked a bunch of kids using our names. And he's like, do you know what that means? Yes, you're relieved of duty. A unit is coming to fix your mess. Get out of there now. And she tells her team, she's like, fall out. Then we see a lot of live stream video reactions from people. They're like, oh, it's a part of history. It's a real superhero. It's like that. And Zoe's with Nakia or like that or talking, whatever. Then the, the, the imam, he's like, I'm now I'm a hot dog. Because <laughs> he has like a filter on him. He's like, hopefully it's the, the lawful one or whatever. I forgot the word. And we see the kid that, that was dropped when he's like, I was saved by a real superhero, but he's like, where were her powers when she broke my leg? He's like, maybe, you know, she, I was, or she was in beta testing or something like that. Kamala watches all the reactions in a room. She looks in the mirror. She kind of poses or whatever. And then she goes out her window onto the, like the, the, the porch roof. Her dad comes out. He's like, Whoa. And he's like, so you are now the great new superhero called, called what? She's like, oh, I'm still trying to figure that out. And we see like the other people like going on with their like lives and stuff like that as, as he's talking. Abu says that that she sees people, she saved lives, and he's like, and if you saved one life, well, you saved the world. And we see Cameron. He looks at an address in another city. Goes into this restaurant. Kimo's sitting there. He stands up and he motions him in. So uh, the dad keeps talking. He's like, you know why we named you Kamala? And she's like, no. It's like, really? Never. This never came up. He's like, your mother and I tried for years to have a second child. We'd almost lost all hope. And then you came. He's like, Betta, you were so perfect. He's like, that's what Kamal means in Arabic. Perfect. But in Urdu, it's more like, he's like, what's the word? Wonder? Marvel? Kamala means Marvel. And she looks at him. I share the same name as Carol frickin' Danvers. He kind of chuckles. I don't know who that is. He's like, but you sure are and always have been our own little Ms. Marble. He hands her a mask and she hugs him. She's like, I love you. I love you too. And then she gets up, walks off the platform. And he's like, magic, absolute magic. Then there's a shot of the city. It's probably, I, I believe it's New York. And she's sitting on a lamppost. She's staring at the city across the river. The end. But actually, it's not over because then it's like one week later, uh, by the school, Bruno pulls up. He's like, Cameron left his car. Naki's like, only because he snuck out of the country. Bruno says that he's like, well, he told me I could have it. Naki's like, no, he didn't. And he's like, he did. No, he didn't. And they're like, he's like, we really bonded during that explosion. Okay. He's like, plus I look good driving it. He's like, I'll probably take it to Caltech. Nakia says, like, well, I, for one, think it looks much better in the streets of Jersey City without you in it, to be honest with you. And Kamala's like, you know, she says she disagrees with Bruno, too, whatever. Nakia says that she's proud of him. She's going to miss him. He's like, well, it's, I'll only be a 43-hour drive away. 
he tells Kamala that he went back to look at her genetic makeup again. And she's like, you can call me if you're bored. And he's like, no. He's like, Amir kept asking if he might have powers too. And I think we might have had it wrong the first time around. We know why you have access to the newer and how you can wield it. But when I compare you to the rest of your family, something still seemed off. He's like, there's something different in your genes. Like, here it comes, like a mutation. And she just looks at him and she's like, well, whatever it is, it's just going to be another label. So she's not an inhuman. She's not a new human. It looks like she's a mutant. Nakia somehow um, got his keys uh, and then she's behind the wheel. Kamala gets the shotgun and he gets in the back. Whatever. He's like, well, just one drive, whatever. And they, they leave. Now it's over. Credits. Blue, 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 blue. That's the end. Except there's a mid credit scene or end credit, whatever. Uh, Kamala plops on her bed. Muniba's like, that doesn't sound like science to me. And she's like, okay. And then her bangle starts glowing. She gets up and she looks at it and then she kind of like warps, whatever. And goes flying back through the closet door. But then it's not Kamala that stands up. It's Carol freaking Danvers. It's Brie Larson. She looks around her and she picks up a piece of door and there's like a you know, ripped Captain Marvel poster and she sees all the drawings and stuff in there. She's like, oh, no, 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 no. And that's the end. Ms. Marvel will return in the Marvels, which we all knew that. Um, unfortunately, there is no word on a season two. They're probably saying, let's focus on Kamala's appearance in The Marvels before we talk about a season two. I mean, there's there's got to be, well, I, I guess there doesn't have to be, but I mean, hopefully, yeah, unless Lester, like, well, you know, we can just do another, you know, movie or, or something like that. So I don't know if there's a release date for The Marvels. I think it's, it's set for 2023. So... I don't know what this means. Why would Brie Larson exchange places with Kamala? I mean, I, I don't know. We'll see. But it was a you know it, it was a great great show. Uh, you know, I have little little nitpickets with some of the pacing of the show. You know, because it's only six episodes, I feel like I feel like some time wasn't used as wisely as it could have. And it, because we want more, I want more. So it's it's kind of a bummer that less time. Was you know this is Kamala just gets her costume in this episode, and you know there's like other things that would have been cool to see. But I get that this is her origin or what all that stuff, but it just I, I would have liked to have seen more. And then now we got to wait at least a year or whatever to see her, and then, so we'll see. But hopefully we'll, we'll get a season two because it could be it could, it could be fun. All right, now with Umbrella Academy, so we have three more episodes to go. Uh, I and I really like like the this this season. It, it's so hard when I watch shows like this, you know, because part of it is like like I had to watch this. I got to you know got to remember this stuff. I got to you know talk about it on podcast. So I, I've mentioned this before. It, it feels like it's work, but when I think back at when I'm finally done, and I'm like, oh man, and you know, I I I did like the show. You know, so I it, part of me is like I wish I didn't have to work as I watch it, but it's it's it was enjoyable, and I hope that we get a season four because there, there's it's not official yet. So we're doing eight, nine, and ten this week. Uh, season three, episode eight, wedding at the end of the world. So it starts off in 1918. Reginald's walking through like a wheat field. He's noting some measurements. Fires a flare, and there's like this portal like doorway in the sky. So then some time passes, He and he has like a building built on it. Like one guy's complaining he didn't understand the plans, all this like that. Ends up being the Hotel Obsidian, where the umbrellas are, are staying right in the present. 
Cuts to the grand opening. There's lots of people in the lobby drinking and smoking. Reginald walks in with several men in like overcoats and stuff like that. They go upstairs. They go to the, the Buffalo room. So it's not as gaudy as it is now, but there's like it's clearly the same room. Suitcase full of cash for when the job is done. And he's like, I want them all killed. So these men are really like soldiers. They almost look like they're soldiers from different countries. He opens uh, that blue light doorway, hallway thing, whatever, behind the painting. They go in there, close it, waits. And then after a while, he finally hears some gunshots. And then there's one bloody dude comes in. He's like, all dead, all dead, all dead. And then he dies. And then, like a cockroach crawls out of his mouth and then Reg just like stomps on it. So then uh, in the present, the Kuga Blitz, the, the ball energy thing is like raging. There's like, you even see like black angel of smoke oozing out, whatever. Buildings are crumbling, but the Hotel City and still looks looks fine. Uh, so the two families are inside. Allison asks, how is the rest of the universe going down to Cosmic Pooper, but they're fine? Victor's like, well, maybe, you know, we're the last thing that gets flushed. And she immaturely snaps, wasn't talking to you. Luther is like, has anyone seen Klaus? You know, just realize this. And then uh, Sloan's like, or dad. Diego's like, oh, they'll be here. Ben sarcastic is like, really? Did they hit traffic? And he's like, you know, we're we're alive because, you know, we're special. You know, we're the only ones that can save the universe. Allison's like, question, didn't we just try that and fail miserably? Ben and Diego are arguing about stuff. Five interrupts. He's like, you know, the fact remains, we're too late. He says, you know, most of them have spent the last 28 days trying to stop the end of the world with exactly. He's like, what exactly have we accomplished? He's like, we've made things worse every time. He mentions that at the commission, he had a conversation with his 100-year-old self. His last words were, don't save the world. Luther says that they saved the world for a day, pat themselves on the back, and it all goes to poop again. Victor's like, well, maybe it's us. And Allison, of course, she's like, oh, yeah, us. Five says that, you know, maybe this is what the universe needs to fix things or whatever. And Sloan's like, he's like, what if after is, is just nothing? And Five's like, then it was nice knowing you all. He's like, whatever's on your bucket list, I recommend you do it now. So then Luther and Sloan kind of smile at each other and they tell them the news. They're engaged. They want to spend their last moments all together. They want to celebrate the love tonight, six o'clock in a banquet room. Then Reginald and Klaus enter the lobby. The desk dude, I think his name's Chet. He's like, Sir Reginald, it's been a while. And, you know, then Klaus is like, you know each other? And Reginald's like, of course. He's like, I own this hotel. And then he's like, where are the children? So they're surprised to see them together. Klaus says they did the whole father and son road trip thing. You know, long story short, I'm immortal now. And he like does some like flexes. And Reginald isn't happy they're just sitting around talking about wedding plans when, you know, universe is folding in on itself. Luther's like, oh, you know, whatever. That space is limited anyways at, you know, at the reception because he doesn't want him to go. Reginald kind of goes on a rant. He Then they ask him, have you been taking your pills? He's like, no. He's like, I, I, I feel fine. I'm thinking clear, like all this stuff. He mentions Klaus helped wean him off. And Sloan asks Klaus, is like, what were you thinking? Reginald says that they have to commence training. They have work to do. And then Ben's like, he's like, I'm on board. And Five's like, let me guess, Project Oblivion? And Reginald's like, how'd you know about that? He's like, I heard about it from Pogo. It's like, he confirmed what? I always suspected about you. You're a sadistic lunatic who's planning on gambling all of our lives in another pointless mission. Luther tells him, he's like, no one wants you here. You should just leave. And Klaus pulls him away. He, you know, he's saying that this isn't the right way to go. You know, just his demeanor and everything like that. The rest end up like going their separate ways. Then Luther asks Victor if he'll be his best man. And he's like, yeah. 
and Luther mentions a bachelor party and and he's like, and not everyone is invited. Ben walks by. He's like, what was that? And they're like, oh, nothing. Lila is talking. She talks to Diego. He says that he's brainstorming, that he wants to be alone. And he says that he's not going to the wedding. And she's like, yeah, you are. You're my plus one. He lets it slip that he wants to fight no matter what the odds are, if it means that he can be with her and a baby. She says that he can't have it both ways because, you know, he doesn't want to be with her, but he wants to be with her. Then he finally is like, I choose you. Reginald and Klaus are in a Buffalo room. Klaus tries like teaching him how to be cordial and friendly, you know, the compliment, you know, say something nice or whatever. Karaoke, Luther's singing Total Eclipse of the Heart. It's just, you know, a few of them. Um, then Five sings a duet with Klaus. I've had the time of my life. Luther asks Victor a favor to just try to talk to Allison. Then they all start singing I've Had a Time of My Life. And Ben is like above them in a the balcony landing, just kind of like listening because he wasn't invited. Ben, then he goes to Sloan. He's complaining. He's like, oh, my ears are hurting from having to hear all that, whatever. And you know, he doesn't want to talk about the wedding. And then she's like, you know, I'm sorry you weren't invited to the bachelor party. And he's like, I don't care about that. And she's like, yes, you do. And she says that, you know, they were a real family. Uh, they existed for more than just selling action figures and tote bags. And he's like, we're more than that. And she's like, were we? The ballroom is all lit up. Luther and Victor come down. Uh, Allison and Victor start bickering already. And he asks them to get along for a couple hours. You know, think of it as a wedding gift. Sloan enters in the wedding dress that she made. Ben's like, let's get this over with before I die of cringe. Klaus officiates. They're married. Wedding dance, reception. Klaus tries getting Five to uh, go up and talk to Dad about his plan. But Five just wants a drink. Klaus eyes Diego and Lila stops him. Um, Ben and Allison are are sitting at a table and he asks, you know, how long until they can leave? Klaus goes to Luther and Sloan to talk about dad, but Luther doesn't want to hear anything about it. Reginald comes down, walks out of the elevator. Everyone's like staring at him. He gets some food, sits by him because he like, they're like, don't sit here. Don't sit, you know, I don't want him to sit there. He sits by himself. Klaus uh, motions for him to smile. And it's kind of creepy. Lila makes Diego introduce her to him. Cause I guess, she, you know, she, she never met him. And um, he, asks her about her accent and they talk about where she's from. They reminisce about London and he's like, where'd you two meet? And she's like a mental hospital. He's like, Oh, that, that makes sense. You know, for you to want to be with him and then Reginald like kisses her hand, whatever. And he tells Diego, he's like, by the way, you would have made a superb father. So he's really being nice. Then Klaus goes to Ben saying he has a mission for him. Ben is trashed. He mentions not being invited to the bachelor party. Then he asks, he's like, why don't you like me? He's like, you know, you like the other other one. And he says that, you know, he was number one twice. And Klaus says that, you know, he's trying too hard that, you know, it's like no one is polishing their boots or pressing their tights. You know, he just needs to relax and stuff like that. Victor makes a toast. Uh, then Victor tries talking to Allison. Reginald praises Sloan, says that she found an adequate partner with Luther. And Luther's like, that's the nicest thing he's ever said. He's like, adequate. <laughs> then Victor says, sorry that he betrayed her trust. She's more important to him than anything in the world. Will you forgive me? And Allison's like, no, I don't think I will. So it keeps cutting back and forth. during. It's like they're not even listening to the dad's, you know, what are you saying? Reginald says that he's proud to call them his children, even one that he raised in a whatever different timeline. Victor says if Allison won't, won't forgive him, he'll still forgive her. And she's like, for what? He's like, I didn't do anything wrong. She's like, I'm really tired of being the a-hole that has to meet you halfway. She's like, I'm tired of being a sucker. And Victor's like, you're the sucker? Allison's like, our whole lives, all you said is that you 
that you ever wanted was for us to be close. And we finally got there and you fudged it up, not me. And, and then Victor's like, is this really how you want to end things? And Alice is like, don't worry, I'll sleep fine tonight. And she walks away, her go-to move. Reginald's still talking. And then there's more music, dancing. Victor wipes his tears. He joins in. Ben's out there too. He's dancing. Camera pans back. You see the Kugelblitz destroying the city. Luther and Sloan are dancing some more. Five's like up on stage singing. The whole sky's like orange from the Kugelblitz. Then outside on the patio, Lila says that she would have been a poop mom. Diego's like, uh, he says that he doubts that. And then Luther tells Victor that he appreciates him trying because he saw them t- trying to talk. Klaus and Ben come out. He's like, uh, they're upset. Klaus says that the a-hole Ben is gone. This is a new, new Ben. Um, ben and Klaus are drunk, whatever, they're just trash. And Luther says, you know, tonight, this is all he ever really wanted. You know, everyone come together when it really mattered. It's like one big real family. Then uh, they start getting up, call it a night. Luther and Sloan are the only ones left. Five's like, he decides he's hungry, even though he's been drinking so much. So he's eating, walking a hall, and then he decides he has to bomb it. So he goes to a plant. He hears Reginald talking to someone. So he, he now he's outside the Buffalo room. And you hear, like, there's no more time to wait. He's like, I can't do this without you. He's like, do we have a deal? He raises his hand to shake, but it's like, who's he shaking hands with? Five kind of like backs away, passes out in the elevator before we can see who it was. Season three, episode nine, Seven Bells. So it goes back to Luther being on the moon. Day 47, he records a message of dad. And then there's a Friday, I'm in love by the Cure montage, different things. Cuts to Lunar Day 132, then 207. Then he has a beard and longer hair, 406. He's starting to lose it. Day 972, he's like just crying on the floor, like in a fetal position. Then at one point, he drives to the geo fence. It, then uh, it, he can't go anywhere, so he puts out a chair and just sits there. Then it cuts to like a ways away, like another part of the moon. There's this other crater. There's like a, a structure there, cryogenic tube with Abigail Hargreaves' status deceased. So isn't now I'm trying to remember is that her real? Because Grace is the robot mom, but Abigail must have been like Reginald's real wife or something like that. I, I don't remember. I don't know if the kids ever knew her. I don't remember, and I'm not going to look it up. Not right now. Ben wakes up on a pool table. He has a hangover. Klaus is on the floor. There's like crumbs all over the place. It's just dirty and everything like that. Then Ben starts acting like his jerky self. Klaus is like, oh, we were making progress. And Ben's like, I hate you, whatever. And Klaus is like, you're just pushing people away that you care about you know, the most, just like dad. Five wakes up in the kitchen. He recalls last night. It's like, how do you get from the elevator to here? So maybe he didn't pass out completely. He recalls... Um, I don't know if there's yeah a little continuity thing or whatever. Giving a speech, drinking, dad talking to someone, going into the elevator. And then Victor wakes up with dad bringing him like a tray of food. Reginald says that he has some concern. Uh, you know, he's says he's he's not the same as Reginald that he knew. He's like he you know since he was uh, the only one sober at the party, he remembers the argument with Allison. And he like he even like makes a joke at one point, but he says he's like, but what I'm really here to discuss is deadly serious. Luther and Sloane are in their room and you know talking and kissing. Then she asks if he thinks that they're being too hard on dad. And he says that he had a complicated relationship with his dad, that he lied to him and he used him. Then Allison walks in and she's like, Oh, the door was open. She wanted to come by and say sorry. You know, she's been a poopy sister. Luther says that if she's handing out apologies, Victor deserves one. And she's like, oh, I'm going to get to him. 
Luther says, he's like, well, I forgive you. And she leaves. But then before she leaves, she's like, oh, and dad called a meeting at noon today. So he's like, oh, okay, I see what this apologies is, whatever. And she's like, no. Sloan's like, we'll be there. Then we see there's only just a, a chunk of earth left. It's just a few blocks of the city and the, the Kugelblitz is floating nearby. Five is sitting on the edge, like a busted street, like at the edge of the, the chunk. Reginald comes up, sits next to him. Uh, and he's like, even though he said he wants to be alone, Reginald said that he's seen the um, he's seen world's end in ways that would knock his socks off. So it's like, how is that possible? Um, he says that you know they all start to run together after a while, but you never forget your first. He's like your home, your original sin, and he's hoping that the kids will help him right some wrongs. And five says he's like sorry. He's like I got a message from the future. He explains that his future self told him very explicitly not to save the world. Reginald laughs. He calls him an arrogant sob. He's like future you, present you. He's like the past is much a mystery as the future. He's like you ruined your life once by not listening to me. He's like are you prepared to do that again? Five says that then he's like, okay, I'll go to a stupid meeting if you tell me what happened to him in the Buffalo suite last night. He's like, who are you talking to? And he's like, no one. He's like, I was alone. Time for the meeting. They walk in. Everyone cheers Five for his speech because, you know, he said a bunch of stuff or whatever like that. Reginald starts. He's like, the Norse had seven sleepers, the Blackfoot, seven stars. He's like, as a boy, I heard the legend of seven bells. He's like, all the stories are the same. Village is under threat by flood, by fire by a night that never ends a shaman brings in disciples to a sacred cave he tells them that if they can ring the seven magic bells the village will be saved and all restored just as it was lila's like can we uh get a little less brothers grim and more like uh what the heck do you does this have to do with us he says that there's a a truth to these myths is like a, a lot of existence will be gone by the end of the day but whoever whatever wove space and time left a way to put things back together if the universe ever faced total annihilation then it cuts back to when he fired the flare in the field we see him that he says he continues that there's a portal in this universe he built uh, this hotel around it on the other side is the answer luther asks he's like are we just supposed to go over there and ring the bells and he says basically yeah but there's a guardian dio says uh, the kind of guardian who does this and he holds up his finger with this his hand with his severed fingers it's like he had a sword Ben stands up and he's like, I'm in. And five's like trying to remember, you know, who he's trying to think back to last night. Who's he talking to? Diego gets up. He's like, I'm in too. But he thinks that some people should stay back like Lila. And she says that, or she can go and he can stay because no one knows that she's pregnant. Reginald says that they're all that stand in the way of oblivion. Victor's, he's like, well, I think we should vote. And Ben's like, it's not a democracy. He's like, we do as, as dad says. Five says that he's with Victor, that they should vote. Reginald isn't happy with that. But then um, Luther agrees that, you know, he, he, he says that they should all, you know, meet back in an hour, even though time is ticking. Diego and Lila talk. She says that she's a fighter just like him. You know, that she has to go. She wants to go and all that, whatever. Allison calls after Victor and like, you know, for what? It's like, so you can hand me my butt again. She says that she was really drunk last night. So Victor says that she doesn't have to make excuses. He gets it. He's her least favorite sibling. He ruined her life. And Allison's like, okay. She's like, no, that's not it. She's like, well, you just, you know, stop and listen, please. She says that he was right. You know, Claire and Ray are gone, but hating you won't bring them back. He's like, and my pain doesn't give me permission to hurt you, but it's real. And it's something that I have to carry, which is why if I don't do something, if I don't act now, it's just another thing that slips into nothingness. If we stay here, we die. But if we go through the portal, we could we could save the universe. We could save everybody. 
so we can put our past behind us. And, and she's like, can we put our past behind us and move forward? Can you give me that? Victor nods, and Alice is like, I love you. And like, I love you too. They hug, but they both look a little suspicious. So it's like, I don't think this was like a genuine apology. Five talks to Luther. Seems uh, Sloan and Luther are not going to join. He says that he saw something he wasn't supposed to, but he can't remember. You know, Five's trying to figure out what's, what's going on. So there's got to be more to the story about the seven bells. His instinct tells him that it's a trap. Everyone thinks about what they're going to do. Five goes into the Buffalo room. Then back downstairs, Allison votes to go with Dad. Lila does too. Diego said, since she said yes, that he votes stay. Klaus votes with Father. Ben nods, so it's four to one. Victor wants to believe but can't shake the feeling that they don't know what they're getting themselves into, so Victor votes stay. Luther says he and Sloan are out, so now it's four to four. So what about Five? Five says, I saw the future and it told me to sit this one out, so I vote stay. Allison's like, oh, you're apathetic, and she walks away <laughs> again. Ben asks, why can't they, just the four of them go in? And Reggie Reginald says that that would be failure, that there must be seven. Reginald says that um, he's not happy, but he sees that it's on him. He failed them when they were young, and just as he's failed them now. So then they're like, was that a real apology? Allison goes upstairs, starts screaming. Luther walks by and sees Dad in the Buffalo room. He doesn't want to go in, but so they, they talk. Reginald says that the universe is tearing itself apart. Luther says that he knows it's some, but you know it's always something. Every everything that he wanted him to do, he did. Reginald says that he's a remarkable young man, despite what he put him through, and he hopes that he can forgive him. He's like, "Will you? Will you forgive me, son?" And Luther's like, "Yeah." And then Reginald hugs him. Then he says, "I only wish your self-actualization could have come at a better time for the universe." And then you there's like flesh ripping. Reginald stabbed him with like some insect arm thing. Like it's like this sharp thing that came out like at his wrist. He's like, There's an old saying, Luther. It's like the best way to bring a family together is at a wedding or a funeral. He's like, We tried to one, now it's time for the other. And he pulls a tentacle whatever thing out. And then Luther falls to his knees and he's like, Sloan. Reginald's like, I know, just as you found lo- love. He's like, it's a terrible shame, but don't worry. I'll be sure to look after her. Then he raises his arm, slashes the front of, of Luther's chest, and like just blood gushes everywhere. But surprisingly, none got in Reginald. Five's walking the halls. He has a big bowl of cereal. Um, Victor asks what, what he's doing. He says, retracing his steps. The, he's like, the old man is hiding something. Victor says... It feels like there's a lot of that going around. He mentions Allison apologized to him last night. She was ready to kill him, you know, and now you know, it's like something must have happened last night. And then five drops the, the big bowl. He has a flashback. So he's like, now do we have a deal? And he, Reginald shook hands with Allison. So he remembers and tells Victor, but before he can explain, Sloan screams. So then it cuts to room Diego and, and uh, Lila there. Allison sitting there with watery eyes. So maybe did she scream? That wouldn't make sense. Klaus is, is there too. Lila's like, it must have been the Guardian. And Diego says that she's right. It's like whoever did this had a long curved blade because he knows how knives work. Then Reginald comes in. He's like, children, what's going on? Oh, God, Luther. So he's like just totally playing it off. Ben says that if they attacked first, then he'd still be alive. So he's saying, you know, we should have done something. The front door of the hotel is starting to get obliterated. The desk the desk clerk's like, oh, it's been a good run, whatever. So he, he's gone. Hotel starts shaking. Ben sees like fire out in the hall. Five says that they're out of time. Passage is the only way to go. 
Diego grabs a spear gun. Sloan doesn't want to leave Luther, but they they make her go. Dad won't let Klaus in. He's like, oh, you did a fine job of bringing me back to the family fold. He's like, but you're just more trouble than you're worth. He's like, sorry, Klaus. He shoves him back, closes the door. Hotel starts dissolving. Klaus um, tries opening the door. He can't. Then he looks at the buffalo. He jumps up and impales himself on a horn just as the room gets destroyed. And he like he dies and then he he gets dissolved too. So that's the end of the ninth episode. Final episode, season four, episode ten. Is this season four? No, season three. Season three, episode ten, Oblivion. So this is it. Uh, through the tunnel they go through and they're like, "Where's Klaus?" And Reginald's like, "He's like, I did all I could, but he didn't make it through through in time." And Five's like, "He was right behind me." And then they're like, you know, so now they realize Luther and Klaus are both gone. So Klaus and Luther watch some guy. Uh, they're sitting in these like recliners. He's talking about that cosmos and reality or whatever. They're eating pizza and um, there's only like the one wall in front of them. Everything behind them, like on the sides is all desert. Um, Luther's like watching the show, you know, he's interested in what the guy's saying. Um, you know, he's like, yeah, it's, that's right. You know, maybe we are just specks of sand in the galaxy or whatever. Klaus is like, he's upset. He's like, why is there pineapple on a pizza? It's like, who would have thought that? You know, whatever. So they're both getting philosophical about different things. Then Luther looks around. He's like, where are we? And Klaus like, oh, we're dead. And that, that girl on a bike rides by. The others go down to the lobby. So they're on the other side now. Sloan wants to ring the bell right away in the front desk. But Lila's like, they have to be in the right state of mind. Five walks to the doors. But Diego says that they won't let him out. Reginald says that the place is a test and a trap and a means of salvation all at once. Then Reginald turns his back on them and he pulls out his book. Luther is uh, shocked that he's dead. He's like, Dad killed me? And Klaus is like, oh, yeah. He's like, he killed me lots of times. Luther's like, but he's an alien. He's like a bug person from another planet. And so he wants Klaus. He's like, you got to go back and you got to warn Sloan and the others. He's like, I'm not going back. He's like, this is where I belong. But Luther's not happy with that. Lila doesn't want to tell the other that she's pregnant yet um, because you know, she went off to eat food, you know, eat some sushi. And because um, Diego almost said said something and she like cut him off. Five and Victor talk. Um, five suspects that Reginald had something to do with Luther and Klaus. He's like, that's normally his his modus operandi. Um, they lost a vote to go in the tunnel, yet there they are. So And it's like, what's worse is they, they know Allison is involved. Allison's sitting with Sloan. Sloan says that she thought they'd be together at the end. She didn't even get to say goodbye. Allison's like, well, I did. She's like, well, you know, with, with my daughter and Ray, whatever. She's like, it, it doesn't make you feel any better. And she's like, Luther loved you and you made him happy. And then Reginald kind of like makes eye contact, you know, with, with Allison. So they're up to something. Five says um, Allison's been unraveling since they got there. Klaus and Victor are going through um, the walls. So there's supposed to be like other people's ideas of heaven or whatever thing like that. Because uh, Victor is trying to threaten Klaus, but he's like, you can't hurt me here. There's no pain. And he like tries throwing him and then shoom, he like kind of disappeared and nothing because there's like an invisible door there. So now they're, they're, they're going through different worlds or whatever like that. And Klaus is like, I don't even know if I can go back. Reginald is still walking around. Ben looks at him. Reginald goes up a level. He looks at a, a grandfather clock. Allison storms up to him. She's like, we need to talk. He's like, oh, I'm busy right now. And she's like, she asks him, she's like, did you kill Luther and Klaus? And Reginald's like, there's there's a guardian lurking in the corridors of this hotel. He's like, we have to defeat you know them for, he defeat it for the, this mission to succeed. He's like, what benefit would I have gained by killing two members of our team? And she's like, if you're BSing me, the deal's off. Then Ben comes up as Allison storms off again. 
he asks, he's like, what's that about? And he's like, none of your concern. And Ben says that they're in the hotel oblivion like he wanted. He's like, I made that happen. And he's like, don't be ridiculous. He's like, Allison killed Harlan and I united the family. So what did you do, number two? So he's like, gather the children. So they say, you know, they have to find the seven bells. Reginald says the bells are just a metaphor for this. And he holds open his book. So five's like, oh, the sigil. He's like, once they find that symbol, then they're one step closer to resetting the universe. Sloan asks, he's like, well, what did they have to do when they find it? Reginald's like, I don't know. So five says they're here because he said he had a plan. Um, he says he does, but up to a point. Lila laughs at this. Allison says finding the sigil is their best chance of getting out of there. And five's like, funny how you and dad are on the same page again. And she kind of glares at him. Victor asks, like, how do they find it? Original says they go in groups. He's like, I'll go with Allison and Sloan, um, Ben and Five with Victor. And then Victor says, he's like, no, no, no. He's like, we want Allison. He's like, we've trained together, so it makes more sense instead of Ben. And Allison's like, yeah, no thanks. And Victor says, why not? And But Reginald's like, splendid idea. He's like, sparrows stick together. So, you know, uh, Allison goes with the umbrellas. Everyone take a different floor. And Diego's like, what about us? Reginald says, you're a duo. It's like, no one wants to listen to your bickering. So it's like, search everywhere. Meet back in 30 minutes. Ben and Sloan going in the elevator. Reginald walks up. He's like, oh, I forgot my journal. He's like, go on up. I'll meet you on five. When the door closes, he he's not going for his journal. He's he's staying there. He goes to the front desk bell. And he's, he's, he's just going to stand there. Allison says, uh, someone went to a lot of trouble to hide this thing. They're looking in a room. And Victor asks, like, how big is it supposed to be? And she's like, dear old Reginald didn't say. Five's like, oh, I'm surprised that, you know, you don't know more about his plan. And Allison's like, I'm sorry. He's like, what's that supposed to mean? He's like, I saw you in the white buffalo suite during the wedding. And she's like, I heard you blacked out last night. He says that he did, and it took him a while, but he remembers what he saw. Her and dad made some kind of deal. He's like, and she's like, what deal did I make? And she says, a deal with dad? She's like, you're joking. Victor um, says that he's not. Allison says five is out of his mind. It's like, you and dad make a deal and now Luther's dead. And she said, Luther was killed by whatever that thing is. And Klaus, he, you know, she says that he didn't make it to the tunnel. And he's, and he's like, you're, you know, your deal is costing people their lives. Do you really think I made a deal to kill Luther and Klaus? It's like, I'm done. I'll meet you in the lobby. She storms off again. It's like, it's, that's all she does. She refuses to argue. And she just like walks off. Victor chases after her. When five walks through the door, though, it's like there's like a shimmer portal effect and a hallway. So like he's like on a different floor now because there's like numbers on all the walls. So it changes. And he looks and there's like a dead end, like one where he's supposed to go. Victor tries getting Allison to listen. She says, why should she? It's like, you know, they were willing to sit back and die. She's the only one fighting to save, you know, both worlds or whatever. Victor says that they need to know dad's plan before more of them get killed. Then Allison asks, uh, it's like, where the heck is five? So Victor's like, he was right behind me. So they go back to the room, but there's like no nothing in there. Diego and Luna are in six. She admits that she's scared. It's like, you know, what if she fails the baby? And he says, um, you know, behind all her, her BS is a kind and decent person. Then they walk through like a shimmer. Now they're on a different floor. Sloan and, and Ben are on five. Ben isn't, he's just standing around. He's not looking. And she asks, you know, why does he care so much that dad likes him? You know, 
he wasn't a sparrow. He was her dad and a poopy one. Then five finds them. He tells him the hotel is changing. And he's been walking circles. So it's like it's alive. So Ben's like, well, we should go back to the lobby. And five's like, I've been trying, but I keep ending up at the same spot. Ben's like, well, maybe you have no sense of direction. Five's like, then why don't you lead the way? Allison and Victor looking for five. Victor asks, how do they go back to how it was before, before the fake apology? And she says, and the lies. And Allison's like, I don't know, but we can. Reginald is still at the desk. Klaus pops up, pops out around the corner. And he's like, you? And he's like, there's only one way into oblivion. That's not possible. And, and then he's like, oh, it's fascinating. He's like, I'd like to explore it more, but there's no time. And Klaus is like, you use me to get the family here. You use me. And when there was no more use, you left me to die on the floor. And Reginald is like, he's like, I did you a favor. And he's like, I knew you'd get back to this place. And Klaus asks, he's like, who's next? Reginald says, everyone is in place. The battle's about to begin. So he's one bell ring away from his prize. And Klaus is going to ruin everything. He's like, oh, if I had a nickel every time I heard that, I'd have a dollar. And Reginald, you know, he's just going on. He hits him over the head with like a big, some big thing that was on, on the counter and Klaus is down. And then Reginald rings the, the bell. The light outside changes and the guardians are about to pop out. The ho- so as uh, the, the hotel and lights change upstairs, Allison asks which one of their moronic siblings rang that dang bell. But then the guardian busts the wall in front of them, swings its axe blade, hits Allison in the shoulder. And she screams in pain. And it doesn't look too bad, but I guess it would still hurt. The guardian gets ready to swing again, and Victor powers up, shoves the guardian back, and Victor helps Allison up, and they try running. Diego and Lila see the guardian, but wait, is this a different one now? Um, it's behind them. They go to the elevator, pushing it. It won't come up. They start um, throwing knives at it. You know, Delilah's doing it too. Hits one, hits it in the eye, and the garden just pulls it out like like it was nothing. Then the elevator opens. They run inside. Ben Sloan and Five see a guardian with a sword. So Ben's he's like, what samurai? He's not impressed. Sloan yells, starts running towards it, flips over it, use her powers to kind of like grab it. Five grabs a. Um, an axe, a fire axe, but then Ben's just standing there watching. Victor and Allison, they they go to the spa. She admits that she had a deal with Dad. Uh, you know, nothing to do with Luther and, and Klaus. Victor asks, like, why tell me now? She says that she needs him to believe. She needs him to believe her that she did this for all of them. She needs him to trust her. If they get through this, everything will be okay. Then the door gets kicked open, gets knocked down or whatever. Allison and Victor go through like different portals, like, and they're like in different floors now. So Victor's on four, Allison's on nine. So they're all getting separated. Diego and Lila are on four. He shoves her into like this maintenance closet, has like a bolt lock on the outside. And he says that he's protecting his family. So he's keeping her locked up. Ben says that um, five hit it with the axe in the, in the back with the axe five times. Times out. He's like, it should be dead. So they're in the, like, the laundry room. Five's like, it's the armor. It's like hitting cement. Sloan says that there's a space between the back plates, so they'll need to hit it from behind. Sloan um, charges up, runs it on the wall. Five teleports. She gets kind of like slashed in the arm and falls. Five teleports behind it, but then the guardian um, backhands it before he can make contact. Ben finally comes up. He's looking at it. Tentacles comes out, wraps the, the guardians. He's like squeezing it, but then it, 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 I can't remember if it sliced her or burst through his tentacles. He screams. And then it turns uh, to face Ben. He's about to take him out. Five whacks it in, in the, with the ax in the back, and it, it's done. Victor walks up. Um, and a door busts open. So it's a guardian? Nope, it's Lila. 
she she's like she'll explain later why you know she was in a closet then a guardian is down the hall from them they're tired of running so lila mimics victor's powers they both power up the guardian charges they blast it back and it has like a hole in his chest so it's gone klaus wakes up in the lobby diego sees him victor and lila and allison come down too so five sloan and ben get there diego says to lila he's like i told you to stay in the and then she slaps him and then she kisses him klaus tells them that dad killed luther and he locked him out of the tunnel and he rang the stupid bell reginald is by the, the front doors fives like what's the plan old man he's like we don't have time for this Sloan yells, you killed Luther. He said that he had no choice. They refused to come together as a team. And Ben's like, he's like, all his myths and stories were a lie. He's like, you brought us all here to die. Reginald's like, no. He's like, the key to resetting the universe is somewhere in there. And he, he's like, he just needs to find a sigil. Five's looking around. They, they figured out that there's one more guardian left because they're seeing like how many they took out and everything like that. So Five goes up to like this, the second landing, whatever, and looks down over the lobby and he realizes the symbols are on the floor because there's like stars and stuff like that. He yells that he found a sigil. It's on the, and then the last guardian busts down, throws his blade at, at, at five, chops off his arm, like at the wrist, chops off his, his like hand and wrist. Klaus uh, gets hit in the gut uh, with, with the blade. It throws like this explosive thing at the others. They, you know, they, they fall back. Ben um, gets hit in the gut with like the metal ball on a chain thing. Five gets up, takes off his tie to like try to stop the spurting blood of his, his wrist. Diego tries fighting the guardian hand to hand. It moves towards Sloan. She tries stopping it, but she only has like one hand because she's like holding her side. Then she's like getting weak. It's about to strike, but then it stops. Luther's back. He's like, no one harms my wife, you SOB. So he flips the guardian back over his shoulder and then bugs, he lands on his back and like his mask falls off and he's got, his face looks like a sponge or something like that because like bugs are crawling around his face. Luther like lashes out on Reginald about, you know, wasting his time on the moon and here and all this stuff like that. Reginald says that he left him guardian, you know, the most precious thing or something like that, which we don't know, but it was guardian guarding Abigail, his wife. Which at first I was like, what is he talking about? Because he didn't, doesn't say that. So he, he's like, you'll soon understand. He's like, you all will. Okay, so I remember that. Then Luther starts kind of fading. Um, and Klaus is holding his hand up. He's like, I can't hold much. You know? So Luther says to Sloane, he, he's like, oh, I will love you forever. And then he fades away. And she's just left there or whatever. Then Klaus is dead again. The bugs crawl back on, onto the guardian's face, like into his pores or whatever. Five yells at the sigils. Are, is a, the stars on the floor? Reginald tells the children to each stand on one. Klaus wakes up. There are the bells. Allison moves, but then Reginald's like, "No, not you." The guardian is up. Five is on the stairs. Reginald yells at him to move quickly, and he's just like standing there. He's probably like, "Allison's right there." It's like, "Why do I have to do it?" Whatever. But then he teleports. Energy zaps all of them, and it also like hits the guardian. Um, bunch of like you know, he gets knocked down a bunch of roaches crawl away and then there's like whirring and clicking above the seven are like frozen in like blue light the hotel's like starting to change around him it's starting to turn into like yellow wireframe light reginald walks over to a desk which is kind of like a control panel and there's like holographic kind of like minority report tom cruise like control stuff he starts doing some stuff and allison's like this wasn't part of the deal it's like you're hurting them he's like can't stop now he's like it shut down the machine so the hotel was just a facade 
So he says something like they're just stuck in a machine in another dimension. Whoever created the universe built this place. The particles inside their bodies are the only thing that fuel the machine. So five tries talking like he killed Luther. He tried to kill Klaus. It won't stop until we're all dead. She, Allison's like, you have to stop. Original says that he's almost done. And then she will get back what they came for. Or they will get back what they came for. So so it's just the two of them. And she's like, no, you're killing them. And he's like, everything in this life has a price. And she looks at them like they're like getting like kind of skeletal, whatever, and like that. She looks at Reginald and she screams, stop. But it doesn't seem to work because he's in the energy bubble. Then um, she uses a guardian axe to hit Reginald in the head. The seven are free. And then you see um, there's like green ooze and black like inside, uh, like out of his head. So part of his head is chopped off because he's he's an alien bug. I don't even know what what he is. Allison sees there's like one button like control like on on a the screen thing, and they're like don't don't push it. You don't know what it'll do. Victor powers up and says you know he's like don't make me do it. And Allison's like do you trust me? And then everything fades to nothing. Then we see Allison gets out of a cab. She takes a key under a pot at her Beverly Hills house and she goes upstairs to her daughter's room and it's her daughter, Claire. And they, they hug her or whatever like that. And then Ray comes in. He's like, hey, baby. So he's there too. The others exit an elevator at a park. So they're at the Obsidian Memorial Park graciously donated by Sir Reginald Hargreaves on first day of October, 1989. And there's like a bust of him. Then Luther comes out of the elevator too. And he, but he's not as big, so they realize he doesn't have his gorilla body in hands. Five notices that his hand is back, you know, that got chopped off. And Luther wonders, like, where's Sloan at? Diego asks, he's like, where are we? And Lila's like, at the hotel or where it used to be. Five thinks the old man didn't reset the universe. Lila notices that Diego's fingers are, are back too. Luther keeps calling out for Sloan. He grabs five. He's like, where's Sloan? He's like, I don't know. He's like, but let go of me. He's like, not until I get some answers. So then five's like, okay, screw this. And he goes to teleport, but nothing happens. Five is like, I can't blink, which he can't teleport. Diego takes out a blade, starts kind of twirling it and falls out of his hand. He's like, that's not good. Victor looks at his hand and Ben tries like his tentacles. Klaus like, does this mean I'm mortal again? He's like, oh man. Ben's like, wait, how do we get them back, you idiots? And he's like, why would they? Know? But it's like so rude. Luther just leaves the go find Sloan, his wife. Klaus goes after him because he's like, oh, you're just dead. You're so fragile. Ben leaves too. Uh, so like, you know, what are they supposed to do? Lila's like, live our lives. Diego takes her hand. They leave. And it's just five and Victor. And then five leaves. Victor looks at the bust of Reginald. It's like, a-hole. And walks away. Then the camera pans back, like outside the park. You see all these like buildings. It's like all Hargreaves stuff. Hargreaves financial, Hargreaves construction, like all over the place. There's this big tower, like in the middle, HE Tower, Hargreaves Enterprises or something like that. Reginald stands looking over the city. And then Abigail walks up behind him. His wife is alive, takes his hand. They look up. Then... There's a mid-credit scene where it's like Ben's on a train bound for Yoido Station. He's wearing a suit and glasses and reading a book. It's like, wait, what? And that's the end. So hopefully we get another season. And I I think they they said that if there's another season, season four would be the last one that would wrap everything up. 
or but it, it's good so i i hope we get more okay and now blackbird season one episode two so i i've decided i'm gonna i'm gonna stay a week behind and I'll be perfectly honest one is to make this a little easier so i'm not waiting for friday to try to record this or try to watch the episode and then record the podcast and everything like that plus also with next week with comic-con that way i can still talk about like westworld and blackbird and try to do comics and news plus whatever the heck i'm, I'm doing at comic-con so as you listen to this, episode three is live, but I will talk about that in next week's episode. So episode two, which came out last week, because the first two dropped, we are coming home, Father Abraham. So it's night, it's like outside of college, this girl's walking, van starts driving up slowly, it goes past her, stops in front, and as she's like walking down the road, you hear like a door open, but then we don't, the camera keeps going, you don't see this girl continuing, you just hear the sound of the door closing. So it's like Marion, Indiana, March 29th, 1993. So we see Jimmy. He's in that infirmary or like the dentist room, whatever, with Agent Lauren. And she asks, she's like, do you like women? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, well, what do you like about them? And they, they go through parts, you know, whatever like that. And then she asks, she's like, um... And she's like, you know, those are just, it was like, but what is it that you like about them? Then he finds like they're warm and they're kind and, you know, you can chill with them, you know, not like you can with a dude, but she's like, but what do you like about them? He says that he likes this. He, you know, he, he then he, she's like, what does, don't you like about women? And he's like, nothing. Then she's like, what does that, then she's like, what would Larry not like about women? And he's like, how the fuck should I know? And she's like, well, then what good are you to me? He's like, you have to show that you can relate to this guy or you're not very useful. So Larry's a guy, the suspect that they say killed women. Back to Miller in the conference room in Indiana. So the flashback, he's with the other cops and Larry. He's talking about his vivid dream of killing women. He says that he doesn't dream of killing women. He just has dreams of killing them. We find out he has a twin, Gary. Miller asks, well, what are his dreams like? You know, or Larry's like, what are your dreams like? And he says it's like he's watching his body from above. He can't really tell or remember what, but you know it was bad. Then Miller takes out a picture of a girl, and Larry kind of like reacts right away, and he doesn't want to look at it. Miller's like, does any of the women in your dreams look like that? And Larry's like, I want to go home now. And Miller keeps asking if he keeps, uh, but he, Larry's like, I just want to go home. I want to go home. So finally, he slams his hand down and stands up. The other detective, Chris, he's like, I'll take you home, Larry. Whatever. Miller gets up. He asks to talk to the detective outside. He tells Larry, um, he's like, you know, whatever. He's like, oh, we're good, Larry, whatever. He, you know, he, and he just walks out. So the, the other three aren't like really happy with Miller and vice versa or whatever. So they say Larry just talks. You know, one guy says that they already have their guy on the, the Reitler case and that it's open as shut as they've seen in years. So they tell him to go back to Illinois and work the Roach case. He can come to Indiana where she was found. You know, they're like, you stay in your sandbox and we'll stay in ours. So Miller has lunch with Lauren. He thinks they might be trying to steal his case because he says, you know, Jessica Roach was abducted in Illinois and killed in Indiana. That's inconclusive, but she was found in Perrysville, Indiana, and that is conclusive. So she says that they can try to claim jurisdiction, uh, but the suspect crossed state lines to kill her, so it's federal. And she mentions bringing in Beaumont as well, the prosecutor dude. 
Jimmy's back with, you know, he's smiling at Lauren. And he says, he's like, I think you already picked me for, for this job. He's like, I don't think there ever was anyone else. And he's like, I have black belts in karate and I'm charming. And he's like, you know, maybe Larry want to hang out with the cool guy. She puts up a file. She's like, here's your competition, Jimmy. And she's on a laptop. She's like, won a boxing championship while serving with the Rangers during Desert Storm. Um, so I think he can handle himself. He's personal, non-threatening demeanor, and he doesn't have an ego that announces itself half an hour before he enters a, a fudging room. Then he's like, then pick him. And she's like, Beaumont wants to. Jimmy is like so full of himself and so full of poop that that's all he sees. Then she says, she asks, she's like, why did your parents divorce? And he starts saying some stuff or whatever. And, and she's like, BS. And then he says that he didn't like his stepfather, but you know, he didn't get BS. She's like, don't fudging waste my time. She's like, all right, then she's going to leave now. He finally says that his mother messed around. His old man was always drinking and never home. He might have been on a take. So it was like growing up in an earthquake. They did just what they did, and they had to take it. So the house was like a horror show. And she's like, if he ends up with Larry, with Hall, it's like I, she's like, I want you to remember what it was like when you were eight. Tap into it, feel it, wear it like skin. He's like, I don't like that skin. And she's like, Hall doesn't like his either. Then she asks, where is he with the file? He says he's been looking at the Jessica Roach killing again. He has a question. He's like, how did she die? It's blacked out. Lauren's like, she was strangled. And Jimmy's like, how? Hands, rope, what? She's like, you tell me if you talk to him. Then she admits that you know she does know. Okay, then flashback. Larry comes in like a police station. Miller introduces him to his friend at the FBI. Uh, Miller goes to get Larry some water. They gave him some like waiver rights uh, thing to sign. The, the FBI, FBI dude, Mark, says it it's just says that he's talking to him. He's answering some question. Larry's like, can I look this over? And he looks it over and then he signs it. So then there's a consent for the polygraph. And he's like, I don't think I can take that. He's like, I don't think I would pass. They're like, why do you think that? He, he, he's about to answer. And then Miller comes in with the water. And Larry's like, uh, would he mind leaving the room? He's like, his energy makes me feel itchy. So Larry apologizes. He says that he's tired because he's afraid to sleep. Um, he has nightmares and then he gets depressed, like bad. He said that he talked to a counselor about it before, but it didn't really help. So Mark's talking to him. The others are like on the other side of the, the, the viewing mirror, the one-way mirror. Mark asks what else depresses him. Larry says that he's very lonely. He wakes up alone, goes to work alone, goes to bed alone. You know, some other guys have a woman. They go to movies. They eat pizza together. And Mark's like, you wish that you had that. You had a, a woman who loved you? And he's like, yes. He's like, but I don't think that's possible, that they'd like him. And he's like, no, no. And Mark's like, what do you do with the urge to be with the woman? He's like, push it down. And Mark's like, that's probably why you have the nightmares. And then Mark pulls out the picture of the girl. He's like, she wasn't in your dreams, Larry. Um, she was in your reality. And he's like, I, th I thought she was. I thought she was. Um, then he asks, he's like, can I touch her? And he picks up the photo. Mark asks, how did he meet her? And he says that she was riding her bike and... You know, he drove up. He started talking to her. She was very nice. You know, she was always nice. And she got real sad. When she was sad, she was in his, you know, when she was in his van. And then uh, later in the field in uh, Perrysville, Indiana, he's like, I do remember where he knew, knew like the mile marker. He says that he didn't have time to, to bury her. So he had to drive, you know, past a few more times or something like that. He's like, normally I bury all of them. 
Then Mark's like, them? He's like, how many have there been? He's like, uh, just a few. He's like, I just do things. I'm not in control. You know, it's, it's like that girl in Marion, the college girl. And Mark says that, uh, he's like, you know her name. He's like, Trisha Reitler. Yes. And Mark says that the Marion police arrested another man in that case. And Larry's like, he didn't do it. Um, he's like, there was one in Wisconsin near one of the reenactments and in some in Indiana. It's like, I can't remember which ones I hurt. He's like, I'm just so tired all the time. Always tired and sad. He's like, what I don't like is this guy in Marion trying to, to take credit for my act. He's like, he didn't fold clothes, did he? Uh, he's like, no. He's like, because he didn't break the zipper. He didn't feel bad about it. And under his breath, he's like, that's why I folded the clothes. So then we see shoes with the clothes folded on top of him. There's like an earring on top too. So Lauren's like writing stuff down. Mark uh, goes in the back room, says that he needs a confession form and a computer. So he asks, he's like, what's with the clothes? And Miller says Trisha's clothes were found in a park about 10 miles from campus. That and a bloody earring that was ripped from her ear. The blood was on her jeans and her zipper was broken where her jeans had been taken off her. Lauren says that she's like, she fought him. And Miller says, none of this is public information. Then Mark says that they need a warrant on his home and his vehicles. So I guess Larry did do it, right? Filling out the confession forms on a computer. Mark's like overwriting the previous confession so this is like weird how they're doing it he's he changes the name the date and stuff like that so i think they're trying to do this before a lawyer shows up they show it to larry and he's like this is what i did he's like i didn't do that so mark kind of like wrote it like in his words but this is not what he didn't like dictate or anything like that and brian's like yeah but you did larry and mark's like you did and he then larry's like no wonder i can't sleep at night and then he signs it and Larry says he just he feels bad. Jimmy talks to his dad on the phone. He asks how he's doing. He says he's weak, you know, his left side, whatever. He forgets his keys and, and stuff like that. Then Sammy, whatever's mom, is, is taking too much care for him, whatever. And then they guard tells Jimmy time's up on the phone. So then uh, he hangs up. Sammy tells Big Jim, he's like, you could have told him that you went blind in one eye for a bit last week or you have trouble walking in some days. And he's like, who wants to hear that? And they're like, Larry's van and house are being searched. One van is like full of bags and all this stuff like that. This other van is completely empty. And Lauren's talking to Miller. She's like, the first ERT guy said that to his expert nose, it smelled like three things, chemical cleanser, armor all, and denatured alcohol. And Brian says, uh, the one thing in the world that Larry keeps clean is his van. Jimmy's brought into this little room with a desk and file cabinets. Lauren walks in the other door and sits. And she says, she's like, Larry was a janitor and worked nights in the same three office buildings. Company said that no janitor ever cleaned half as good as, as Larry. Jimmy's like, that's why she never found his victim's DNA in his van. And she's like, bingo. So then what's on the other, or what's the other salient fact that um, made him such a competent killer? And Jimmy said he grew up digging graves. And she's like, you're starting to ace the quizzes now. Jimmy asks, well, what about his twin? She's like, Gary? He's like, you read about pheofatal transfusion syndrome? It happens in a womb when one twin imbibes more of the placenta blood than the other. Essentially, Gary drank crucial parts of Larry before they were born. So Gary got the looks and the brains and some athletic ability, and Larry got being Larry. Do they get along? And she says Gary is Larry's biggest offender. Brian uh, goes to talk to Gary. And he's, he's like, he's not well, but he's harmless. And Brian's like, Gary, I'm going to need you to take two steps back. 
because he's like right in his face. He's like, your brother confessed to two murders. And Gary's like, he's just so desperate for attention. He lies just to get a reaction. He claims that, you know, he's impressionable. And he's like, what, what did you tell him to put the idea in his head? So now it's like, did he do it or not? Lauren tells um, Jimmy to be a Gary to Larry, make him feel like you're his brother. It's like always looking out for him, never judging. And she's like, all right, you have a plane to catch. Audition's over. You got the role. And he's like kind of shocked because he's like leaving right now. He's taken to private airport. Cuffs are taken off. He's given street clothes to change into in a plane. They say that he's not going in as a transfer. So like he's being readmitted. Only the warden and the chief shrink know that he's anything other than a scumbag arms dealer who got sentences to do Springfield time. One guy asks him if he's scared and Jimmy smiles and then he's like, well, I'll get over it. And dude's like, don't. He's like, comfortable people get cocky. Cocky people mess up. So then it cuts to Brian on the phone in his hotel as he's getting ready to leave. Um, he says that he'll probably blab in the car so he's going to drive Larry over. He's like, it's a long drive, so who knows uh, how many he'll cop to. Then he turns on up the TV. Indiana City Police Chiefs at a press conference. They've apprehended a suspect in the abduction and murder of Jessica Roach through the diligence of the officers you see behind me. And Brian's like, fudge me. So he's like trying to take the credit for everything. On a plane, Jimmy's in the middle of a discussion with the other cops. They're like, no one likes Rob Roy more than Braveheart. No one. One dude's like, it's more historically accurate. And Jimmy's like, says who? Liam Neeson? Lauren calls him over and she, he's like, just a minute. She's like, now. She says that he wants to be out of prison like yesterday, right? It's like the carrot that they're dangling is making it worse. She's like, you feel like a clock is ticking? She's like, don't let the clock rule you. Don't approach Hall too early or he'll know that we sent you for him. It's like, aside from the warden, the doctor, it's like, I'm your only other safety line. So when I visit, you'll treat me like your girlfriend. It's like, slip me the tongue, grab my butt, whatever. And he's like, what? He's like, should we start practicing now? And then she's like, hey, cool guy, keep screwing around. This is just your flipping life. So she's like, if the poop hits a fan, get the Zickerman, I guess that's a doctor, or Warden Price. It's like, have them call me ASAP. She tells him not to get any time added to his sentence. If he does, it supersedes their deal. It'll be beyond their control, and he'll be stuck doing Springfield time. And he's like, well, what if I have to defend myself? She's like, well, don't maim anyone, and don't get caught. Gets, gets off the plane. She's like, okay, take care of yourself. She's like, I'll see you in a month or so. He's like, oh, I thought you were going with Miller um, gets Larry for the transfer. As, he, as they're walking out, he talks to the other two cops. He's like, do you need any more pictures with Larry? He's like, I can hold the, the camera. And he just keeps walking. They just like shake their heads at him. Brian uh, tries getting Larry to talk because it's just the two of them in like a regular car. He goes on about and on. And then Larry finally is like, he's like, I keep trying to tell you they were just dreams. He's like, I kept um, telling you, but you kept pushing. You forced a fake confession out of me. And Larry's like, is that how you see it? He's like, who put that idea in your head, Larry? Larry's like, why do people keep thinking that? He's like, I have ideas. Like, I'm smart. And he's like, Gary got me a lawyer. He's like, aha, so it was Gary. He's like, yeah, but no, but the, the lawyer said I, I wasn't to say another word to you. Brian's like, oh, is that right? Well, I don't know if that lawyer is looking out for you. He's like, in my opinion. Uh, then he says that He's like, they didn't twist his words. He told them about his dreams. They documented it, and he signed a confession, which was coerced. And they're like, no. And he starts to repeat himself. Uh, and then he he starts saying, we are coming, Father Abraham, 300,000 more. And he's like, just like saying this. And Brian's like, okay. He's like, Larry, stop. And he's, but he just won't stop singing. Jimmy's riding in a van. He asks one cop, 
because he, he sees a wedding ring. He's like, you have kids? And he's like, yeah, one, he's five. It's the other cop in the front. He's like, oh, I love five. He's like the perfect age. And the other driver he's like talking to, they're all sharing this information. And this just shows you because Jimmy started this. So he got them all talking. Then they asked Jimmy if he has kids. And he's like, no. First guy, he's like, do you have a wife? No. Girlfriend? He's like, nothing serious. They're like, oh, you're a lucky man. And well, so then they pull up to the prison. Jimmy's looking nervous. And he's like, look, man. He's like, I can't. I can't do this. Let's just go back. They're like, they tell him that he can't. And they're like, you got this. You can do this. And Jimmy's like, what if Beaumont changes his mind? He's like, then I'm stuck in there. Uh, they're like, the shift changes in five minutes. Like, we have to do this now or it'll set off a bunch of smoke alarms. And they're like, and that guy is about to walk. So it's like, you know, he's like, whatever you decide, Beaumont won't forget it. And he won't, oh, you know, he won't forget that you did this, whatever. So then they're like, final answer. So then Jimmy's like, fudge it, let's do this. So they have to put the cuffs back on him, treat him like a scumbag again. Beaumont asks Warren how Jimmy was, whatever. Uh, lawyer says Larry has a personality disorder that makes him susceptible to suggestions and pathologically eager to please. So he confessed to a crime he did not commit. When Larry's lawyer attempted to call an expert witness in the field of false confession, judge refused to permit the doctor's testimony. So among other things, he signed his name in block letters when he is perfectly capable of cursive, signing a statement over the name Larry Dwayne Daniels, given further credence to the state of mind that was su suggestible. Further, the interrogating officer and initial confession was described by fellow officers as intimidating to Mr. Hall, which is the other bitter cops probably saying that, and resistant to his initial answers. Miller gets up and leaves. And he's like, this is crap. The judge says that Mr. Hall's appeal is hereby granted. So there's like this, there's this big case, you know, a bunch of judges sitting up listening to the appeal. Beaumont tells Lauren, because uh, they he met in the, in the judge's chambers, that they have a month. The judge is putting a hearing for the second appeal on a docket. So Keene's not moot anymore. They need him to step way up. Lauren's like, I told him to move slowly. Because if he blows the approach to Hall, Beaumont says, Hall spooks, end of story. She says, but if he moves too slowly, Hall walks into the free world, buys himself a, a, another van and, and a box of zip ties. Larry's mopping in a cafeteria. An officer tells him that they need him in the boiler room after he finishes because something's busted in there. Jimmy's in the holding cell and an officer comes in and is like, oh, it looks like they forgot about you. So he brings him in for processing, empty your pockets, give him a bag for his clothes, strip, bend over, cough, spread them. And uh, they give him his like uniform that he puts on, pillow and sheets. Jimmy's brought to his cell. Officer tells him Chow's in 10, and Jimmy's like, which way? And they're like, just follow the crazy train. He's like, hang in there. It's like, first week's the toughest. So he puts him in a cell. It's a single cell. And people are just like, it's, it's loud in there, too. Larry's in the boiler room, and he, he they, the guys, the officer's like, well, you know, what's going on here? He's like, the boiler room's, you know, been neglected for years. It's like a person, whatever. And, you know, he's like, it's going to take time and all this like that. And then it's almost Chow time. So the officer's like, do you want me to bring you anything? He's like, oh, just a sandwich would be fine. So it's child time. Everyone's like shoving each other and all like that. The Jimmy goes in. He just sits and eats. He's kind of looking around. He's probably like, like where the heck is Larry? Miller's working at a table. So this is now. Um, daughter's sitting across from him with headphones doing her homework. And he gets a call. It's from Lauren. She's talking about looking over all the cases, especially Roach and Reitler. He says it's a waste of time. Uh, she's getting frustrated. Finally tells him that she has a guy in the inside working on Hall. And he says that you know, what she's doing isn't police work. It's desperation. So he's like, good night. He hangs up. Big Jim tries calling Jimmy, 
they they told him that they don't have a record of him. They won't tell him anything. He has to go to court to find out, you know, if he was transferred or whatever. Night at the prison, time for lights out, cell door shut, lots of noise, people like yelling and stuff like that. Jimmy's just kind of like restless. Larry finally finishes working on a boiler. Uh, so it's like, okay, something going to happen. Brian is looking over. He decides to look over the files again, even though he said he was, wasn't interested. Larry starts walking with the other officer besides him. And you feel like something's going to happen. Like someone's going to take him out and do something. He gets to his cell because, you know, they open a the door. He goes in, door closes, wakes Jimmy up because it's like night and he's sleeping. Then he goes to the door. He sees Larry in his cell. They, they're kind of like across from each other. They just kind of look at each other. And then Larry just goes in and stands against the wall. And that's the end. So I believe this is six episodes. We've got four more left. But now um, Larry or Jimmy doesn't know that his timetable has been shortened, that he needs to get this information like ASAP. So that's the, that's episode two season or episode three is out now. I'll talk about it next week. And now it is time for our main feature resident evil. So this is a Netflix series, eight episodes. And uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, it doesn't seem like it, it's doing so well. I think it was like at a 62% of rotten tomatoes. And then it was like a lot lower. It was the, the audience scores. So I, I liked it. The, the thing I, what I can kind of get is it feels like it spends more time fleshing out like some of the main characters. There's not so much of the time f- like fighting zombies. There, I mean, you, you do see them. You do see some of the, the different uh, creatures as well, different things. But what I, I think is a, is a good thing is it, it feels like it's kind of trying to make it a little more, not necessarily realistic because, you know, we're talking about zombies, but I, I feel like with the movies, the, the movies just got like cheesy and over the top, like real fast. And some people might love that, but I think that's also, it made it a little too comedic at times. You know, it, I mean, there's, there's only so much cheesiness you can get and I, and yeah, maybe there's cheesiness in the games as well, but I, I feel like with the show, they tried sort of going a, a little different path we're trying to humanize the characters a little more versus just focusing on fighting zombies all the time and you know if you think about it how many zombie fighting movies have we had or shows or whatever way too many so this you know could easily have have fallen into just being just another zombie whatever production if they didn't do things the way they did it and, you know, even if you say, well, no, it, it's it's something different. We got the Umbrella Corporation. It would still just feel like every other zombie thing. So I, I think it's good the way they approached it. There's some things that were a, a bit much. And for me personally, watching eight episodes within 24 hours, and I know it doesn't seem like that long, but to me, it, it, it feels like it, it takes longer to watch them because every once in a while I would stop to jot something down it's like okay i need to remember this and so forth so it actually takes me longer so it's not like it just took me eight hours to watch it uh so i i, I do I, I don't know how it would be if, if as a weekly show would it have been better maybe but i i do think that you know a lot of the episodes did kind of leave like on a little mini cliffhanger so it always seems weird when shows especially netflix shows that are are known to be binging shows that they're all going to be released at once it's almost like why bother doing the cliffhanger when 
you know, five seconds later, you know, someone's going to skip to skip the credits to the next episode. I don't know, but I, it, it was a fine show. You know, I, I did enjoy it. There, some of the characters, eh, I, I, you know, not super crazy, but I get what, why they're doing what, what they're doing. And it was just interesting to see the show mainly takes place over two time periods. It takes place in uh, 2036, which is 14 years after the end. And then there's stuff in 2022, which is like before everything hit the, the poop hit the fan or whatever. So I, and then the fact that this is taking place like in England, it's like, wait, we have raccoon city, but it's actually new raccoon city. So there, there is reference to raccoon city from before. It's like, wait, did raccoon city get nuked? No, it didn't. There's been no records of that, but so there, there is a reference, which you'll hear about it at some point. So, I am only going to talk about the first four episodes to just to give you a taste for it. And just so I'm not here talking about Resident Evil for two hours or however long it would take me to talk about eight episodes. And then I'm going to leave you hanging because then you can decide if you haven't watched it yet, if you've been a little hesitant because of what people are saying. And I, I, I just think sometimes people are quick to judge and as I watch more episodes, you know, I was getting more into the characters and, and stuff like that. You know, there, there's still some characters I just didn't care about at all, you know, throughout. But, you you know, as you see more stuff unfold and everything like that, I, I think it, it says something. So I wonder some of the people who were just like, just really don't like the show. Did they really watch all, all eight episodes? Because when I looked on IMDb, I think they were like at like four, like four point something out of ten. So like you don't like the show that much, but you're, you're committed to watch all of them. And there's one thing, like if you have some sort of blog or podcast or whatever, and you have to watch it. But I would think even if you're a hardcore video game fan or resident evil fan, if you're watching it, you don't like watching it. Are you going to keep going? And part of it, you might be like, well, maybe it's going to get better. I, that could be a possibility, but I just feel like it's just, some people are just so quick. We're like, Oh, I I don't like this. And then they're going to not necessarily, review bomb something but unfortunately that happens and it, it it's one thing if you don't like it but the, the purposely try to skew you know the system that is disrupting that's dis- destroying the system that's in place where there's no accuracy just because some people have like a vendetta or whatever against something i i, I don't understand that so um Let's just go through it. So episode one, welcome to Raccoon. Well, welcome to New Raccoon City. So it starts off. We have someone narrating. Her name is Jade. Her name is Jade Wesker. Which, if you played the games, you know who Albert Wesker is. That 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 is someone of you know that we need to know worry about. So Jade is is narrating. Scientists said the world would end in 2036. So we see everything's desolate, it's dirty, it's ravaged outside. She takes this rabbit out of a cage in this van. She's like, they were wrong. The world ended a long time ago. And we find out she's in London, 2036, 14 years after the end. So she's like in this big tent. She talks to her husband and daughter over video. It's a kid's birthday. She's been away for six months. So she's trying to, she's like trying to figure out and understand how does the zombies work and, and, you know, are they evolving? Can they change? Is, is there any way to stop them, cure them, etc.? 
So then we see her. She sets a camera outside. She takes a rabbit out of the cage. She pricks it so there's like little blood, you know, to make it bleed. And then she sets it down and she backs away by the camera. Slowly, zombies start coming up from like a subway because they, they like smell the blood. They can't see because their eyesight is gone or whatever. They all go after the rabbit who runs. But then they, they kind of don't really follow it. So it's almost like they don't really know to follow it. Or maybe they just lost the scent. So we find out it's day 167 of observation. No signs of leadership or brain, um, any sort of brain function or something like that. And uh, we also see that she like sprayed herself with something. So I guess it's maybe to, to block her scent so they don't go after her. But when she gets up, she's like in this little alcove thing. You know, she gets up, she bangs her arm because her arm is bare. You know, her sleeves are rolled up, which is a mistake. She bangs her arm on, on something sharp and some blood comes out. So she's bleeding. And then the zombies, they pretty much, they're like right in front of her because, you know, as, as she's sitting there. So they start charging her. She runs, she has to leave her stuff there. They can move pretty quickly. So it's not like the early games. And there's a part where she's approaching this plaza and there's like s- some s- stairs they can go upstairs, not like the early games where they would just stop and they, they couldn't do anything. Where you go up on a crate, you're safe. So there's there's a lot of stumbling and everything like that, you know, because they're obviously not totally coordinated. One tackles her and she manages to kind of like kick it off or whatever. She makes it to this other side of this barrier. She like hits the switch and then there's like a ring of flames. You know, there's things set up. So she's uh, she's surrounded by a ring of fire. And then the zombies light up and everything. One almost comes through, like keeps walking. It's like totally in flames, still going, plops down, like collapses next to her. And then this like red powder stuff sprays like everything, like puts out all the fire and everything like that. So she has to get up coughing and stuff like that. She's ticked off now because basically it's like she wasted six months. You know, she's trying to to study these zombies. They don't call them zombies. That's the other thing. They call them zeros. But she's been studying these these zeros for six months, but now they've all been incinerated because of she screwed up. But then the ground starts rumbling and like that. It's like something's busting through the cement. It's like a giant caterpillar or something like this huge, humongous mutated thing. Then it cuts to New Raccoon City 2022, three months before the end. So we see Jade. She's in the back of a car with this girl named Billy. And, you know, it, it turns out it's her sister. They look nothing alike. Uh, Jade is black and and uh, Billy is uh, Asian, I think. I'm horrible with ethnicities. So we find out that it's her sister. Albert is driving them through this bizarre looking neighborhood. Like all the houses are completely white. Jade doesn't want to be there. This lady, Carol, greets them. This is their new home on behalf of Umbrella Corporation. So obviously Albert works for Umbrella. So they're being set up there. And at one point, like Billy picks up like this caterpillar bug thing outside, which is going back with the 2036 as we, we keep flipping back and forth. So Jade tries running. Uh, the the big creature grabs her foot. It like picks her up, like slams her down. She hit lands on top of like a car, like the hood windshield. She's kind of like just knocked knocked out. But then these three dudes with like assault rifles come up, start shooting, and then uh, one guy goes to check on her like that, see if there's any like you know, maybe internal bleeding. You know they're not sure. But they see this like tattoo like of numbers and letters on on her arm. They're like, oh, she's a survivor. So there, there's something special about her. Cuts back to 2022. Jade's blasting music in a room, like out of protest. Albert takes like some blood samples from Billy. Then his phone rings again. 
And, you know, he's talking to Billy. He's like, oh, I don't have to pick it up. She's like, they'll just stress if you don't. So then Billy and Jade talk. And Jade mentions that, you know, how they've never been sick, but they still have to give blood samples every two weeks. Uh, new school is starting tomorrow. Billy's a little concerned because you know, there's some stuff that happened at the old school. Like she had this, there's this incident or whatever. But Jade's like, oh, don't worry about it. Albert's working. Uh, he has several blood samples of the girls. And then he injects himself with one, I think it was Jade's, like in his neck. It's like, why are you injecting your kid's blood into you? That's like, that's weird. At school, lunch, cafeteria, you know, Jade sits down. She's already made some friends because she, there's some kids like uh, playing basketball like down the street from her. So she already like went and talked to like some of the kids. And But Billy didn't want to like hang out with them. So she, Billy sits alone. And then this other girl who walks by and other people are like putting backpacks on seats because they didn't want her to sit there. She comes and sits on the table like where Billy's at. And, uh, you know, Jade sees her. She calls her over, but Billy just ignores her because she's with her friends. So the other girl's like, who's that? And she's like, oh, it's my sister. She's like, my twin sister. And this girl's like, you don't look alike. And Billy's like, well, we have the same dad, but our moms, they, they were different egg donors. And uh, the surrogate delivered them at the same time. And the, the girl's like, so you're like a freak? Which is like pretty rude. And Billy's like, no. And then she's like, what's what's that on your shirt? And it says something about like vegan. And the girl's like, that's stupid. And Billy's like, I just, I don't eat animals. And then she's like, I went hunting with my dad last year, shot Bambi in the brains. It was awesome. So Billy's like upset. You know, she, she goes to leave. And then the girl's like, when the end of the world comes, will you eat the vegans first? And then Billy's like, eat this. And she sticks her middle finger like right in her face. So the girl kind of shoves her in a tray. And then Billy, you know, she stands up at this. So the, the girl tackles Billy, sit her on the ground. Jade gets up. But, of course, the kids all crowd around so they can, like, watch and cheer and film. Jade can't get through. The teacher finally comes in and pulls this other girl off. But it was weird because she didn't really hit Billy or anything like that. She was, like, grabbing her wrists. And they're, like, struggling over this because, you know, Billy's trying to push her off or anything like that. It was just weird or whatever. Yeah. So then there's uh, we see this commercial for Umbrella. Albert comments about the ad with he's talking to a couple of people like on a on his tablet, like a video conference. Billy and Jade come in. Billy like rushes upstairs and Jade, you know, he's still on a call. And Jade's like, she's she's mad at her at her dad. She's like, How come you where were you? You didn't answer your phone. He's like, I was on a call. And then she like knocks the tablet away. She's like, fudge you, and runs upstairs. Uh, then which is kind of stupid, it's first day of school. Which I guess it, it maybe makes sense, but they both start getting like all these texts. So somehow they're already connected with students after school, even though it's their first day. So I don't know if, if it's just everyone on a network. It's just like open type of thing. So there's there's a video. People are you know they videoed the fight and they're like oh like new girl got owned. It's like did she really? It's like she got knocked down and like that's how's that owning her? There was not a single hit that was placed. So Bill or Jade's like outside the door. Billy finally lets her in and Jade tries pumping her up. Uh, you know, she's like, you should go after the girl. And she's like, they're laughing at you, but you need to shut, shut them up and stuff like that. She's like, all I got to do is just hit her once. And, but there was like some incident, you know, as I mentioned, and, and she just doesn't want to do that again. Cuts to 2036. Jade wakes up in a, a med room. She turns on the, like the news things, uh, whatever. 
And she tries seeing where she's at in map. And this dude says, like, oh, you're in a Brighton Freehold. And he says his name is Tate. She's like, well, I have to get back to my camp. And I need to get my gear. He's like, oh, we can take care of that tomorrow. She's like, now. So they're walking outside the camp. There's it's like they're scavengers. There's like a bunch of metal work and stuff like that. They, they take what they can get and trade and, and everything like that. And then uh, the, how'd they get there? They got there in a helicopter. And she's like, well, can't we just drive back to where we were? And he's like, no. So they're like up on a wall or whatever. You know, it's nighttime. He shoots a flare out and you see like all these zombie zeros that are out there because that's the caption calls them zeros or whatever so they're all just like crowding out outside 2022 jay tells billy she's like one punch like right in the boob whatever so billy goes up to the girl she's like eating you know some bit like i don't know what it was like some sandwich or burrito or something like that bill instead of hitting her or anything like that she apologizes to her and she extends her hand she's like can we be cool and she's like the girl looks at her she takes what she's eating and she shoves it in billy's face and at least like some remnants on her face and some kids see it. They're like, oh, then Billy just like walks away because she's just like so upset. And then Jade gets in her face, says something, but then goes after Billy. And you can see Billy's like seething, but she's doesn't want to do anything. Then we see uh, this dude um, shows Wesker some footage from Tijuana. There's like some shooting. There's like a, some sort of reaction to one of their drugs where it caused some guy to kind of lose control. The mean girl goes to the bathroom. And then someone in the school mascot head opens her stall and then just pounce. And that's it, it, it cuts after that. So then we see Billy's in class. She gets called out by some lady. They walk by the girl. She's by her locker. She's holding an ice pack to her head. And she has like a bloody nose. And she's being treated by like some lady or nurse or something like that. And she just kind of glares at Billy. So this teacher, principal, whatever, headmistress asks Billy to open her locker. And she's like, okay. She opens it up. The the mask is in there. It's like, how would she even get that? Yeah, whatever. Then it cuts to she's in, in the, the office. And the girl's dad's in there too. He's like, she's a psycho. She's like, she jumped my kid. And Billy's like, no, I didn't. And he's like, we're pressing charges. And then Albert Wesker comes in. So he apologized for being late. And then the dad, he like sits down. He kind of curses. He's like, Wesker's like, shoot. Like, you know, this guy. So he knows who he who he is, and um, then he's like, "Oh, he's like, oh, but I heard, you know, Mister Isaac." So he's like, "Thin walls." Whatever. So the lady says that she knows Billy has a history, but they're all part of the Umbrella family. And he just looks at Isaac and says, "Like you threatened my daughter." And Isaac's he's like, "No, I, I." Albert asks, "What's your name?" He's like, "Dave." He's like, "And what do you do for Umbrella?" Because they all work for Umbrella in this this town. Apparently, Dave's like, uh, I'm a server admin. Wesker's like, and um, how many people can do your job, Dave? A thousand? Ten thousand? Dave's kind of scoffs. He's like, I guess. Albert's like, well, I work for Umbrella, too. And you know how many people could do my job? Dave kind of scoffs. He's like, and Wesker's like, one, me. And Dave's like, okay, cool. Wesker's like, it's not. It means I work too much. It means I'm not much of a father. I try, but I'm not. And it means that Umbrella needs me. So what happens if I call the people that own this town? The people that pay you and me and her, motioning to the headmistress. What happens if I call them and say that I'm going to quit unless they fire you? Uh, He's like, you know, whatever. But he he says he doesn't want him fired. He's He's like, I don't want you fired. I want you blacklisted. 
I want it so that no tech company ever hires you. Not Apple, not Google. I want Pornhub to shred your resume. Now, if I say that, what do you think I'm going to do, Dave? And he keeps like saying the same. He's just like kind of stammering, whatever. Then he's like, I, I didn't mean to. He's like, I'm not going to call the cops, okay? He's like, just, just never mind the whole thing. It never happened. And the girl's like, what? And the lady's like, Mr. Wesker, this girl was attacked. Wesker looks at Billy. He's like, by you? And she's like, no. He's like, I believe her. And the, the girl's like, then who did it? Uh, so he says to her, he's like, oh, I don't care. And then she's like, dad, this is stupid. And he's like, Tammy, just shut up. Wesker's like, but you attacked my daughter twice. So I think you owe her an apology. And Tammy's dad's like, just, just do it. Then she's like, I'm sorry. And Albert's like, no, again, better. Then she's like, I'm really sorry. And I'll never do anything to you again, ever. And Billy's like, thanks. Wesker says, he's like, I think Billy should take tomorrow off and call it a mental health day. The lady nervously, she's like, of, of course. Then like outside, Jane comes running up and she's like, what happened? And Billy like kind of pushes past her. She's like, you know what you did. So I like that scene because Albert just, he gets in there. He's just like, he lays it out. And, and it was true because Billy didn't do anything. It's, yeah. And the, the fact that like she attacked my daughter's like you attacked her twice in the cafeteria. There's all these texts and everything like that. And then you shoved food in her face. 2036, Jade asks how many zeros are out there. Does this guy Tate? He's like, oh, it changes. You know, we had over a thousand once. Jade says that they can smell you, that they're not dead. The T virus rewires the brain. The brain. Uh, cross species makes the animals grow larger. So she was just doing her job. You know, she studies the zeros and knows how to change. So she hopes that they'll get smarter and more human. Because and he mentions that she's a survivor. He's like, well, when it hit Glasgow, you know, my my dad put me and my sister in a boat. He's like, but you're right in the thick of it. And then she like doesn't really want to say anything. Then um, this guy comes up. He's like, oh, they're thirty minutes out. So umbrella's coming. Tate says that they have a bounty on survivors, and it turns out. She's their number one most wanted. So they're selling out Jade. Then we see in 2022, so Billy rides a scooter umbrella because uh, Wesker said that they should have lunch, whatever. So she goes to the front. There's like, it's, it's, there's no one at the front door. It's like facial recognition voice thing. She's granted entrance, like, I think it's like an hour or whatever, something like that. And she just like walks by several labs. You know, you see all these glass people doing different things. Then she's sitting and waiting. Um, Cause someone's like, your dad will be right out in just a minute. So this dude walks by with like this cart and there's like some rabbits in these like kind of cages. And she kind of like looks at him. Then it go, goes in an elevator, goes down to level B4. Wesker comes up. Then later, uh, Billy's looking up lab testing. Jade comes in and apologizes. And Billy's like, did you know Umbrella is, is doing animal testing? And she's like, no. And Billy's like, yeah, nobody else does either. Cause she's like, there's like no mention of it anywhere. So she wants to go and she wants to break, basically break in and take pictures and put them online because she's like, you know, people should know. She's like, there's no guards at, and the front is voice activated so they can take dad's phone. And then Billy tells Jade, you know, they, they also, they put these like lights like on, on their, their head so it can um block their face. And so they, they basically get in for, for, the, for this. And then, uh, Billy mentioned that like dad was scary in, in a meeting or whatever like that. So did they get, um, I think it was like a one hour after hour pass. So it's, it's registering that Albert came in. So then they head down to level B4. 2036, Jade tells Tate, so like you deal with umbrella, you lose. And then two choppers are approaching armed and armored soldiers exit. 
They gather around. This dude in the suit comes out, Mr. Baxter. He's he's a, a little overweight, whatever, and um, he comes up. He just shoots Tate in the head. And then he orders the others to be shot. Jade's running and everyone's just like scrambling around. So it's like she was right. Um, You shouldn't (laughs) deal with with an umbrella because they're just going to kill you. In 2022, there's like several rabbits. There's like monkeys. Billy's like, she takes like a video and some pictures, but there's no signal down there. So she can't upload anything. Jade goes to a computer and and logs in in her dad's account because uh, she mentioned before how he uses the same password for everything. She sees a Tijuana file, um, and you know she's on the other side of the room. Billy hears this animal kind of like whimpering, this other like cage crate thing. She opens it, and like the other animals are, you can see they're kind of getting stressed out, whatever. So she goes to take a picture of it, and guess what it is? It's an infected Doberman. It starts chasing them, and they make it to the elevator, and, and the so it's like. Basically, opening this crate set off an alarm because there's like alarm going off in the whole building now. Somehow, I don't know if that how the elevator got it or the dog got into the elevator behind them because then it's like punching through the door, or whatever. Like the, uh, maybe it's like in the other elevator, it busts through. So they they hide and then they they manage to lock in this conference room and but they're locked in the building. They, the front door won't open. It busts out the conference room. And it goes attack. It grabs Billy and it starts biting her in the shoulder or like the neck or whatever. And Jay grabs a fire metal fire extinguisher. They're always metal, right? From the wall. And she just like starts hitting with it. And Billy's just like lying there. So it's like, holy crap, is Billy dead? 2036, soldiers are still shooting. They're like torching the place. The suit guy, Baxter, um, he finds Jade. He's like, hey, Jade, your sister's been looking for you. So I guess her sister's not dead. Because this is 2036. She decides she to run and like jump off the wall into the crowd of zeros outside. And that's the end of the first episode. That was like way too long to talk about. Whatever. That's why I'm only doing four. Episode two, The Devil You Know. So and it's like a two to three story jump. She lands like on this metal container, whatever. She kind of stumbles and rolls. The zeros start like sniffing her out. Uh, Baxter, he's like, keep her alive. So sh- soldiers start shooting the zeros around her or whatever. And then she hides behind this like barricade uh, closer to the, like the building. And Baxter's like, you know, calling down to her. He's like, if we stop shooting, you're dead. He's like, just come with us. He's like, sometimes it's better to deal with the devil you know. Just name in the episode. And then this uh, van kind of busts through nearby. She decides to run for it. And she like shoves her way and she climbs on top of this. So it's like, who the heck is driving this thing? 2022, Billy is obviously still alive. So it's like, was she in shock? She makes a joke or something, but, you know, she's still in pain. And then uh, Jade looks at the bite. It's pretty bad. So it's like, you know, we need to get you to hospital. Wesker comes in and then he's like, did the dog bite you? And uh, he's like, oh, she's in shock. He's like, just take her home, put pressure on it. And she's, Jade's like, what are you talking about? She's like, she needs to go to hospital. He's like, no, just take her home. He's like, before Umbrella sees you. And so and then he goes and he like sticks something in a computer to like wipe the security footage or whatever like that. And then, um, uh, the dog is, you know, dead on the floor from Jade smashing it. So he like puts his hands in the blood and kind of wipes it like on his head and his face. 2036, the SUV things continue to drive with Jade on top. It, it stops by this tunnel and he tells her, he's like, get off. He's like, you have a target on her. And, but it's like, wait, why, why does he stop here? Why did he stop and let her get on whatever? Then she's like, we can help each other and stuff like that. So I think he was from this community and he decided he felt bad and decided to help her. Or maybe he was just trying to get out because everyone's getting shot. So um, then some zeros kind of drop down from the top of the tunnel and they get the guy. 
there's nothing to do he's he's gone she um pounds because you know he got out of the suv she's like pounds on like the 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 sunroof and she goes inside and drives through the tunnel 2022 armed security arrives evelyn marcus comes in she you know and someone she's like i run this place you know she's mad because like some guards wouldn't won't let her into like the lab or something like that so she's uh she's like the fierce lady that you don't want to mess with wesker tells her that they were hacked um she's She's like, yeah, it wiped every hard drive on campus. He's like, I thought you were in Tokyo. And she's like, no, I was already on my way here um, because he's been arguing with like some, this, the whatever thing that they want to launch. And he's like, it's not ready. So he says that there's side effects. And she's like, yeah, they're minor. And he's like, did you see that monster in the lobby? And she's like, then fix it. So then this lady comes up. This is Evelyn's wife. Her name's Diana. She was worried about her because she had heard the alarms. Evelyn wasn't answering. They bicker a little bit, whatever. And Albert's like, oh, I should probably go. Then Evelyn's like, Al, say hi to the girls for me. So it's like, does she know that they were there? He gets home and he says that the bites are deep, but there's not much bleeding. So he says that the dog has like a rare genetic disease and he was trying to help it. So he's like, no, you know, there's not animal testing there. So he's clearly lying. He says that he's trying to help them. Then Jade's like, why aren't we taking her to hospital? And he's like, no one can know that they were there because they had to get arrested for trespassing and breaking and entering. He's like, some of the things that are, are happening at Umbrella are classified, that they're like government projects. He's like, we'd never see each other again. He's like, right now, he's like, I can fix this. So they're like, okay, fine. 2036, Dover, England. Jade still driving. We see these people like in camps. There's like security stations. There's markets. Then it turns out there's like, you can all see there's like an umbrella presence there. She makes her way to this like this apartment. She knocks on the door. This lady, Melinda, answers. She's like, I'm looking for Barry. And she's like, you know, we met six months ago or something like that. And the lady doesn't want to let her in, but, you know, she does. And she has a lot of cats. And Jade says that, or Melinda's like, Barry's not here. And so Jade mentions, she's like, last time I was here, there's no umbrella presence. She's like, now they're everywhere. And she's like, yeah, it's so good now because we're safe and everything like that. Jade asks if she can use the lady's sat link. And she's like, uh, she's like, just one call and I'm out of here. So she calls her husband, says, you know, it was scavengers. They tried to sell her umbrella. Then she tells Melinda after she gets out that she needs to see Barry. There's like this thumping in like the other room. And the lady's like kind of all kind of nervous and stuff like that. She's just like in the bathroom. And she's like, oh, no, don't go in there or anything like that. She opens the door. There's a zero handcuffed to a pipe, just like knocking his, his head back on the wall. And he snarls when he sees Jade. Melinda says that when Barry came back from his last trip, he wasn't feeling well. And she's like, he did that to himself. So he handcuffed himself. Jade, she needs to like cross the whatever, to, uh, this ferry to get out of England, I guess. I think she wants to go to France. And uh, so what she needs is in Barry's wallet or something like that. I don't know if it's like a, a credit card or some sort of cash something. So it's it's supposed to be in his wallet. So she has to go in there and she's kind of, you know, puts on like a bike helmet and stuff, stuff like that. But then uh, he's like, the, the zero is like trying to, he ends up like kind of snapping. He snaps his wrist off. He like busts out and he attacks Melinda. He's like on top of her or something like that. He's about to, you know, she's trying to, push him off and then jade kills him like stabs him in, in the head with like a metal pipe and you can see melinda's like upset she's like you killed him it's like uh he was about to kill you 2022 wesker checks billy's wounds jade looks up umbrella's lab in tijuana there's a site but it's blocked because uh, umbrella they basically run the internet too so they, they have a firewall 
he looks at, at Billy's um, blood at work and then he injects a rat with her blood and then his wrist starts twitching and he's start, starting to have some sort of episode or whatever. So then he goes, he grabs a vial of blood or whatever. So it's, I, I don't know if it's Jay's blood again or so, someone's blood. And he like just struggles and he injects himself. At school, Jade finds out that um, Umbrella has like a firewall on the internet. There's this kid, Simon, that supposedly he can hack past it because they're watching like some new anime that came out or something like that that you can't watch online or something. So she, he, she convinces him to help her. He gets in. On, on a website, there's just like a bunch of texts and there's mention of this guy turning psycho and some about cannibalism, whatever. So then she leaves her email, whatever. She's like, I think this is happening. And he's like, oh, are you sure you want to do that? Whatever. 2036, Baxter visits uh, that apartment, Melinda, that lady. And because he's like, oh, yeah, one of our drones spotted a person of interest around here. 2020, 2022, Wesker has to talk to Evelyn. She wants him to push through the project, whatever. She notes like the injection mark on his neck. She's like, oh, you used to do that once a week. She's like, now what are you doing? Once a day? He's, she says that, you know, he's only there because she wants him there. So she's like trying to like throw some, some power against him because she wants this thing to get this drug to, to get pushed to market. Billy's like looking at her wound in the bathroom and she throws up and then, uh, you know, so she's still home. She decides to take her little dog out for a walk and it starts barking at her when she approaches the anonymous dude contacts Jade and he, um, so they're like talking like a FaceTime or whatever. And she like doesn't want to, she's like, I don't even know who I'm talking to. So he finally shows his face. He says his name is, is Angel Rubio. He was investigative reporter. The guy at Umbrella killed nine people. He talked to the dude's wife and she said that he, that he was bitten by an animal in a lab. And within 72 hours, he became erratic and violent. Umbrella um, got Angel fired when he tried to publish a story. Then, um, this teacher, because, you know, uh, Jade's like in this like kind of hall, like under this walkway thing. She's like, Jade Wesker, get to class. And he's like, Wesker? But she like closes the laptop. Billy is like walking her dog like through a park and then the dog gets loose, like off the leash. So it starts running. She's going after it. This jogger dude grabs it. Um, the dog's name is Pablo. And uh, so she tries getting her dog and it's like, like biting and snarling at her. He's like, is this your dog? She's like, yeah. And he's like, then he's like, I'm going to have to need see some proof. She's like, what, like a DNA sample? He's like, no, like maybe like pictures on your phone. And she's like, I don't have my phone on me. He's like, well, then I'm going to have to take to this shelter and, you know, they they can settle this. And she's like, no. And she like punches him in the nose. And, and then she's kind of shocked that she did that. And she's like, I'm sorry. And she grabs Pablo who like nips a little bit, but then he stops and she just like leaves. 2036. Jade waits to get on this ferry. You know, there's a whole thing, whatever. I'm not going to get into like how how she managed to get this. She pulled some little thing. Then this dude running the ferry is like, okay, line up and stuff like that. He ends up getting shot. Umbrellas is there. There's trucks with like soldiers, drones that are shooting with you know, like machine guns, and Baxter's there, of course. 2022, Billy spits out some blood in the sink, and then uh, at Wesker's lab, the lab, the rat and the the, the cage is like kind of changing so it's like doosh, doosh, like banging against the, the glass cage episode 103 the light there's a news report on umbrella evelyn talks she's the ceo her father founded a company and then he was pushed out so then there's mention of the tragedy at raccoon city and she says that what they're working on now is going to change the world 
So a little backstory there. 2036, Jade's running. Baxter asks a soldier, he's like, those are rubber bullets, right? And the soldier just shrugs. So it's like, they're just killing people. They don't care. As Jade's kind of um, hiding, there's this kid like crying for help. So of course, she goes to help him, whatever. She ends up going to this place there and she finds like the kids, like there's like some other people there that are we're going to take the ferry. So the kid is reunited with his parents. 2022, and she did that because she's a parent. So it's showing that she does care about people. 2022, Jade runs home to talk to Billy. She's in the bathroom. She's still spitting out blood. Dad comes home and Jade's like, oh, Billy's fine. She's catching up on homework. Then Wesker's like, okay. He's like, well, I'll be right back. And she, you know, she, she keeps saying she's fine. Like she's, uh, Billy's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's almost like she's trying to convince herself. Wesker goes to the lab, finds out that the rat busted out of the cage, you know, smashed through. He eventually caught it with like some big like kind of barbecue fork tongue thing and uh he looks at the blood and it's like there's like stuff going bonkers like cells attacking other cells or something like that at home billy rushes out of the bathroom goes into her bedroom like closes the door so not letting jade in or like really see her wesker mila takes a, a drop of billy's blood um then jade gets an email about the human testing whatever it's some classified incident so all this stuff's like happening at the same time Cuts to 2036. Jade is going to help the family get over. Um, the reason they couldn't go out through other means, they have like some, a bunch of like 40 year old contraband, like whiskey or whatever. So they're like, that'll you know set us up, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they're going to have to find a different way to cross because obviously the ferry has been, you know, shot down by umbrella or the, it's not going to happen. The trip's been canceled. 2022, Jade comes down, says that, uh, or no, Billy comes down and says that she's going to go to school. This is like the next day. Wesker's concerned. She's all smiley. She said her, you know, her wound is better somehow, whatever. Um, at school, Simon rides up on a skateboard and the noise like just grinds into her head. She's like pounding her head. So it's like, okay, something's happening. There's a board meeting. Um, Wesker's like talking. He shows them the rat. He's like, this is what happens when you overdose on joy. So it's like their happy drug. It's supposed to like whatever, you know. Um, the T virus makes monsters. Um, so Joy, this drug Joy, could be a billion dollar drug, but they have to delay the launch so they can stabilize it. And Evelyn, she says that you know she doesn't see this as a problem. It gives more time to make it better. Then she shows this video of a dog, and I don't know if it's the same dog. It's like snarling at this cat in a little like cage carrier thing. And then this like kind of red flashing light, whatever, goes on the screen, and the dog just kind of stands there, like whimpers a little bit. The cat is released and the dog like won't move where before it like it looked like it just wanted to tear it apart so she's saying how it could control minds she's like that's not a billion dollar drug it's a trillion dollar one so she's got some sort of mind control idea aspect that doesn't seem good at school billy is kind of in a daze she's then she starts seeing red she hallucinates the dog like you know like on this table in the cafeteria and she kind of jumps back and the people sitting there like like what's your problem 2036 Baxter goes to the dude handling the crossing at this other place and then um he see because Jade like traded her SUV to get them passage whatever so he's like oh nice ride or something like that so he knows that Jade must have gone that way the the, the van train thing carrying them like reaches the final leg of the tour there's this growling outside so they all have to be quiet and Jade's like they're liquors so we have liquors from the game and they they hunt by sound and then these sirens start going off in the distance because Umbrella and Baxter are coming, of course. But then they get caught off guard. 
and one soldier gets like a tongues like straight through his helmet one smashes through the, the van windshield where like jade and the others are so they have to exit they start people are running and stuff like that people are getting like picked off from like between and underneath the, the vans or the, whatever else like that the family and jade they they get shown like this tunnel passage from this one guy so some other people make it out 2022 wesker's in a lab um the board decided to to go with Evelyn and she reaches into the rat cage and she's like, no more surprises. And she takes a, and Wester's like, Hey, whoa, whoa. Cause you know, she should be handling it, but she takes a pair of scissors to the rat snap and she kills the rat at school. Jay tries texting Billy, but she's in a daze. And then she's like, rushes out and goes to the bathroom. 2036 in the tunnels, uh, the little kid, he's like, starts bending over in pain. Turns out, he was bitten and Jay's like, when, how long ago, whatever. And then the dad's fine, like three days ago. So they, they thought that, you know, it'd be fine. Or there's someone on the other side that could cure him. They said, there's a cure. And she's like, there is no cure or whatever. Then to make things worse, there's this like giant spider ahead. So they all start running or whatever. And they, they get, they go into this room. It's like a dead end. So the dad decides to go back so they can escape. He, he hits it. He gets impaled. And then, uh, the others are running. The spider starts coming after them. Jade manages to slam this like big metal door on it and kills it. It's like they could have done that in the first place and saved the dead. 2022, Jade tries getting more files from Simon from this, like this, the site that's blocked. Then they're arguing and stuff like that. Billy sees them. They're like in this, the, again, under the walkway kind of tunnel thing. So Billy sees them, like kind of shoves Simon and Jay tries stopping her. And then Billy like lashes out of her, like knocks her down and she feels bad and she runs. So Jade goes after Evelyn, um, sees her and calls her name, but you know, she doesn't know who she is. It turns out Evelyn is Simon's mom. Dun, dun, dun. Um, at home, Billy's like standing by the sink. There's like a broken, bloody glass on the counter, and you know Jade comes in and she turns around slowly. She's like, "I think, I think something's wrong with me." And she's like, "The whole time, I thought maybe if I just ignore it, it'll, I'll go away and everything would be normal." And she's like, "I hurt you." She's talking to Jade. She's like, "I hurt people. I'm hearing things. I'm seeing things." And she's like, "The light feels like drills in my brain. It sounds." It just hurt my bones. She's like, I can feel all of that. She's like, but I can't feel this. And she holds up her hand and there's like huge like gashes in it. And it's like, you know, a lot of blood. So Jade mentions that the, the dog might've been sick and again, cause she found some stuff online for like the, the files, whatever that she's getting 2036. She doesn't tell um, Billy that where she's getting this information from 2036. Jade leaves the mom and kid. Cause you know, the mom doesn't want to leave her kid whatever. She walks up these long stairs to the surface. And of course, Baxter's there. Took you long enough. He has like soldiers with him. And then uh, Baxter gets like shot in like the shoulder, like upper chest. And then people come out shooting. And then they grab Jade and she's it's like, no, no, And they knock her out with a rifle butt. That's the end of the third episode. Fourth episode, the turn. That doesn't sound good. Who's going to turn? What's going to happen? Tijuana, Mexico. We see the reporter guy on hell. He's talking to that lady. He's like records, you know, video of her interview, whatever. Just talking about her husband who turned. Uh, someone left the cage open and a rat bit him. They say he killed people. Uh, she gives him this drive, like some some information, and she's like, "Umbrella lies." So it's a file about uh, Raccoon City and like the bombing, because as you know, 
they when Raccoon City became infested with zombies, Umbrella decided to to nuke the city, basically to destroy all evidence. 2036 in Calais, France, uh, Jade and Baxter have both been taken. They're like in the back of his truck. Baxter tells Jade, you know, he's like, oh, don't worry. He's like, I got a chip in my arm. It's like Umbrella is on her way. 2022, there's some testing. Antiviral failed. Wesker is like mad, knocks stuff off the counter, yells at everyone in the room, the lab to get out. Then we see Jade gets a text invite to a party. Billy's, she's like, maybe we should tell dad. But but then she decides that she wants to go to the party, which, you know, that's not going to be a good thing, right? In 2036, Jade and Baxter are brought inside this building. It's like this prison. There's uh, zeros locked up. There might be some humans locked up there, too, like other prisoners or whatever. I don't know. They're brought to this guy who's too cool for school. He's wearing like sunglasses. He's sitting in his pillow. And he's like smoking. Jade, she's like, I'm not with him or Umbrella or whatever. And, you know, because they don't like Umbrella there. She's trying to stop the virus or understand it. And the dude's like, it's the will of God or whatever. He's, you know, he thinks that God is doing this. Then later in a cell, Baxter, you know, he's talking to, to Jade. He admits that he has kids. And he's like, you know, Umbrella takes care of him so he can take care of them. Shows her a picture. It's two little dog. And she gets mad. And then he mentions that her sister is a psycho. And she's like, no, my sister is dead. She died when I was 14. So it's like, what does that mean? 2022, at, at the party, Jay talks to Simon. There, there's like some skateboarding stuff or whatever going on. Uh, Angel is in the neighborhood. So he gets there. He, at first I wasn't sure what he does, but I guess he goes on a network. And I don't know if it was like on Instagram or wherever, where he can see like all a bunch of people there and he starts following all the people in the area. Security uh, camera picks him up and Evelyn's informed that, you know, there's someone there. Albert comes home and he panics when he sees that Billy's not home because he knows that there's something up with her blood. She shouldn't be out there. 2036, there's this one zombie. They call it the Mother Zero zombie because she screams. Um, as she's fed like this chopped up umbrella soldier or something like that and jade thinks that she's somehow controlling them that maybe there's some higher brain function so she thinks the virus is evolving and then they start making their way to escape as they they get out of their cells things start going into chaos and everything like that uh one dude gets knocked out over and there's a wilhelm scream it's like really it's like this isn't the the time and place to do that it's like it's kind of takes away from the vibe being set up in, in the show so uh, the others are free, you know, umbrellas. There's this firefight. They find like their ammunition storage thing or whatever. And it turns out Baxter is like a fighting machine. He's like doing all this stuff. He's got moves taking, you know, zombies out and other people out and everything like that. Then at the end, he's like, do you see that Jade? But she like ran off. 2022, Jade, uh, she finally finds Billy because she she was like talking. There's like this uh, Billy or Simon went on this ramp thing, which is like weird. It's like almost like a half pipe, but it's like as long he goes down on a skateboard, goes down this like runway thing, and then it goes up at the other end, and then you jump off into like a, like a foam pit type of thing. It's like, okay. So she wanted to do that, and even though she's, she's never really ridden, when she goes, after she does it, people cheer her and stuff like that, and Jade didn't see her because she's off talking to Simon. So she's she's gonna get get mad about that. So Jade finally finds her, 
And um, Billy goes on about how she's dying, but she's like, oh, but you'll be fine. She's like, you might miss me for a little bit, but you'll move on. She's like, you don't need me and everything, all this stuff like that. It's like kind of annoying. Um, Angel shows up because he sees like on whatever their Instagrams that you know, people are posting about the party and everything like that. He says he's looking for Jade Wesker and his kid's like, narc! And then everyone starts running. So then he eventually finds them because they're like hiding. He says he needs to talk to the victim and to Albert Wesker. So, because uh, he's like, he was there, but he's supposed to be dead. He died in 2009. And then Jade's like, you're crazy. And he said he's done his research on him and on them. He's like, there are no records of them. There's no social security or anything like that. So on, on the two girls, she's so like, you know, lives are at stake. Then he sees uh, Billy's bike because her shirt kind of like moves away. And then he kind of like backs away. So they run. And then security comes also, and they, they grab on hell. 2036, Jade finds uh, the leader dude as everyone's running away. And she's like, what was that thing controlling the others? He said that they found her in the woods, that she's their queen. So she goes back. She manages to separate the queen from the others by, like, shutting, like, you know, she's, like, by a control thing. So she sets, shuts the cell door, and she takes a chainsaw to the queen um, she starts chopping at it, but the queen still manages to, like swat her away. She gets knocked knocked down, even though the chainsaw's like sticking in her shoulder. And then uh, Jade manages to get up. Whatever she chops the the head off. She grabs the head. More zeros start coming. She gets trapped in this room. There's no way out. So she calls home because they're like trying to bust down the door. She talks to her her da- daughter, but then the battery's like like about to die. She's like at one percent. So she decides she's just going to try to kill as many as, as she can with the chainsaw, but then it won't start. She like kind of throws it down, knocks this box open. There's some grenades in there. So she puts a bunch of grenades by the door. She's hiding behind, she ducks behind this table, and she goes, she throws a grenade. It doesn't go off. So she stands up to like, what, what's going on? And then the door gets knocked off the hinges, whatever, slams down on the grenades, whoosh, blows up. She gets like thrown back. Then when she finally gets up, her vision's kind of blurry or whatever like that. And then Baxter finds her again. 2022, Angel is like handcuffed to a chair. Evelyn's like talking to him. And he says that he can help her fix things, whatever. Wesker's driving around. And then um, Billy's like feeling shaky and stuff like that. Albert's watch count- countdown is reaching zero. And then, you know, he's going to need a blood sample. Oh, because also there is something where Jade set her watch because there's like the time limit when, according to whatever records were, that something's going to happen to to Billy. So Billy thinks that she's changing and Jade's like, you're not. She's like, the timer went off five minutes ago. And because, you know, she said it earlier. 2036, um, they're running. Uh, Baxter and, and Jade are running. They, they go up this ladder and then Baxter like grabs her leg. He's like, help me up or whatever like that. And, and she's like, she can't really do much. But then um, Baxter's getting grabbed by zeros. He gets chomped, pulled down. He's, he's done. And then Jade gets up on the surface. Again, she's free. But then, and it cuts to 2022. Billy's like, I feel fine. They hug. But then, you know, what about all the other stuff? You know, what about dad? What about um, dad dying in 2009? What about them? There being no records of them. So it's like, what are you going to do? Back to 2036. So uh, Jade's up on the surface. And then, of course, there's a chopper overhead. So Umbrella, she even she's, she's every time she thinks she's free, Umbrella's there. And that is where we're going to stop it for this week. 
That is the first four episodes. So just under an hour. We'll talk about five through eight next week. So again, it's 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 like I said, it's it's worth watching because uh, you know, like what's going on with the Weskers? What is happening? How does things get from twenty twenty two to twenty thirty six? Thirty six. So. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that next week. And with that, that is going to be this week's episodes, this week's 255th episode. So one more episode down and many, many, many more to go, right? The episodes are happening. Big thanks in part to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken because they are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones here or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is about another 30 minutes plus or, or take, give or take, of podcast entertainment every single week. And I recently talked about Amazing Spider-Man from 2012. Uh, last week I talked about American Psycho from 2000. This week is going to be another movie, and then other times I talk about comic books. And I haven't decided about what's going to happen after this week. We'll, we'll see. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com/slash/gmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That is ko-fi.com/slash/gmanfromheck. All right, what is going to happen on the next episode? I I, that's, I I don't know. I, I feel like I might be trying to do too much. So as you know, this week is Comic-Con. So on Wednesday, I fly down to San Diego. I'm excited. I'm extremely nervous. I'm, I'm worried about COVID and, um, you know, trying to get the appointments and trying to figure, you know, trying to do enough content. I, I don't feel like I'm going to be able to do as much as before. I will just see how things go. I, I really don't know what to expect. You know, I have some things lined up. So hopefully we'll see some content uh, on here or on entertainmentfish.com and, and my YouTube channel, which is where I'll post videos and stuff like that. Um, the one of the problem is I might have jury duty next week. And if so, that is going to cause a huge problem because I'm not going to be able to edit anything. I don't, I'll try to edit what I can in San Diego, but there's also just being exhausted from just running around all day and being on your feet and just, you know, going from here to there and everything. So I'm a little concerned with, with all of that. Um, I'm also concerned. I was like, I don't want to get COVID. We'll, we'll see what's going to happen. And also it's like, I don't know, like I mentioned earlier, I don't know if what I am able to see, I feel like that might not be enough for a whole podcast and I don't want to shortchange anyone. So obviously I am, you know, I'll, I'll be able to talk about uh, the latest episode of The Boys, or not The Boys, the latest episode of Westworld and Blackbird, the third episode. I'll hopefully be able to have the second half of Umbrella Academy. And then this might be kind of crazy. The Gray Man comes out on Thursday, the 22nd. So maybe if there's like not a lot of stuff, Maybe I can find time to maybe hopefully sort of watch that and then record some thoughts on that as well. And then somehow get the podcast ready to go. Podcast might be a little late because I, I fly back Sunday night. So I don't know. We'll have to see how it all goes. I'm going to try to do what I can. Hopefully, you know, you'll enjoy it all. So that's going to be a, yeah. So again, I, I know I'm, I'm still recording this. I still need to get this episode ready to go. I'm, I'm totally thinking about next week as well. And um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I am a little stressed about it, but 
also i i want to try to have some fun because it's it's been three years and you know i haven't seen you know a lot of people that i always see and talk to and we'll see how it goes so um thanks for being here thanks for listening and i hope you are doing well i hope you're taking care of yourself and i hope you remember to be good to each other 